Recorded live. Uh, today we have some guests who will be joining us in about half an hour or so, but prior to that, uh, we're going to sort of go through uh, some of the impressions that come from the, you know, the All-Star Games, uh, including the Gridiron Showcase that recently took place. Additionally, uh, there's going to be some discussion of the National Championship game and some of the players who performed well. Obviously, everyone was aware of Deshaun Watson and somewhat aware of Jacob Coker. And, uh, you know, I've always compared Coker to Landry Jones, both in terms of strengths and weaknesses. Big kids with good arms and, and good football pedigrees, even. And these are guys who are supposed to be good, four- and five-star type guys. Uh, four in the case of Landry Jones from Artesia, New Mexico. And uh, the kid from Mobile, a la A.J. McCarron, in the personage of one Coker, who is, you know, a five-star guy that was supposed to have been the man uh, when he went to Florida State. And, of course, unfortunately, he got to be the man next to the man. In fact, he was the man next to the man next to the man uh, much of his career at Florida State because they had some really good quarterback talent, and he wisely transferred to a school that, doesn't tend to have great quarterback talent, despite the fact that Alabama is one of the flagship programs in college football. Their quarterbacks are, are guys. They're, they're Jags. They're whatever term they use. They don't tend to be special. Uh, they tend to be the opposite of special, but they, they tend to operate within the system, right? I mean, when people use the term game manager, what should pop in your head should be an Alabama quarterback, whether it be Jay Barker, whether it be some of the more recent guys like Brody Croyle or McElroy or John Parker Wilson or I mean it's almost interchangeable as AJ McCarron or but they have the most talented guy, Coke. I mean, he's the guy with the most talent. But he's the best. I think people need to remind themselves of that um, that talent doesn't always make you a better player. It just means you have the opportunity to be a better player. It doesn't mean you will become a better player. You know, you're given the chance. Uh, you know, the good Lord has given you some of the, the necessary things that should allow you to become good. It doesn't mean that you will necessarily do that. You know, so there's stuff to work with with a guy like Coker, but you can see how far away he is from being the kind of guy who's likely to be an NFL starter at this point or even a really high-level backup. Uh, he is a guy that, Definitely has struggled with pocket awareness, uh, sometimes struggles with things like touch and anticipation. He can make some pretty throws, though, just like Landry Jones. Perfectly capable of making even some wild throws at times. And, you know, the emphasis on at times. Uh, inconsistency is that guy that is great four times out of ten, right? That's the definition of inconsistency, being great. Not just good, but great four times out of ten, being good three times out of ten, and then being really, really terrible a couple of times out of ten. So that it hopefully keeps you from overrating him, though I'm sure there are some people who, uh, well, maybe Alabama fans or just fans of his, will insist that he's going to be a a steal somewhere in the middle round and, and one day be a starter. And it does sometimes happen. Guys get better. It's not impossible that he could make that jump. And then, obviously, in the non-draft eligible to Sean Watson, uh, there's a guy here. It's very much like Marcus Mariota in a lot of ways. 
the cool, almost detached demeanor, uh, the somewhat slender frame. He's even smaller than Marietta. So people don't, at least not yet, are not complaining the same way they did to some extent about Marietta's frame. You're not hearing that about Watson yet. And hopefully he'll put on, you know, somewhere between 8 and 12 pounds between this year and next. I think he'll measure slightly over six foot two, And I think, you know, by the time he's ready to declare for the draft, either this next draft in 2017 or the one following that, you know, people are assuming he'll declare early, but why would he? He seems to be having a really good time at the college, and he's still getting better. I mean, he's young, and, you know, obviously there's this pressure nowadays. It's a fairly recent thing. I hear people rooting for guys to come out early. You know, it's weird, and it's recent. It's not something that used to happen. You didn't hear people sort of hoping and wishing and wanting for guys to come out early, whether that's completely ready or not. You really didn't see this happen much until, as I was saying, you know, previously until the late 1980s into the early 1990s. So there was a very small trickle of guys declaring hardship, as they used to call it prior to that, because you used to have to actually designate some sort of family difficulty or something going on that demanded that you need to be able to leave school early. Other than that, in the old days, you finished out your eligibility. All of the 1983 guys, right, all of them were seniors. From Ken O'Brien to Dan Marino to Todd Blackwich to, you know, Elway, every single one of those guys, all of them were guys who completed their eligibility at college. And, of course, such a thing would be almost inconceivable nowadays. You have that many first-time quarterbacks and every single one of them finishes college eligibility. And I think, particularly at the quarterback position, it's usually a good idea to do so. Uh, the guys who finish out their eligibility are usually have better outcomes at the NFL level. There are some exceptions. You know, Jameis Winston was an early entry. It was like he's going to turn out to be okay. I don't count four-year juniors, you know, retro juniors. Those, those guys aren't really early entries because they're graduating with their graduate class. I don't consider, you know, Andrew Luck an early entry. If he hadn't registered, he would have been a senior. But to me, two juniors and retro sophomores are the guys to truly study if you want to see the effects of early entry. And, you know, Manziel might have flamed out anyway, but the redshirt sophomore quarterback conundrum, you know, like I said, we'll see what happens with Jalen. He continues to, to improve and, and pan out. He will put a better face on that phenomenon, the redshirt sophomore quarterback, because the, the stories have been genuinely unhappy stories to this point in, in football history. You know, Tommy Maddox and, and Michael Vick are the happiest of the outcome so far. And most of the others from Marinovich onwards have usually been, you know, some of them have been flat out tragic in that they're out of the league and not just out of the league, but leading, you know, sort of sad lives or, or, or damaged lives. So my hope is that particularly at the quarterback position, even at some other position, you won't see so much pressure and, uh, you know, so many problems with people of not wanting to allow guys time to develop in college because that's where most development takes place. People often talk about being a developmental player at the pro level, but the time and energy 
to to do it is just yeah, you know. The coaching, the time, or whatever it is, is usually more available, frankly, at the collegiate level. Even though there's time limits on practice and other limits, the fact is that there is a commitment to spending time and energy on you at the collegiate level that's different from what you're going to find in the pro level. Because though there's all that time, and they have a lot of time to devote to football at the professional level, most of that time, and understandably, most of that time is, is allotted to game planning. You're trying to beat Bill Belichick. You know, that's the that's the um that's fact. That is the fact. That frankly if you're a first-round draft pick, right, or second-round draft pick even, there'll be some time allotted to try to turn you into something, hopefully something good. There's going to be less time allotted to developing you, you know, the further down you are drafted. And then by the time you get to guys who are mid or late-down guys or undrafted free agents, you better be pretty much ready to go. Or you frankly won't make it. You know, so that's that's an issue uh, that when people are, are pushing guys to declare early or, or, or hoping the guys will declare early, they're not thinking about two things. The idea is not just to be in the NFL, or hopefully it's not just to be in the NFL. The idea is to stay in the NFL, to have a long and successful career in the NFL. And so if you aren't Fully developed prospect. You know, beyond the whole life issues, right? You aren't as mature. You you don't know as much about life as you as you will, as much about yourself as you will later. You're less able to handle the pressures of being surrounded by grown men of all ages, guys who might be 10, 12, 15 years older than you, as well as guys your age. These are people who are motivated at least in part by self-interest. Uh, obviously, you may have run into some of that while you're in college, but for all the talk of team, and obviously team, the ultimate team sport, team is important, always will be, you're going to run into people who don't always have the same interest in mind that you had, uh, are sometimes working at, at somewhat different purposes. And though everyone should want everyone to get better and blah, 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 you know, there's times when guys will not help you as much as you were expecting. You know, every junior, every senior that you ran into, almost all of them, you know, you will still have a chance you might one day beat them out. We're looking then, hey, you know, do it this way, make sure you show up on time, all that kind of good stuff. You get the NFL, some guys would be like that. You know, Kurt Warner was, was a guy that was, even when he was brought in to some extent to tutor his eventual successor, like Eli Manning or whatever, was a guy that really helped those guys. But look at Brett Favre. You know, he wasn't exactly Mr. Warmth to, um, to young Aaron Rodgers. He, he didn't take him under his considerable wing and, and bring him along. You know, he tried to take every practice rep he could. Um, 
wanted to show everybody he was still the guy. And then eventually, when you know he retired, and I retired, and retired, and I retired. Eventually, they got rid, you know, rid of him. I mean, they got tired of his act and moved him on down the line. And Rogers, luckily, was Aaron Rodgers. You know, and the rest is history. But he did not benefit from this, you know, great tutelage that some people may assume that he did. Uh, there was not this great, you know, welcome. You know, and let me teach you to be an NFL quarterback. That did not happen. Um, so, understand the NFL is a business. You know, and not just to the businessmen. You know, coaches, GMs, whatever. Uh, I mean, GMs are, are, are obviously sort of guys who cross the barrier and front office people, player personnel. But even with coaches, especially coaches who do have some input into the lineups and rosters they have to have something of a business mind as well. And as much as they love being with the guys, the locker room and all that stuff, there is a coldness, you know, to the whole affair that you do find at that level that you just don't find in college. You have to be ready for that. You know, so that's one of the things I always try to let young people know when you're declaring the draft and you're making whatever decision, understand hopefully you'll be in a situation where you get developed. But you better have a plan for developing yourself just in case the coaching staff uh, either is unwilling or unable or more likely doesn't have the time to put toward developing you. Probably self-development plan for off the field. What do you want to learn about and get better and prepare because football's over quickly. You know, sometimes it's over in less than one year. Sometimes it's over in three to five years. For the vast majority of players, even the ones who quote-unquote make it, it's over in somewhere between three and five years. A tiny, tiny percentage have eight to ten-year careers. And then, you know, there's that very, very, very rare group that managed to play ten years or more, and they're, they're freaks. You know, there are the exceptions of the exceptions of the exceptions. You look at Drew Brees turning 37 and Peyton and Eli and these guys, those guys, they were asked to sort of talk about all the dead bodies, all the guys they entered the league with who have come and gone. You know, Aaron Shea, who was one of Tom Brady's best friends when he came out of Michigan, he's been retired forever. You know, he's, you know, he's retired for probably darn close to 10 years now. So, it's a very brief part of your life. Prepare as hard as you can for this very brief part of your life. Prepare just as hard for the rest of your life or harder for the rest of your life because that's what most of your life is going to be spent doing is something other than this great demanding crucible of a game. Most of what you're going to spend your life doing is something else. So please prepare for that even while you're playing. The real challenge, especially in this current version of the game of football at the National Football League level, because of very legitimate player safety concerns, they've cut down on the amount of contact time. And by contact time, that means you know, physical contact, hitting, but it also means contact time in terms of coaching. They have lost some of that time due to the fact that they are concerned about player safety and with that legitimate concern has come a lack of time 
building in certain things in terms of fundamentals. So we, we, we bemoan the lack of tackling. Oh, wow, what happened to tackling, right? I was an undersized, not terribly fast, not very physically impressive player, but I was a very good tackler. I brought my feet, had my head up, tucked my tail, you know, got my eyes, ran my feet, one, one step, wrap, two step, squeeze, and I put people on their back, people who outweighed me by 60, 70 pounds. Not because I was an amazing athlete, because it was not because I practiced tackling a lot. I used to tackle things around the house. I used to tackle things during practice. I would go over to the side and tackle tackling dummies, tackle my teammates, tackle anything. Because I knew that was something I could control. I could control how good I could be as a tackler. I couldn't make myself bigger or stronger. I lifted weights, you know, try, when I got old enough to try to get stronger and got somewhat stronger. But my genetics were my genetics. I stopped growing fairly early, you know, uh, was never terribly fast. I was going to have to be, as they say, self-made. And so I worked on the mental side of the game. I worked on tackling. I watched great safeties and tried to figure out what made them great. And part of what eventually got me into talent evaluation and scouting and things like that was being around better players and trying to figure out why they were so good. Starting when I was very young, the, my first exposure to football was as a very young child. I, I had a friend named Claxton Hines back in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and he eventually became an All-American wide receiver at Duke. But in the interim, he moved away, went down to Jacksonville, Florida, and went to the Bowles School, which is a, a well-known school down in northern Florida. And he was this big kid, you know. <laughs> it was funny when I saw him later as an All-American wide receiver. He was this physically very different person, tall and thin, I, he was a big husky kid when I knew him, you know, but he thinned out, obviously. But the point is, I looked at how fluid and decisive and powerful he was. And I looked at how different all the rest of us were from Clarkston. And I said, okay, by the age of, of six, I figured out, okay, genetics, you know, that's, that's a big deal here. Looked at his parents, looked at my parents, you know, looked at certain things. Uh, I said, okay, I see now I'm going to have to overcome some challenges, I'm going to have to uh, work on some things that uh, I can control. So I can control certain things. And the things I can control, effort, right? I can control my effort. No one else controls my effort. Preparation. No one else but me controls my preparation. I prepare as hard and as long as I want to, as thoroughly as I can for every opportunity. No one else but I. No one else but I can decide how hard, how long I prepare, how hard I study. And there's so many talented players, so talented. And they want to do well. They want to be good. They want to be superstars. But they don't embrace the, the grind. They don't embrace the suck, as people say. And embracing the suck, embracing the grind, is usually the the deciding factor. I believe I have been joined by one of our prospect guests. Is that Jonathan who just uh, came on with us? Uh, yes, sir. Well, first of all, let me say it has been a joy and a privilege watching your tape the last few years. You, Thank you. have been a model of consistency for at least three years that I know of. Um, let me ask you a little bit about how you and the game first met each other. How did you originally get introduced to the game of football, John? 
Um, I actually started later than most. Uh, I started in about seventh grade. I played. Uh, I didn't play for the school. I actually played um, in a league, kind of separated from the school. And then after seventh grade, uh, I didn't play in the eighth grade. Um, and then I really got into it once I got once I was a freshman in high school. Okay. So that was your first time playing what most people call big time, you know, playing playing yeah. against players, probably the first time players who were anywhere close to as good as you were, and probably most of them weren't as good as you, but you were around a larger talent base than you ever had been around before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, where did you go to high school? Uh, Ravenwood High School in Brentwood, Tennessee. Got it. Okay. There have been a couple of guys who've come out of there. Um who are some of the better players that, that have come out of your high school and that, that you know of in the past? Um, I know Daniel Becker. He was a great player. Um, well, Daniel and Michael Becker, they were two mm-hmm. brothers that um, played. Uh, one went to Austin P. The other one went to Tennessee State. Um, um, T.C. Jennings, uh, he was a great quarterback that we had uh, around the time the school opened because our school was relatively new. So uh, I think it I think it opened around well, 2002. I was gonna say about 12 years old, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. that's about right. Okay, yeah, I thought that was 12, 2002. So a little over. Okay, I, I underestimated. It, so a little older than I thought, but okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell me about your your coaches. Who 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 coached you and and who impacted you once you started playing there? Um, but during my first two years, uh, my head coach was Brian Rector, and then my last two years, um, our OC got promoted. Um, it was Thomas Schumann. I mean, they're both great coaches, great leaders. Um, they both preached uh, a motto. Our motto was uh, C, it's called CCC, it's Courage, Commitment, and Character. And that was mm-hmm. something that they um, really infused into our program and helped grow us all as men and helped teach us a lot of lessons on and off the field. Okay. Now, you were a big athletic kid who played a couple of different positions. Tell me about the positions you played originally and when did you finally settle into the position you play now? Um, I originally, when I first, uh, like freshman year, I was a receiver. I just played receiver and a little bit of D end. I was, for, I was really skinny at that point, uh, real tall and lanky. Um, and then over the years, I slowly started gaining a little bit more weight. And then I transitioned so to being a, tied in and defensive end over my last right. years. Did anybody ever tell you about uh, DeMarcus Ware and his story? Mm, I haven't heard. I just I know he went to Troy, but I mean, I'm not particularly Ware, familiar with this story. DeMarcus Ware was one of the last scholarships available at Troy. And one of those sort of, you know, somebody backed out. We had an extra scholarship kind of deal. DeMarcus Ware arrived on campus at 6'3", 196 pounds, and was a possession receiver when he arrived at Troy. Wow. Did you know that? <laughs> I did not know that. I would have never guessed it. Yes. So a lot can happen, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, what do you think helped you? What do you think you learned or, or maybe helped you develop from, from starting out originally as a guy who played on the other side of the ball and, and was, you know, having to catch footballs and run routes? Um. I mean, really just being more physical and just getting a more of a handle of this defense, defensive side of the ball. Um, I mean, just I think like the transition was easy. Uh, I feel like that was my more natural position, um, being a defensive end and um, 
I mean, I felt natural with my hand in the dirt, so I feel like the transition wasn't too bad. Okay. Okay. And when did you sort of feel like the transition had taken place? Like, when did you feel like, okay, now I'm a defense player? When did that set in? In high school? In high school, you mean? Or any point in your life. When did you go from feeling like a guy who was primarily an offensive player? You know, you know this. The, the, the physical skills are similar, but there's a different yeah. mindset. The playing offense versus playing oh, yeah, defense. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> when did you mentally become a defensive player? I guess what I'm saying. I'd say my junior year. That was, that was my first year on varsity, and uh, that was the year I really had to really come into my own and um, just really make a lot more plays and be more productive on the defensive side of the ball, and that's something you have to really own. Um, and that's something I do over, over those last two years, and I definitely think it started in my junior year. Okay. Got it. And and who sort of helped you? Oh, I think we've been joined by – is that Isaiah Shelton who's joined us as well? Yes. Okay, excellent. Isaiah, I'll be speaking to you just momentarily. I have uh, Jonathan uh, Woodard on the line. And Jonathan is disruptive, I guess is the best way I can think of to put it. Uh, he he creates problems for people. Uh, so, so, Jonathan, you, you had played, obviously, you said, a couple different positions. You settle in eventually on defense. Can you tell me about the play that you made – that mainly made you believe that this was the right place for you, this is the position where you belong, you need to play defense, and, and what made you fall in love with being a defender as opposed to, you know, catching football for touchdown? Um, I would say um, uh, probably, I think it was a, my junior year, I had a strip sack versus a page high school. Um, um, I, was, I feel like it's just a play I always remember. I mean, I had a great get off, beat the, beat the tackle clean, and um, served the quarterback, and I think it might have ended up uh, might end up scoring a touchdown on that play, not myself, but someone else. But um, I mean, it's always a play I remember. Uh, I think it might have been one of my first sacks of that uh, my junior season. Um, and I mean, that's just all ties into what I love about playing defense, playing defensive end specifically, just getting after the quarterback and being able to really affect uh, getting the, being able to get into the quarterback's head and really affect uh, the passing game. I mean, and, and the running game as well. Okay. Got it. And I'll ask uh, Isaiah sort of the same question. How did you get introduced to the game? How did you first start playing? And what position did you play when you first started playing, Isaiah? Um, well, I always wanted to play Little League football, but uh, I was a little bit oversized. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> now, how how oversized were you? <laughs> Well, I mean, most most boys and girls club in my area, I think they might have went up to like 110 pounds, 115 pounds. So I was in the maybe like around 120, 130, and um, like my uh, when I was like maybe you know 10 or 11 years old. Um, and there were unlimited teams, but they were just so far to get to, and you know, just it was it was it was kind of hard to to join one of those clubs. But um, I initially started playing football in my ninth grade year of high school. Um, I started out as a defensive lineman, which everybody always wants to be a defensive lineman when it comes to, you know, bigger guys. And I ended up getting moved to offensive line because we were so um, so short on players offensively. And uh, I've been playing offensive line ever since ninth grade. So, 
Okay. And what would you say is the primary difference in your mind between playing on the offensive as opposed to the defensive side of the line? Um, honestly, I, I, I can't say that there's naturally a difference. I mean, defensive line, you get to be, like, more free um, just because you get to move around a lot more, you know, offensive line, and you, you, you're coming out of, you know, from one position trying to go, go get a guy. But, I mean, regardless, whether it's offensive de- defensive line, you have to be aggressive, you have to be relentless. And, I mean, so I, I can't really say that it's, it's too much of a distinction between the positions except that uh, the defensive lineman, you, you're able to move around a lot more. Okay. So both of you, obviously, are on ninth grade. For one of you, ninth grade, you know, sort of kicked off your career at all, basically, because of your size. And then for the other one of you, things sort of accelerated around ninth grade. Uh, so I'll stick with you for one more second. I think I'll go back to you, Jonathan. Okay. So you've established yourself, right? Um, who are some of the better players on your team, and who are some of the best guys you played against while you were in high school? Oh man. Um in high school mm-hmm. uh gosh, that got, got me thinking back far now. <laughs> you said far. You just like thirty years ago. <laughs> um, I can't really name anybody per se that was, you know, super that that stood out so much. I mean there there, there was two guys from uh Eleanor Roosevelt High School pretty Pretty good defensive lineman. Um, I think one of his one of the guys' name might have been Dante Wallace. He ended up going to University of Buffalo, and the other oh, guy okay. his name was um, Isaiah Ross. He ended up going to the University of Maryland. He actually played at Shepherd this this past season. But those those are probably two of the better defensive linemen I had seen in my high school career that I could uh, that I could remember. Um, okay. Practice wise, I mean the kids that I played against that were on my team, they were they were definitely pretty good. I had um. Guy named Levisy, um had two pretty good defensive ends and uh, some some really good linebackers. One of them ended up starting for University of Maryland, uh, Lauren Gorey, and um, the other one played at Navy for a while and went to Toledo. His name was uh, Brandon Killebrew. So um, okay, yeah, I got in practice. I, I I got a good competition, so it kind of made the games a, a tad bit easier. <laughs> yes. And Jonathan, same question for you. Who were some of the best players you played? with and against when you were in high school? Um, I do. Uh, as far as playing against, I would definitely say um, there's a couple guys I can remember. Um, I know a guy, the offensive line played tackle and guard. He went to Duke. His name was Lucas Patrick. Um, and as far as, like, skill players, um, uh, we played a team called Smyrna. And there was a quarterback and running back combo named was Sonny Gray and Jeremiah Bryson. And Sonny Gray, uh, oh. he was quarterback. Uh, he actually plays for the Oakland A's now. And right, then, I remember Sonny the pitcher, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Jeremiah Bryson uh, went to Pittsburgh, and then I think he ended up going to Middle Tennessee State. Okay. And then as far awesome. as uh, my personal team, we had uh, – I mean, we had a lot of good players on our team, but most um, in my class ended up going to – like smaller schools like D two and D three and stuff like that. 
Right, which doesn't necessarily mean that you you aren't a good player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all yeah. kinds of things lead guys to going to, you know, FCS or D2 or D3. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your recruitment process, Jonathan. When did you first start to get recruited, and how did that play out for you? Um, uh, I mean, I wasn't very highly recruited coming out. Uh, I was about, I think my senior year, I was about like 6'4 and like 205 playing DN, so I was really lanky <laughs> coming out, skinny and lanky. So I actually had to use a recruiting service to kind of get my name out there. And then through that, I got recruited by um, Furman and Cornell and Central Arkansas. I went up to uh, Cornell up in Ithaca. Um, mm-hmm. I actually liked it up liked it up there, but I wasn't sure. Um, in the end, I wasn't sure when I'd be able to be admitted just because of how their administrative process is. So at they, that point, uh, I, they're academics or but it's an Ivy League school, you know. So yes, they, yeah, yeah, the yeah, academics are tough. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then um, at that point, I ended up taking a visit to Central Arkansas. Uh, got down there and I mean, got the chance to spend the time with the guys and see the campus and meet the coaches. And uh, I just realized it was the best fit for me. And at that point, I made the decision. Okay. And uh, same question for you, Isaiah. Tell me about when you first started to hear from schools and how did you try to figure out where you wanted to continue your education and your playing career? Um, it, it started happening uh, um, right after my junior year. Um, a lot of schools, well, not a lot, but uh, a good bit of schools started to show interest around that time. Um, I played center and guard that year, so uh, a lot of schools actually liked me as a center. And, um I mean, I didn't start receiving offers until um, maybe like the middle of my my senior season. Um, I had like a lot of AA schools that were recruiting me, um, uh, a lot of uh, Division II schools, um, not too many 1A schools uh, recruited me. But, I mean, like I said, it it started to pick up uh, around the end of my junior year. Okay. Got it. And how did you go about making your decisions in your process? What were you looking for in a school, and how did you know when you found the right one? Um, honestly, I was looking for opportunity to play. Uh, I didn't, you know, just want to go to a big school and, you know, be on a roster for four or five years and not not be a starter or or, or not be able to play. Um, and then it also came down to financials. Like a lot of schools, um, especially the AA schools, were were offering me like partial offers and. Um, I just I, I wasn't really trying to you know pay that much for school, um, and I knew that I wanted to continue to play football. And um, you know after after meeting with uh, a good bit of Division two schools, especially Shepherd, um, there there were situations where we were able to work out you know a pretty good deal and and make make things happen. So okay. So Jonathan, you as you said were a, a slightly more late-developing guy, physically speaking. Yeah. You, you show up on a college campus, you know, with a slightly different body than what you have now. <laughs> uh, what was your welcome to college football moment? When did you realize, oh, oh this isn't high school anymore? What, what sort of woke you up to that fact? Um, um, I'd say maybe like the first – Probably like the first camp experience, just like the amount of time you spend in film and at practice and just up at the facilities and stuff like that. It's kind of like a, I mean, it's just a real wake up call to realize you're not in high school anymore. Um, 
I mean, in high school, you really don't spend that much time at, up at the school. I mean, it's practice. I mean, it's pretty baseline stuff. But once you get up there, there's so much film and uh, workouts and just so much extra facets to it. Um, it just really, I mean, but at the end of the day, it's all worth it. Uh, it's a grind that you really got to embrace. But uh, it definitely woke me up at that point. And uh, I guess same question to you. What was the moment that sort of made you realize, oh, this is a different level of everything? You know, this is a different deal. What was it when that sort of showed you that this wasn't high school anymore for you, Isaiah? You said once I got to college, correct? Yes, right. What was your sort of welcome um, to college football moment, right? <laughs> Heck, I would probably say my first ever conditioning test. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, obviously in high school, I mean, we, we had, you know, training camp and, two-a-days and all that, but we never did, like, a second conditioning test. And, I mean, that was the first thing that I did to college, and I was like, wow, you know, this, it's, it's, it's going to be real from here on out. And, uh, I mean, going into to, to my freshman year of college or my first year at Shepherd, I mean, I worked out during my summers, and I thought I was, you know, training the hardest that I could. And once that conditioning <laughs> test started, it was it was a whole other story. So <laughs> I would definitely say the conditioning test was definitely my, my, my big welcome to college. <laughs> yeah. I, one of my favorite stories about conditioning tests is when um, Urban Meyer came from Utah to University of Florida. You know, Florida is a big time program. It's not like he's going to some little podunk school. Yeah. Florida is a place where Spurrier, I mean, they, you know, <laughs> Galen Hall, and like they've had lots of things happen in Florida football. But he shows up for the first, you know, conditioning test, first on field practice, and he lines the entire practice field with garbage cans. Like, I was like, what are the garbage cans for? He <laughs> says, you'll see. <laughs> uh, they, some of the guys needed the garbage cans, it turns out. Uh, he he turned up the intensity on, you know, this is, this is a big-time program. These guys have been training, but they, just, they hadn't trained like Urban Meyer liked to train, I guess is what they discovered. It was uh, slightly more intense than I think they were even uh, even prepared for. So, yes, it is it is a different – it's different. A little different. Uh, I'll stick with you right there. Who are some of the guys you first got close to when you got on campus? Who are some of the guys you first gravitated towards? I mean, obviously, my position group, the office linemen. Um, sure. You know, I got really close to those guys. It was it was a good bit of guys from my county that were also in my high school that I, like, played against. I mean, that were also in my college that I played against in high school or, like, I was, like, on um, all-star teams with or, or something. I but. I mean, more so that the offensive line was definitely the closest group of people that I that I that I got, um, you know, that that, that I became acquainted with really fast. And I just spent some time with those guys. Uh, it was definitely definitely good for our bond and chemistry going forward as a as a line group. So, and that's a that's a special group. I mean, I think everybody, you know, has a bond with the guys that play their position, but it, it's different for offensive linemen, partially because people don't understand what you do. Like, most people understand, to some extent, what the quarterback does. But even even your grandmother, right? A grandmother can watch a football <laughs> yeah. game, and she figures out pretty quickly what the running backs do, what the wide receivers do. She can kind of see what the linebackers and, and, and defensive backs do. It's a little less clear to a grandmother or someone who's never played football what those enormous guys that all they do apparently is slam into other dudes. That's all you can see them doing. Like, oh, okay. But what are they, you know, like, unless you really have been in the offensive line group and seen what goes into playing that position, because there's no, there's hardly any stats to speak of. People can't yeah. open up the neutral and say, oh, wow, Isaiah Shelton was amazing in that game. You know, because, <laughs> look, he had 
X number of offensive line things. I mean, there's no place for people to sort of, I mean, until somebody recognizes you by making you all conference or whatever, there's certain ways you can get recognition, but it's not during the game usually, and it's rarely even right after the game. It's film study. It's, like I said, postseason. Now people talk about you, if, if even then. Uh, tell people, take people inside the offensive line room, Isaiah, because it's a special place. What's it like in there, and, and what kind of person becomes an offensive lineman? I think an offensive lineman is typically someone who is used to working hard and not not having it showcased. Um, in high school, my, my, my offensive line coach, his name was uh, Coach Sharif. He always called us the forgotten five because everybody would always praise, say, hey, you know, the running back rushed for 200 yards today or the quarterback, you know, he threw for three touchdowns or wide receiver caught this or the DB had this pick or whatever the case may be. But nobody ever said, well, wow, the, the offensive line, you know, they, they were great. They opened up holes or, you know, they, they gave the quarterback time to throw the ball. And as I went on further in my career playing offensive line position, I realized that it's a position where you, you – I mean, obviously, every position you have to, you know, bust your butt and give your best effort. But offensive line, I mean, it's a position where you truly are are working and, and not getting any, any – um, true recognition or, or game recognition and not saying that people don't don't think that offensive linemen are important because they definitely are but it's something that you can't expect to at the end of the game somebody's going to come up to you and say hey you're going to be the player of this game because you you had a you had an outstanding game even if you had you know 20 or 30 pancakes so it's it's, it's, it's very <laughs> very slim that 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 that'll happen you know right even though orlando pace was probably the best football player in america his 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 junior year at ohio state he did not win the Heisman. It would have been awesome if he did, but he did not. <laughs> but he was amazing. I mean, I had never seen someone that big, and Ogden was similar when he was at UCLA, but somebody that big move like that, it was frightening. I'm so glad I never had to play against human beings like that because it's just it doesn't make any sense for a guy that big to move the way those guys move. And they were dominant. I don't – I mean, and – the the single most frightening human being I've ever seen on a football field was an offensive lineman named Larry Allen, who played several positions in his career, but was primarily known as a guard at, uh, when he was with the uh, Dallas Cowboys. And he used to, if you, if you go on YouTube, put in Larry Allen's 700-pound bench press and things like that. I mean, his strength was guys who are as strong as Larry Allen usually have a cape and a mask and a secret identity. <laughs> he he was so strong. There's a block he made one time where he literally it was like um it was like a ricochet bullet kind of thing. He blocked one guy so hard it hit two other guys and knocked all three of them down. I'm not joking. Look it up. <laughs> Look it up. It was against the Philadelphia Eagles. They were running one of those toss sweeps and he just took out an entire phalanx basically of the Eagles defenders. He was ungodly. It's his ability to, he was just, I mean, oof, my gosh. Uh, he just wants to see dominant offensive line play. He doesn't get off on that. Larry Allen is, oof. people will be showing the tape of Larry Allen when all of us have passed from this earth. He will be talked about in hushed tones like people talk about John Henry and Paul Bunyan. Uh, Jonathan, back to you. You had to grow literally into your position mindset-wise and physically, what did you do to go from being this guy who looked like a 
undersized tight end to a legitimate defensive end prospect that some people think will have a very successful NFL career? I'm really just embracing it, uh, embracing the physicality, embracing the just the mindset you have to have to really have success as a D lineman. At the end of the day, it's really a battle in the trenches every um, every down. I mean, that's where the that's where games are won and lost in the trenches. Um, and I also had to gain a lot of weight. Uh, I got there. Yeah, I got. I got. Uh, <laughs> after my senior year, uh, I weighed about two hundred five. I got to school at around two twenty five. But I mean, I still. I mean, either way, I still look like a string bean. But uh, <laughs> um, just over the years, uh, I got from about two twenty five. Then the next year, to two fifty. Then the um, two fifty five, two sixty. Then. 265 didn't uh then to where I am now I'm really about 275 between there and 280 and just progressively uh just getting used to the weight being able to carry it um I still feel like I have the frame to put on even more it's just a matter of uh putting on weight the right way um but I mean I feel like that was really the key to getting bigger getting stronger just embracing uh the physicality of it all now for someone who's never had the experience of putting on 70-some-odd pounds over a three-year period, which, you know, the average person certainly has never done, at least not on purpose. What goes into that? Explain, explain what you have to do. As you said, put it on the right way, put it on the way that your body can handle, uh, in a way that doesn't slow you down or, or restrict your mobility and flexibility. How do you go about doing that? I'm really just eating. I'm eating the right way. I had a I mean, really just eating the right way and then also having a good um, weights program to really help you build muscle and be able to keep it on. Because um, um, at other times, I mean, when I was smaller, it was a lot easier to put on the weight um, and to keep it on. But, I mean, as you keep getting bigger, you have to be more careful about what you eat so it's um, good weight and not just um, fattening foods that are just putting on fat instead of muscle. Right. So you walk around right now at what two seventy one or what do you, what is it you weigh now, John? Two seventy five. Two seventy five. Oh wow. Okay. So you have put on fifty pounds and keep you're keeping on fifty pounds above what you yeah. weigh when you walk on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people don't realize how hard that is because you're you you put out a lot of work. You know, your body is working hard, and your body will break down over time. People don't realize that a guy may start the season at 312 pounds and end the season at 298. Mm-hmm. You know, not on purpose. Just your body starts to break down. You you get worn down. You can't lift like you normally would in the off season because you hurt too much. Uh, and, you know, you, you've got to fight through it. So, Isaiah, same question for you. Uh, when did you enter school weighing and what do you weigh now? Um... When I first got to Shepherd, I was about uh, 310 pounds, but it was a it wasn't a fit 310 pounds. Um, <laughs> you you still had some of that baby weight on you, as they say, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and after my first my, my freshman year at Shepherd, I stayed up there um, and trained at, at school during the summer, and I got down to about 280 pounds. And um, I played my sophomore season around 290. Uh, and as as the years went on, I always stayed at school and trained. But um, my senior season, I played around 308. But it was it was a lot better 308 
right 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 so you you it would you would put it in different places definitely yeah right um so let's talk about the weight room and that's the part that people don't see uh people unless you're you know jj watt somebody does a documentary on you they follow you or whatever but most people don't see how much how much of your life is spent in a smelly hot room with a bunch of other dudes cursing and sweating and grunting and yelling at each other. One more rep. One more rep. Come on, you bleep. One more rep. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> um, luckily, luckily, people can't see and hear all the things that go on in the weight room. It gets a little salty in there, you know, not for family viewing. Uh, not all of it, at least. I mean, from my experience, I'm assuming it's still the same. Uh, that some things that you would not want to say to someone on the streets have probably said to each other in the weight room. Uh, let's talk about the weight room. Uh, you obviously, both of you, changed your body. One of you took your body from, as you said, sort of built like a, you know, quarterback, tight end, possession receiver kind of build to a guy that's a legitimate power rusher, defensive end, you know, base end kind of guy, a guy who can play with his hand in the dirt at the NFL level against the Dwayne Browns, and and Solders and Bulmers and whoever you want to throw out there in the world who are 320 some odd, 330 pounds in some cases. That requires a lot of not just eating, but you guys do a lot of work in the weight room. What kinds of things have helped you in the weight room? And what would you say are your greatest accomplishments just from a weight room perspective, John? Still there, Jonathan? Because you kind of faded out on me for a second there. Oh, sorry. What was it? Can you ask that one more time? Oh, I was just saying weight room. Uh, obviously, you spent a lot of your time and energy in the weight room. Talk about some of the things you learned, you know, things that helped you to reshape your body that you picked up, and what are your proudest accomplishments in terms of the weight room? What things are you proudest of that you've accomplished in the weight room? Um, I think really, I mean, really, you just got to love it. Uh I mean, I feel like I've had a lot of success. I mean, getting stronger over the years, and the people have asked me before what the what they think the key to is, and I think it's just really competing and really just loving it and having that attitude to get better and get stronger every day, just like in just like in just like having that attitude in practice um, to get better. You got to embrace it. You got to love it. Um, and I've really realized over the years a lot of it. Uh, the key to really having success is being more flexible and um, just really improving your, your nutrition, um, getting the sleep you need, and just taking care of your body so you can get the gains that you want to get. Because um, without that, you're really fighting an uphill battle. Um, uh, no matter how hard you're working in there, if you're not getting the right amount of sleep and you're not eating the right foods, um, the amount you can really grow um, is really limited. And then, uh, what I'm most accomplished of, I would say, um, I've really gotten a lot stronger, like upper body wise, over the course of my time there. Um, I'm looking to put up um, good numbers for pro day on my bench press, hopefully, um, mid or low to mid 30s on bench press, and then um, in my max on bench press is about 450. So that was definitely what I'm most You've got of. fairly long arms, and you max yeah. at 450, you said? That's, yes, sir. That's, 
that's pretty impressive for a guy built like you. And, of course, especially for a guy that, as you said, you know, showed up weighing 225. Mm-hmm. Um, do you also, are you also into power clean and squat and deadlift? Or what are your other things that you work on when you go into the weight room? I mean, all, um, I mean, all of it. Power cleans, deadlifts, uh, squats as well. Uh, we have a great strength coach. Uh, his name is Robert Steiner. Um, he really gets us. Uh, he really works us to make sure we're ready, um, and not really in every lift. Um, so I mean, he's definitely got us ready over the years, and that's definitely something I'm thankful for. Thankful for. Got it. Same question for you, Isaiah. What uh, what things did you learn from your time, your hours and hours you spent in the weight room? Uh, what things helped you to become better, and what are you most proud of? What are the, the favorite things you've accomplished in your weight room days? Well, I learned uh, definitely the weight room is something that you have to be consistent with. Um, if you want to see results, it's, 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 it's definitely important that your dedication to the weight room is is, is of the utmost important um, with that being said, uh, I would say my biggest accomplishment would would actually have been taking taking pride in lifting weights and and staying the course with it and being consistent with it. I mean, obviously in in high school or at my high school, uh, the weight program wasn't very um, <laughs> wasn't very big. Um, you know, we we kind of did like maintenance lifting, but it was never an instance where we went in the weight room. We just grinded it out, you know, through a through a whole summer or something like that. And when I once I got to college, that that completely it flipped, and uh, I mean, our strength coach Jeremy Overfield, he does a great job with the guys, and um, you know, even having a summer weight program for Division two schools, as most Division two schools probably don't have, um, just being able to, you know, coach us up and, and help us with our lifts and our abilities, and just push us to to uh, pass our limits and, and help us, you know, gain strength, get leaner, um, faster and stronger. So that was that was probably my my. Uh, my best accomplishments and, and experience weight room wise. Um, as far as lifts goes, uh, I'm a lower body lifter. I love I love doing lower body. I mean, obviously, upper body is is important, but as an offensive lineman, that leg drive and being able to keep your feet going and pushing people off the ball to start to start from starts from the hip down. Um, yep. So I believe that that legs for me, squats, uh, clean front squats. Uh, those are like some of my favorite lifts. So um Okay. What's your what's your PR in the squat? Most I've got in the squat was six twenty. Um, oh, that'll do. <laughs> yeah. Uh I mean obviously you know you, you, you want to get higher than that, but uh that's since since I've been in college, that was the, the most that I've ever gotten. No, no, that's that's okay. You you don't need to be ashamed of a six hundred and twenty pound squat. <laughs> I don't, it's not too shabby. <laughs> And what are some of the things you still want to work on? Uh, I'll, I'll ask both of you this, but I'll start with you, Isaiah. Where, where's the area where you still feel like you have the greatest area for improvement? Um, I would definitely say for me, core. Uh, I mean, every office lineman wants to have a six-pack. The ladies love it, yes. Definitely. But um, having a strong core is, is also important. I mean, if you have a weak core, you tend to bend bad, and even when it comes to your lifts, such as squats or coming out of your stance, if if, if your core isn't isn't you know super strong, then it's kind of hard for you to function, you know, at your highest um your highest abilities, which is which is why I, I really emphasize and and put a lot of um, 
time into doing doing core work, and that's something I want to do more of, just just so that I can build a stronger core and and have that um have that you know ability to to improve my game through through core strength. What about it? So you guys both clearly grinded out a lot of of hours, a lot of mm-hmm. painful sometimes hours in the weight room. And it clearly made you better. Uh, on tape, I could see, particularly, like I said, I'll, I'll talk about you, Jonathan, between that sophomore and junior year, you went from being sort of an intriguing, maybe he's a three, four outside linebacker kind of thing to, oh, oh, no, 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 not, no, scratch that. <laughs> no, this is, this is a defensive end for real. Um, as you changed yourself and as you began to really become more productive and get a lot of attention from defense, from, yeah, not defenders, from offensive lines and, heck, running backs and whatever. You got I mean, people with double-team, you chip you, things like that. How did you deal with the fact as you became an all-conference player and an all-American and all-whatever, how did you deal with the fact that teams would begin to game plan around stopping you, Johnson? How did you deal with the fact that teams with, you know, offensive line coaches and offensive coordinators would open meetings or early in the meeting would say, okay, we got to deal with this guy right here? How did you deal with – not being neutralized by all the things, that, you know, sliding protections and things like that towards. I mean, that's something you just got to work on uh, every week and work on with your coaches and to make sure you can still have a, a profound effect on the game. Um, it's something you also got to be um, – I mean, you. Act, I mean, it's, a, it's not a good feeling, but it's um, – you just know that, like, I mean, your hard work's paying off, that the teams are game planning for you to that extent. Um that, I mean, you're doing something right. And also um, the fact that they're um, game planning for you that much will also free up players, um, free up other players on your team to make plays. And, uh, I mean, just being able to keep pushing through, um, like beating double teams and beating the schemes that they have against you, uh, it will just make you um, stand out that much more as a player. Okay. And I think we've been joined by our third guest. Who hopped on with us from uh, the beautiful Garden State of New Jersey? I actually, uh, actually have to go, but um, oh, it's that's been fine. a well, pleasure. Before you, before you, I know you have to go, Jonathan. Before you go, tell people what you have coming up next and like where they can, you know, I know you just, you were in the Gridiron Showcase, is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. What was that experience like for you? Oh, it was a great experience. Um, It was a uh, um, hosted by Jose Jefferson. Um, They had a a uh, great group of coaches down there. We got after it for about three days. Oh, it was a great experience. I learned some new things and really got a chance, another chance to compete, um, get some more film out there. Um, the Between practices and interviews with scouts and things like that, they had us, um, they had seminars available that um, gave a chance for financial advisors and uh, accountants and, um, other NFL players to speak to us and just talk to us about what NFL life will be like. And I definitely feel like it was a useful resource, and it's definitely something that players could use. And I was definitely grateful that they uh, had that resource available to us. So, I mean, we could just learn and see what kind of things we can expect at the next level. Perfect. And do you have a combine or a pro day coming up soon that we should know about? Um, I have not got a pro- combine invite, invite as of yet, but um, okay. uh, my pro day will be – Sometime in mid-March, the date hasn't been finalized yet. Okay. I just asked that you keep me updated with that. You should have an email from me with a series of questions. If you can return that uh, in the next 
day or so, that'll go into a profile I'm building for uh, an article I'm writing for uh, FanSeek called uh, Blue Light Specials. It's about players that I think will be selected somewhere after the third round of the draft who I believe will make an impact at the next level. So that'll be helpful and also use that in also the article I'm writing on my all underappreciated team uh, for Nuts and Bolts Sports. So I wish you all the best. Jonathan, I will continue uh, to, to monitor your progress. It's been really a lot of fun, quite frankly, watching just you grow physically and as a player and as a person. You're an impressive young man. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's my been pleasure. a pleasure uh, having me on the show. I've enjoyed it. Well, certainly. I, I will uh, look, like I said, uh, look for the email I sent. I'll be following up with you soon. All right. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, who's certainly who's joined us from New Jersey? Is that Sabian? Who, who or is it Tyler? Who joined us? Okay, maybe it's a listener. That's fine. Then we'll keep on going. Um, and I see I've been joined by my co-host James Coburn. Uh, James, unfortunately, unfortunately, Jonathan had to run. I knew he had only about half an hour to spend with us, but he was a, uh, a delight. And here's a guy who I, was, I sort of brought up the Marcus Ware story to him because he arrived as a tight end, sort of tight end slash the end prospect who was 205 pounds when he finished high school and about six foot four. And he has reshaped his body significantly. Uh, he's now about six foot five and about 275 pounds. And as he mentioned, has a personal record in the bench press of 450 pounds despite having pretty darn long arms. Uh, how are you doing, Jim, Jim Cobra? Uh, pretty good. Excellent. Uh, we also have Isaiah uh, Shelton with us, who is a an impressive – I see you as a guard. Have you ever played in center, Isaiah? I actually came to Shepard as a center. Um, I played center, center also in high school. Um, played okay. a little guard in high school, too. But I came to Shepard as a center, and they, they moved me to the outside. Moved so. okay. Yeah. Well, I think you could do either one. Uh, I think you know, it could be a guard center. I mean, obviously, if you can, if you can do both, that's always helpful. Uh, have yep. you ever learned to long snap? Uh, I can long snap. Um, I've never done it in a you know, game situation. But in I, a game, I, I, okay. I, before, yeah. I just bring it up because the more you can do, the more you will do. Definitely. Uh, so I'm going to let Jim ask you some questions as well. So Isaiah uh, from Shepard, uh, he's a powerful guy, personal record of 620 pounds in the squat, uh, about 308 at this point in his career. And I'll, to be perfectly honest, I like you better as a run blocker than as a pass protector so far. Not that you're bad, but to, in my opinion, I would say that's probably one of the things you could still grow in that area. But you are a very effective run blocker. Also, <laughs> you are quite, quite uh, sometimes even mean spirited. One might say in the way that you you, fi- you finish. I think it was Herbie today. If we use the offensive line room, you finish your blocks. Definitely. Uh, so I'm gonna let Jim ask you a few questions, and I have a couple of other guests. So I see what uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull them on as well. So okay. Jim, uh, what questions might you have for Isaiah Shelf? Yeah, sure. Um, I think uh, the first question is, uh, in terms of uh, uh, the type of offense that you ran, um, at your college, maybe you could kind of get into that and describe it and uh, what your responsibilities were um, each week. 
Um, so, I mean, we ran a multiple eye offense. Uh, we were a run-heavy team. Um, did a lot of zone blocking, uh, inside zone, outside zone, a little bit of mid zone. Um, ran a little bit of counter, a little bit of power. Um, but uh, our, our, our offense was based off of uh, um, zone. Um, so it was a lot of double teams, um, been a tackle, uh, a lot of um, one-on-ones. I'm sorry. My name is Bill Carroll, and I spoke with Greg a little while ago. He said you might be appearing on the show. Is that correct? Okay. Um, I have received you really guest tech line. I just need you to hang out right here. Can you hang on the line for me? Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, then, here's what I will do then. I'll try to book you for next week. Are you, are you traveling again this time next week? Okay, so what I need you to do then, can you can you write something down or report something? Okay, please do that. I need you to send me an email with your contact information so I can book you. So let me know when you're ready. Email me your contact information so... You can do that to those email addresses. William, which is W I L L I L Z underscore under the letter X. Let's say it, it's William, which is W I L L I A M Z underscore. Okay, then the letter S, like sunshine, then underscore, and then my last name, which is C A R R, two R's, O L L, two L. So C A double R O double L. At live, L-I-V-E, dot com. Okay. And then I'll get you booked for next week and get an email from me with all the details. Yes, correct. Okay, perfect. I will talk to you then and, and keep up the good work. Okay. Thank you very much. So I was just speaking with Michael Jordan, uh, not that Michael Jordan. But the uh, the cornerback from uh, Missouri Western, he will be with us not this week but next week. And then I'm about to bring on the line Chanel. Oh, you may know, actually, Chanel. Um, was, did you guys cross paths at Shepard? Chanel Jenkins? Yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm I thought not, you I, might have. I just, I, I, I just left Shepard last fall. So. Okay. Well, then, uh, in a moment – you will have, I guess, a bit of a reunion. So give me a moment. I'll get Chanel on the line. All right. Oh, yeah, Bill, are you still there? Okay. Um, just, just going with what you're saying, I know he, for some reason his mic is on, so... Um, you're saying about your responsibilities in the offense and stuff like that. Yes. Well, um, I'm right now speaking with Isaiah Shelton, who I believe you know. I thought you would. Uh, so, really, I'm close to wrapping up with him, probably in the next couple of minutes. Can you hang on the line and then I'll transition to you? Okay, stay right there.
Oh, hello? Hello? Yeah, um, are you there, Bill? Yeah, I, I was I was waiting. I mean, I, I didn't hear the next yeah, question. Yeah, uh, I understand. I just, uh, uh, I guess he's not, I don't know. I, there could be some issue on his end, I guess. Um, yeah. But if you, yeah, you could uh, keep going over your responsibilities with your offense, and hopefully that's enough. Oh. Yeah, and I mean, like I was saying, I mean, we we were a big uh big zone big zone team. Um, we were de- like I said, definitely a run heavy team. Um, that's where you know the particularly good uh, run blocking came from. Um, we did pass the ball uh, a good bit, but it was it was more so in in need and not just because we wanted to pass the ball, just because we were able to establish runs so so good uh, during my college career. Um, but yeah, like I said, it was it was definitely a lot of man blocking, a lot of um, zone blocking. Um, I did a little pulling when we ran counter power. Um, but other than that, like it was, it was you know just just hard smash mouth, uh, um, eye football. I mean, just like I said, running running zone, and we were very big on inside zone, so that's that's where a lot of the double teams came from. Um, yeah. And I'm going to just double check. Is Shanil with us? Yeah, I'm on the left. Perfect. So I won't have to introduce the two of you, apparently. Uh, I, I believe <laughs> the two of you are pretty well acquainted. Uh, how yeah. long have the two of you known each other? About three uh, and a half years. Yeah, about, about three and a half, four years now. Okay. Uh, can you? I guess I'll, I'll ask you first, Shanil. Do you remember when you first met Isaiah and what the circumstances were? Uh, yeah, um, training camp my freshman year. Okay, and uh, you know, was it sort of just a you know collegial hello, or, or did you actually meet each other as in you know getting picked up on a blitz or something? Oh well, I, I initially met Isaiah um, in the summer right before we came to Shepherd actually, and I was running around him in like a little um, captain's practice, and he said, "I got you when we put on the page." <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, now, Isaiah said that he came to campus at about 310 pounds, but it wasn't all good weight. You know, he was very honest about that and how he had to sort of reshape his body. It sort of was like a shock to the system with the, the workload that they expected of him at the collegiate level. Now, when you first arrived on a college campus, what was your height and weight, Chenille? Uh I was 6'3", like 230. Okay, so you were, wow. So you came to campus pretty good size. Uh, I've been at 230, I think. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Which is how football is different from normal life, obviously. You feel fit at 230. Okay, well, tell me about what you had to do to get ready to perform at the collegiate level. What did you have to change about yourself, or where did you have to improve? Uh, Just, you know, mental maturity and getting your body ready for a pounder. You're playing a lot of strong, bigger individuals, and you know, no matter how strong you are, they, it wears on you, so you just got to be able to endure the, endure the load. The load. Okay. And tell us a little bit about how you got introduced to the game. How did you first start playing, and where did you first start playing football, Chanel? Um, Suitland High in Prince George's County, Maryland. I just got introduced to the game as every other freshman. You know, okay. went out to trials, and... You know, just fell in love with it. Never went anywhere. Always been playing football since my ninth grade year. Okay. 
Okay. So, uh, interesting. All three guys I've had on today all really got serious about the game in ninth grade. Of course, in Isaiah's case, he couldn't play before that because he was too big. You know, so they were like, nope, you know, cut off is this, and you are, you're, you're too big. In your case, uh, what was it that kept you from coming to, to play the game before ninth grade? Were you playing other sports, I'm assuming? Basketball. I thought I was a basketball player. Okay, which is fine. Um, now, were you more of a – in terms of your game, were you a guy that was a, a shooter? Were you a, a, like a point guard type, a two guard type, a small forward? No, what kind, I, what kind I, of game did you have? All my buckets were scored in the paint. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so you were more you were more Tim Duncan than you were Steph Curry. Yeah, I wouldn't even give myself Tim Duncan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate your honesty. Uh, so, you figured out at some point the world wasn't looking for six three, two hundred thirty pound power forwards. <laughs> yeah, I figured that out fast. Uh, so tell me about your introduction to football. You said you started in ninth grade. What was it like? What was it? Because you know, obviously you've been playing basketball and other sports. Uh, what was it about football that made you fall in love after you know going after doing these other things before that? Well, I mean, it was just so many people, you know, that just come from different backgrounds, you know, pulling in one direction. So even though I wasn't up to par, I definitely felt like physically it wasn't never. Just I never felt overwhelmed, so that definitely helped me grow. And then um, after my first game, I got moved up to varsity. I didn't play right away, wow. but they just told me I couldn't get better on JV. And then my coaches told me I would be good, and I sort of trust them. And just like I said, stayed the process. You know, we lifting every summer, conditioning, and you could tell like my body just formed to being a football player. Like a basketball player, I was all right, but you could tell I was just all right for the level. Football, it was always more potential there. Now, you're a guy that came to the game late. When did you start to figure out how important film study was, and when did you learn how to study film? Uh, last year. Oh, okay. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty there as well. So tell me about a play that you made based on film study, like something that where the light clicked on, you recognized a tendency or a formation or a motion or something, and you knew where to go and what to do based on something you spotted on tape. Well, this year against at Concord University, we was in a pretty close game with them. It was about four or five minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, and they motioned their slot receiver over to my side because I'm always on the strong side of the defense. And I saw him motioning, so at the snap of the ball, I went to guard him. I didn't make the play, but I kept him from being able to, to get a pass off, and then my team swarmed to the ball, and we ended up getting a fourth down stop on that play and to seal the game. Excellent. Excellent. That That is one of the big differences, at least, you know, in my experience, and I, I assume in, in probably yours as well, is that, you know, when you're sitting there in high school and there's film going, you just sort of listen to what the coaches say, and if you're, you might even take some notes, like, okay, that's great. But your brain is sort of, you know, in sponge mode. You're not activated. You're just sort of absorbing. But if you get to college, you need to be an active participant you know you need to be fully engaged otherwise you'll end up as you said you know you won't make the play that you have made you'll end up recognizing something late i'm going to let my uh co-host jim coburn have some questions for you as well shaquille and then we'll oh, not shaquille sorry i said knew i was going to do that at some point shaquille um i apologize i knew i was trying to tell myself do not call him shaquille um, no, it's okay. 
because I, I know that is not your name. Uh, but I'm going to let my co-host ask you a few questions, then we're going to finish up with Isaiah. So uh, what questions do you have, Jim, for Chanel Jenkins? Uh, sure. Um, well, in, in terms of kind of what I asked Isaiah, too, in terms of uh, – uh, and you played the defensive side of the football, right? Uh, yes. What what were your what was the type of defense that you guys ran there, um, and uh, what were your kind of responsibilities in that defense? Well, uh, we ran a four four gap patrol defense, so everybody's responsible for a specific gap on every play. As long as you're in your gap, there's really nowhere to go with the football. I'm the uh, strong side defensive end, so I'm always going to strong side of the formation of one side. Wherever the tight end goes, I shadow him. I play him head up. I play through him. Every play physically, I'm basically responsible for the C-gap. But if you, you know, be physical with the tight end, you take off the outside ones while being responsible for the C-gap anyway. Okay. Um, And in terms of your career there, um, who are some of the best guys? You don't have to mention Isaiah, of course. But who were some of the best guys you uh, played against, uh, either on your team or um, or against opponents and that sort of stuff? Guys that you remember distinctly having a having a pretty good battle with uh, week. Well, to be honest, there's been a lot of good guys. Um, I would say my freshman year, uh, it was a guy from Glenville. I believe his name was Mark Jackson. Uh, outside of that, I really feel like I could pretty much have my way with whoever ended up in front of me outside of Isaiah. I really don't feel like <laughs> I'll struggle that much with anybody. Uh-huh. I like the confidence. Um, so, if, if Chenille, if you had to pick a particular game to show to an NFL team, if a team comes to campus and says, huh, we've heard about the Shaquille Jenkins kid. What's the game you would show that team to make them say, okay, we need to bring this guy in or we need to draft this guy or we need to bring this guy in right after the draft. This is a guy we need based on that game I saw. What game would you pick? Well, first I would just say look at the overall body of work, the improvements gradually over years. But I would say um, probably my junior year at Fairmont State. And why that game? Just, I mean, it wasn't all about the stats. I only got two sacks, but it was just a full game, I feel. I stayed after the quarterback the entire game. You know, it was real energetic. I was a little bit lighter. It was just, you know, I was just comfy after the quarterback every play. And that was on a tackle that was pretty high noted at the time. I really don't remember his name. But that's all my coach was talking about going into the week is this tackle is this. He's that. I don't know if he has anybody who can handle him, blah, blah, blah. So, Okay. Got it. Same question for you, Isaiah. What's the game, you know, if, if um, you know, an O-line coach from the Giants comes down or if uh, a scout from the Packers, whoever just comes to campus or comes to see tape, who's the? what's the game you would want to show them? Uh, I would definitely say my um, junior year game from uh, Concord University. Uh, it was a championship game first year we, that I went. Uh, my team went undefeated uh, since I had been there, and um, I don't know. It was just it was just a 
a lot of uh, emotion in that game. It was high intensity. And, uh, I mean, I had a lot of good knockdown blocks. Um, if you watch my tape, the, the first play on my tape is from that game where uh, I think I had a, a pretty good job block on uh, one of their better defensive ends. And um, I was just, I mean, it was just a real physical game for me. And I think that, uh, I mean, anytime you can win a, a conference championship, it's, it's always big. And I feel like I played my best during that, during that game. And that's a, that's a tight conference. I mean, that con- I think the PSAC and your conference, uh, WBIAC, are my two, two of my favorite uh, Division II conferences because, first of all, the schools are pretty close to each other. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like you guys have to go hours and hours and hours to get to each other. So the games are pretty tightly pitched. I mean, occasionally you get a blowout, but you don't get many blowouts in that conference. Uh, if somebody had never seen before, how would you describe the football that's played there? Who was that for? Uh, yeah. You know what? That's a great question. I'll <laughs> and I'll go to you, Isaiah. I'll ask both of you the same question, and what you and I'll ask you, Chanel, and then I'll ask you to answer it as well. Chanel, uh, how would you describe the football that's played in your conference? Uh, well, that's in Shepherdstown, definitely. Uh, that that's where the heart of the conference is. There's nothing like playing in Shepherdstown, but um. It's it's nice, you know. Most of us are local kids, and we all grew up somewhat knowing each other, or even going to high school with each other. And, and the games are always competitive, you know, playing against people you know. But it's a lot of talent in this conference, definitely. So uh, I'm just proud to say I was a part of this conference. And I'm assuming that the vast majority of the players come from Western Maryland, the state of West Virginia, and I guess Pennsylvania a little bit as well. Um, a little bit of Virginia and, and Maryland, and then you got your West Virginia. Uh, not so much of, of Pennsylvania that I know of. Okay, okay. Well, you would know better than I would. Um, who, who was on your team and who you played against? Uh, same question for you, Isaiah. How would you describe the kind of football, the brand of football that's played in conference, and, and what sort of separates it from what you've seen maybe at other Division Two programs? I mean, just like Chanel said, I mean, I, I obviously think the best football is played in Shepherdstown. Um, I mean, the atmosphere in itself is, is just great. People hate to travel to Shepherdstown to play just because, I mean, most of our games are, are pretty packed out. I mean, it's a loud, um, booming atmosphere. As far as the competition goes, um, I think the, the competition is it's, – it's, it's gotten better over the years, I mean, especially with the conference change going from the, uh, the Wibby Act to the Mountain East Conference um, with the addition of – have three other teams, it's, it's made the conference more competitive. Um, and I feel like the teams, teams always give us their best. Though. I mean, we can be, you know, at the end of the season and we could be 9-0 and, and the team could be 0-9, and, and they're going to work hard to get that one, against, that one win against us. Um, because, I mean, if, if you beat Shepard, it's like, it's like winning a, a championship in itself, no matter what your record is. Um, <clears throat> every year, teams try to knock us off and, and – some some teams succeed and most teams don't, but uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely think just just the the atmosphere that that uh, Shepherdstown has and the um, the presence that that Shepherd football has in the conference is definitely definitely that of um, of importance and, and has been great. So. Uh, Jim, 
I have one question more for Isaiah, but I wanted to let you ask Isaiah any other questions you have for him, and then we'll spend the rest of our time uh, with Chenille after that. So, Jim, what other questions might you have for Isaiah? Uh, sure. Um, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of the types of guys, either at the NFL level or the college level, that you come to really admire, um, you know, other offensive linemen, et cetera, I mean, who would you say are the, the top football players uh, that uh, you come to really respect their game uh, in the NFL or college football, et cetera? Um, I would definitely say uh, Ben Grubbs, who now plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, um, was an undersized offensive lineman, came into the NFL and did a tremendous job. Um, also, like Jonathan Cooper a lot from uh, Arizona Cardinals, who's a first-round draft pick. He was a little banged up. Um, you know, the first part of his career, he's starting to come into tune, and that offensive line is, is, is coming together, and they're doing great things down there. Um other than that, I mean, I, I like Lowell Collins a lot. I know he just got into the NFL, but Lowell Collins kind of reminds me of myself. I mean, he's a very, very aggressive offensive lineman. He plays to the echo of the whistle, and he finishes plays, and he, he works he works his butt off every single snap. Um, but, I mean, just, just, just offensive linemen in general, I mean, I have a, a high respect for, for all, all guys who decide to play the offensive line position just because it's, it's such a forgotten position that people don't really, you know, put high praise into until things are going bad. And, um, I mean, those guys are just, just out there, big body, giving their best, um, you know, every single play that they can. So, okay. Any other questions, Jim? Um, I, actually, I think that's about it. Oh, uh, actually, uh, uh, another question. In terms of uh, – uh, off off season type stuff. Did you get any invites to any bowl games or um, stuff like that? And or and also, where would your pro day possibly be um, if you're going to go to? Well, work? I I came out of school last fall. Uh, was my last season playing, so 2014. I ended up playing in the um, inaugural FCS bowl, which is held in Miami at uh, FIU. Um, I uh, then went to go train in Arizona for a little while. Um, ended up coming back here. I did my pro day down at West Virginia University and um, had a couple of workouts with um, different teams. And now I'm just I'm getting back into the swing of things. Uh, recently worked out for the Broncos, um, like, the end of November. Um, and then I just got offered an AFL contract by uh, Tampa Bay Storm. And uh, I got some, some uh, upcoming workouts that I'll be doing in the next couple of weeks. Um, with uh, several different teams, so we're going to see see how that turns out, and hopefully, I can get back to where I need to be. As they, in terms of the workout that you had, workouts, workouts that you've had, for someone who's never been brought in to an NFL workout or an AFL workout, quite frankly, what are some of the things they wanted to see you do, and how did you feel you performed? Oh, uh, when I went to um, Denver, they just—I I initially thought that they were looking at me as a center. Um, from conversation with the the staff there, they they were looking at me um, as more so as a guard. 
but they just wanted to see how I can move. They wanted to see my punch. Um, once feet worked, how I can open my hips, things of that nature. Um, so I mean, it was it was it was a pretty intense workout, but it, it was something that was more uh, position specific. Like I didn't, you know, go through and do combine stuff on a forty or do like a vertical jump or anything like that. It was just. So did, the, you, um, did you actually get to go against stuff. anybody, or was it all just drills? Say that again. Did you actually get to go against anybody, or was it all just drills? No, it was just all just drill work. Okay, okay. Yeah. And what about your AFL workouts? What were they like, and what did they ask you to do? Um, same thing. I, I did position drills. The only difference was I did ended up um, running a 40, and I did a, a shuttle for the AFL workout. So. Okay. How did you do in terms of that? I 40. It was the fastest time that I've I've ran since I've been running the 40. Um, at this weight and size, I, I ran like a 504, and oh. uh, my shuttle stayed consistent, like in the uh, just like a 458, something like that. Okay. So that's that is fair. So I have, I guess, basically two questions. There's a two-parter, I guess, I have for you, Isaiah. One. When you think about the next time you get pulled into a workout, you're going to get a chance to essentially show what you can do. And as you said, you know, they want to see things like hip flexibility, ankle flexibility, uh, how well you accept punch, things like that. But if somebody spoke to you, if they asked you, you know, why is it you're still doing this? Why are you still trying to play this game? What would you tell them? What would you tell them that, that's motivating you to keep wanting to play? Honestly, it's because a lot of people think that I can't. Um, I mean, just somebody telling me that I, that that I that I wouldn't make it to this to this far or be able to play at that level it just it just makes me more hungrier. Um, and I just want people to know that I, what I'm capable of. I mean, I just need a chance to, to prove it. I mean, people see my film, they like it, but it's just like I just need somebody to um, bring me in and let me show what I'm capable of of doing on the actual field. Okay. Well, I think you are going to get a chance, and it may be a chance to maybe be on someone's practice squad or a chance to play up north or in the AFL. But I think wherever it is you you end up going, people are going to realize that, yeah, they've got a little something there. I think the fact that you can play some center and some guard is going to help, and I would advise you to, like I said, to, to work on your long snapping as well because the more things you – I mean, I really mean this. The more things you can do. I mean, Jared Allen is probably going into the Hall of Fame as a pass rusher or has a chance to go into the Hall of Fame as a pass rusher. But the reason he made the Chiefs roster is because he can long snap. Yeah. That was the thing he was originally brought in to do, believe it or not. And, you know, it took, you know, one of those things where injuries and this happens and that happens and this coach notices you do this and that drill. And he just eventually got a chance to show he was more than just a long snapper. But without the ability to long snap, he doesn't end up in Kansas City. Yeah. So working on your, you know, I don't know how you want to put it, extra skill, whatever you want to say, those things can end up being a golden ticket. Yeah, I think that you have, I think you have the mental makeup. I think you have the physical makeup. Obviously, there's things you can work on. I think if you become a guy who's got a little more lateral agility and if you show people, like I said, you can hold up and pass pro a little bit more, those are things that will also help you as well. Now, do you have any – people that work with you on position-specific things like that now? Do you have, like, specialty coaches, or do you work out with your college coaches? Or who do you, who's been helping you with that, Isaiah? 
Um, actually, I've just been training by myself. Uh, I was training down at a facility down in um, Tyson's, Virginia, with a guy named Leonard Stevens, who played mm-hmm. six years in the NFL. But um, right now, I'm just training by myself. Got it. Okay. And how's that been? Sort of because I know it's, it can be hard if you can't see yourself. You know, that's how that challenging that can be. How do you how do you manage to work on things when when you're essentially, as you said, training yourself at this point? I mean, obviously, it's a lot different because it's hard to critique yourself when, you know, mm-hmm. you think that what you're doing is right. But um, it's, it's, the the more I practice it, the the more comfortable I feel with it, and the better I feel that I'm getting at it. And uh, I think that's a big part of what matters. Okay. Well, I think you will get your chance. I think that chance is coming sometime in the near future, and I think you're going to seize it. And, and, and squeeze the living daylights out of that opportunity when it finally comes your way. I think that all the work you're putting in, and like I said, the things you probably still need to to work on. And if you can if you can get somebody, whether it be one of your old coaches or, or whoever it is, just to sort of take a look at some of the things you're doing and maybe give you a few little tips and pointers, I would definitely do that. Now, do you do you shoot video of yourself and show it to anybody? Not recently, I haven't. No. I recommend that you do that. Um, are you familiar with LaCharles Bentley? Yeah, that's actually where I trained at when I was um Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Well then, you know, enough said. Um stay in contact with him and let him know, you know, what things you, you're trying to get better at and where you're trying to grow and what things you try to do. If you stay with people like him, if you follow the things that they tell you to do and you continue to work hard somewhere, somebody and I can't tell you which level it will be, it might not be in the United States, who knows? But you'll get your chance and I think you will like I said, you'll show up and you'll show out. Definitely. Uh, so how will people keep up with you? Do you have a, a social media presence? Uh, how would people follow you, Isaiah, or keep up with what you're doing? Uh, I have a Twitter. Um, I go on there from time to time and post things, but um, other than that, they can always call me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to give your phone number out to everybody, but can you tell people at least how to follow you on Twitter? Uh, yeah, my, my Twitter name is uh, Globalization9. Um, it's spelled G-L-O-B-A-L-I-Z-E-A-T-I-O-N, and then the number nine. Oh, okay. Interesting. How'd you come up with that? Well, my nickname is Zay, and I'm a a, a big founder of um, we're trying to find globalizing globalizing the world. So. If, if it makes sense, <laughs> if you put okay. two, in, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. interesting. Okay, I like it. Um, it's not the the norm. Most guys, it's like you know, sheer terror or pain machine or whatever. And then like their school number, you know, <laughs> you know, or yeah, some part I of think, the, yeah. I, I think I think that might be Chanel's Twitter handle. <laughs> 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 but you've got a different mindset. See, that's how I could tell offensive linemen are different because they think about things like globalization and, you know, they're not all about just – I mean, you do inflict pain on people. Let's not get it twisted. You are you, – you do hurt people. I've seen you do it. But you also have other interests. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's a very offensive – people on the field. <laughs> exactly. That's a very offensive lineman's approach to have other interests, to be more well-rounded. You know, they're the chefs on the team. They're the guys that, you know, know how to use white truffle oil and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but 
I definitely thank you for having me on the show today. And uh, oh, the I pleasure, you the pleasure has been mine. Um, the pleasure is very much mine. I once again, I'll ask that you follow up with the email I've sent out. I'm going to do a follow up interview with you, uh, just to talk a little bit about what your experience has been um, in terms of trying to fight your way onto an NFL roster or onto somebody's roster. Because I don't think people realize what a fight it is. It is. It's a fight. They call it the fight to 53 for a reason. It is a fight. There's a bunch of other dudes who want the same thing you want, and you've got to step on their face, quite frankly, to get where you're trying to go. And they don't like having their faces stepped on. Definitely. So excellent. Um, once again, I wish you, I said, very much the very best, and I will follow up with you. I will look forward to, to seeing what comes next for you. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Now, Shanil, it's all about you. Uh, Your tape is very interesting as well. You've been used in some ways that are a little different. We mentioned your defense, and like I said, some people are are familiar with what that means and what some people might not be familiar with what that means. So when – Talk about learning the defense that you learned there. When you first got there and they handed you the defensive playbook and told you what you were going to be doing, what were the things that you first had to do to succeed in that defense? What did you have to learn? What were you expected to to be able to pull off? Well, we don't get playbooks. They tell us our plays, and we just got to remember them. So, I mean, that was not an adjustment because it was the same thing I had to do in high school. But I'm I'm a, a, a quick learner, so it wasn't really a big adjustment for me. It was just about doing what you had to do and executing it. So it wasn't about the plays. It was more about the techniques that you have to play during the plays that was, I guess, a little bit more difficult to learn. Okay. Okay. So so paint the picture for me. When you say techniques, and that's what I guess I want to get into, um, <laughs> what are some of the things technique-wise that you had to master to be good in that defense? Number one thing going to happen to tight end because the tight end is basically the DN of the offense. They're athletic. They can do a lot of different things and hurt you a lot of ways. It's about hand placement. So when I get off the ball, I have to grab the outside edge of both of his touch space to be able to steer him and control him. But also, if it's like a reach block and they're trying to get fast, fast flow outside, I have to get my hand to his outside shoulder and his inside to keep him at the line of scrimmage and turn him from being able to get a pre-release up to our linebacker so they can flow freely and make plays. Okay. Got it. Got it. And you said that there weren't too many guys that really were a test for you. I mean, even though, as you said, the tight ends are usually big, athletic human beings, um, that they didn't give you too much trouble. Uh yeah, I, I like to give uh, a little bit. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, I forgot yeah. about the guy from Slippery Rock. It was a All-American tackle from Slippery Rock. He was pretty good. Okay. So, so when you uh, when you deal with those guys, how do you deal with them? What do you do? <clears throat> well, I mean, usually, you know, you, you try to work speed where the offense lineman out because we do rotate at Shepard because we have a lot of good players on our defense. So you speed wear them out. But I like to use strength to wear them out, so I'm more of a power-to-speed type guy. Most guys are speed to power. Uh-huh. But I definitely, I mean, I, I have both. So, you know, it, it just depends on who I'm going up against. depends on what I try to work. I like how you, you put, put that. that. Power-to-speed. Power. <laughs> Which a person wouldn't necessarily guess looking at you. I mean, you're not little, but 
people would assume that you're a speed rusher. Now, what do you weigh now, Ch- uh, Chanel? 287. You're that heavy? Yeah, I'm thin to be 287. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> I was. I can't believe you. You're really 287? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Where do you keep it? I mean, I'm not kidding when I say that. Like, what? And you must. My, my hamstrings probably. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I would have guessed wrong by almost 30 pounds. I, I, I'm not kidding. If some, if you told me you were 258, I would have been like, yeah, okay. <laughs> 287. Okay, I need to see pictures of you standing on a scale with it saying 287. Yeah, I, I got you. I'm not even joking. Really? You must have like 2% body fat. Are you kidding me? I'm working on that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. 287. Okay, I need people to. I mean, other people think I've lost my mind, but I've watched you. I've seen your tape. I was thinking literally that you were somewhere between two fifty-five and two sixty. I'm not kidding. And you move like a guy who's between. Really? Oh, oh! When people see you in person and realize you're two eighty-seven, yeah, that's gonna rewrite the. That's gonna change people's minds. Like that's gonna. <laughs> okay. I'm taking notes. Um, so you must have been doing a little work in the weight room then. A little bit. I need to be in there a lot more, you know, physical game, so you got to be ready for the next level. Yeah, it's a very physical game. So now I'm, I've got, I've seen you to a whole new light, 287. Okay, so you're like, see, I was seeing you as more like a Trent Cole, but you're more like Justin Tuck. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. I I I I stand corrected, Shadil. I stand corrected. So you have put on almost sixty pounds since you hit campus. Yeah, I actually put on fifty of those in one off season. Wait, what? Yeah, um, I was around two thirty. I went up to two seventy five, two eighty from my freshman to my sophomore year. Oh, now you've got to. That's a story I need to hear. Like, how does that happen? Well, I mean, I was up to 255 just from the season, you know, lifting. I got sick, so I lost about 25 pounds in a month. And then I stayed up at Shepherd over summer with Coach O. Overfelt. And just was lifting, running every day, and I just got bigger. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to open it up while I process this information to my co-host, Jim Coburn. So, Jim, I have wildly misunderstood what she, who or what Shanil is physically. But, uh, but go ahead. What questions do you have for Mr. Jenkins, uh, Jim? Um, well, uh, in terms of uh, – well, yeah, in, ter- in terms of what you like to do, um, whether it's pass rushing or stopping the run, um, what do you like to do a little bit more um, than the other? Because um, I know some guys, uh, you know, everybody hates quarterbacks, don't get me wrong, but sometimes <laughs> they, they just like to, you know, some guys just like to, you know, kind of do their job and, and let other guys kind of, 
um, get the quarterback. And then, you know, there's other guys that, you know, I, I want to get the quarterback. Like, I, it frustrates me when they ask me to do these things. So, like, it's like, you know, that kind of thing. But what, what do you like to do? I feel like uh, first that I'm a little bit shorter than most guys who play my position, about like an inch or two. But my arms are very long, so it sort of plays to my advantage because I have a lot of leverage with the arm length, so I'm a shorter, but my arms are long, longer, so it's like almost an advantage, really. Two is I'm at, I just like to wreak havoc. I can play in a lot of schemes depending on, like, I got a very versatile body, so it depends on who gets their hands on me and how they mold me, but, like, I could be a pass rusher. I could be a dominant run stopper. I could bulk up and move inside. I can lose and go to outside linebacker. So, I mean, I'm not really trained to go to outside linebacker, but I know I could do it athletic-wise. And being able to pick up a playbook shouldn't be that hard for me. So, I mean, the number one thing I like to do, and like you said, I can get bigger and be a, be a stopper and let other people make plays off me. I could be the one who penetrate and the attack style defense and make the plays. Really, whatever people ask of me, I'm the, I just like being disruptive. That's just me. So being up offensive lineman, doing whatever I have to do, I just love being disruptive and seeing the offensive coordinators over there throwing their hats down like we just <laughs> – who, who is this guy? We didn't plan for him to do that. So I'm going to be honest, Shadil. You're – you're getting to me. I'm starting to really warm up to you. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, like I said, I know, like I said before, I, I had no idea you were that size. I mean, I just, like I said, I've watched your tape, and I never would have guessed you were anything close to that heavy. That's extraordinary. Because I've seen you run down screens and, you know, I mean, run down sweeps from the backside. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at a 255, 260 pound dude. Huh. All right, then. Okay. No, I played at, like, 280, 282 this year. Really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Like I said, I would never have guessed that. And you're, like, six two and a half. How, how tall are you now? 6'3", even. 6'3", even. Okay. So you've been measured recently? Yeah, I got a measure uh, this time last year. Okay, okay. Um, Have you heard from any of the – I guess you would have heard from now, but have you heard from any all-star games, postseason all-star games, anything like that? Oh, surprisingly, people didn't warm up to me like you did. But, uh, you know, it's in God's hands, really. Uh, I heard I was um, on an emergency list for the East-West Triangle game and for the um, NFL PA game. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm at – go ahead. Yeah, I talked to somebody about you for the NFL PA game, and they said – you know, if somebody gets hurt or somebody turns them down late or things like that. But do you have anything? Yeah, well, I'm at, we had a very, very long season. So my body definitely, you know, on the D2 level, we don't have a lot of resources as far as trainers or treatment. So I'm still trying to get my body, you know, back in the thick of things. So either way to me, it really doesn't matter. I know I get a shot eventually. Whenever I do, i definitely be ready to go. So, I mean, I feel like it won't hurt my stock as much as people think by sure. not participating in the All-Star game. I'm not so concerned about your stock. I just think it would be a great opportunity for people who don't know about you to to suddenly get an awakening. I guess is what I would, what how I would. Oh put yeah, it. <laughs> oh yeah, they have their time. It'll come. So, you know, okay. I'm optimistic. I it's, well, you should be. Uh, in terms of things like that, uh, pro day, regional, what 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 kind of things <clears throat> do we look for you to do in terms of workouts coming up? 
Um, I should be in the regional combine in Baltimore and um pro day. Most likely, I should be going to West Virginia's pro day. Okay. Got it. I'm going to throw it back open for my, my co-host, Jim Coburn. I'm, I'm getting over the shock, slowly but surely. Uh, what other questions might you have for Shadil? Yeah, sure. Uh, I guess uh, similar to kind of the question I asked uh, Isaiah, uh, in terms of uh, some of the guys that you uh, enjoy watching, uh, defensive linemen, whether in college and the NFL, um, who are some of the guys that you uh, really like uh, uh, and admire at the position? Well, first I would say Aaron Donald. I've been <laughs> watching him since he's been at Pitt. I caught it. Nobody will ever believe me, but I caught it. <laughs> I accidentally stumbled across his film one day, and I was just like, wow. <laughs> like they say he's not that big or he's not that tall or whatever problems that people keep inventing, but he's just an absolute animal, just so quick. Yeah, and you can tell he watches a lot of tape because it's like he knows what's going to happen before it even happens, and he's quick enough to make the play. So definitely enjoy watching him. Um, I love watching Ryan Kerrigan. You know, he's not the most athletic guy, but he's just, I don't know, he's skilled. He he, he gets the job done. Um, Shelton Richardson from the Jets. Uh Uh-huh. Very, very unique player. I feel like I definitely resemble him a little bit as far as athletic ability and, like, arm length, height, everything. So uh, just a player from uh, almost each position. But, of course, you know, the cream of the crop is J.J. Watt. He – I can't even explain what he does. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> no one can explain what take him up the game, And it, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, the, the term we use is game plan wrecker. He is, that's right. what he is. He's a game plan I wrecker. I love it. You, Man, I love it. <laughs> you spent all that time planning and planning. You got this guy, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to chip him. We're going to do this. We're going to do this other thing. We're going to wham block him. We're going to trap him. We're going to, you know, and all. Then he just decides that he defeats this guy with this move. He just slams this guy to the ground. He wrong shoulders this guy. And just, oh, God. Yeah, I know. It's like he just makes the offensive coordinators earn their money. That's basically what he does. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so you talked about a little bit, at least about what it is that makes you, obviously some of it's just physical, right? You have a a body that's different from what you see in most division two defensive ends. You don't see too many guys who are six, three, two eighty seven and run like that. Now, when's the last time you ran for time? Do you know? Um, not really, honestly. So it's been a while since you've actually actually run a 40? Yeah. Well, I'm interested in seeing what what time you put up. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So you want to be surprised too, huh? Yeah. This would be a surprise to all of us. To all of us. Okay. (laughs) I like that. To all of us. Um, Interesting. So you obviously are a guy who's, like I said, you've spent some time in the weight room. What are you most proud of? What is the, what, in terms of you, what you've done in the weight room? What do you say is your biggest accomplishment in the weight room? Um, being able to do pull-ups now. 
You couldn't do a pull-up when you got there? I mean, I could do one, but now I could run up <laughs> 10 like that. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, just my lower body has always been a little bit thicker than my upper body, so uh, I, I struggle with doing pull-ups, really. And like okay. I said, my arms are very long, right. and my coach and our weight room doesn't count unless you fully extend it. I stand. <laughs> uh, trust me. I, I know. I understand how that works. Uh, I played football, but I was my best sport was wrestling. And Ooh. rope work and pull-ups. and I mean, we – I don't need to go on and get into it. But trust me, I – yes. <laughs> I know. Um, okay. So that's, that's, that's interesting because I've, I've never heard anyone say that as their proudest accomplishment. So I will, I will – that's an interesting one. Um, well, you got to be able to pull up yourself and you're falling off a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your, what is it you like to work on? What do you like to do? And then what's your least favorite thing in terms of stuff you have to do, in terms of workouts and weight room stuff and things like that? Um, I like doing pretty much almost anything in the weight room. I guess I need to uh, – I like everything. I guess the thing I don't like is really cleaning. <laughs> okay. Now, is that because you're so long, or what is it about that that you don't enjoy? Yeah, I haven't figured it out yet myself. Oh, okay. Okay, got <laughs> it. Um, is there someone that you tend to, to work out with, or do you just go in there and just try to get your work done? Or do you like to be one of those guys that sort of competes and, and pushes people and things like that? Definitely somebody who goes in and works with people. I'm, I don't really like to work by myself. It's a little bland. I like having competition. Competition drives everything I feel. Okay. Who who helps you the most? Who's the person that gets you going the most when you're in the weight room with them? Who's the person you most like to sort of vibe off of? Uh, so many great individuals in my team, but um, things I'm not on the team anymore. Uh, I run it back to Allen Cross. We go in the weight room pretty much every day together. Okay. Got it. I'm going to open it back up to my, my co-host, Jim Coburn. Uh, what are the questions that might you have for Chenille, Jim? Um, I think that's really about it. Um, you, you already talked about uh, pro days and stuff like that or off-season. We haven't, we haven't really gotten to that yet, but I'm sure he's oh. about to tell us what we could expect. He said, wait, you're doing the regional at in Baltimore, you said? Yeah. And you don't know when your pro day is yet? Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, WCU is April 2nd, and then if there's enough people who's interested in seeing me, then my pro day would be the following Saturday. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, I would love to have you keep me updated. I'm, I'm trying to build out your profile, and I don't – first of all, I'm glad you gave me an, an accurate height and weight, so that's always – Helpful to have because I didn't have that before. I would have been wildly wrong. So, you know, do you know what you're listed at in the program at your school? Uh, Two seventy five. I don't know who made the program. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll be honest. I thought they were giving you ten pounds. I I, I would have yep. been way off. No, they were taking them away. <laughs> yeah, I thought I didn't know that. I thought they were giving you ten pounds because you don't like I said the way you're put together. You just don't look like a guy who's, you know. Almost two ninety. That's just completely shocking. Uh, yes. Yes, I would agree. You are very tightly packed. Obviously, in there. Uh, you you mentioned some really great guys. You talked about your favorite guys to watch. Uh, what do you take away from some of the guys that you watch? Uh, you mentioned Aaron Donald. You mentioned Ryan Kerrigan. You mentioned. Uh, 
Of course, J.J. Watt, right. Uh, but what do you take from those guys? What are, what are some things that you've gained or learned from watching some of those your favorite guys play? Well, Kerrigan, I still the ability to be able to beat people with strength or speed, depending on who he's playing against. Aaron Donald, you could definitely see I'm trying to get my quick twitch muscles together and just watching tape and how much that affects the game. So, in Richardson, he just dominates. He he could do it all from the three techniques. And then J.J. Watt, he's just a combination of everybody together. Yeah, he's he's a little something special. <laughs> he's a little, little something different. Uh, I am excited. I'm not going to lie, Chanel. I'm excited about what's coming next for you. I think the buzz is going to build slowly on you. But, boy, once they see you in a regional or they see you in a pro day or they see you somewhere, it's going to go pretty quickly. Um, I'll be honest. If you do what I think you might do in a workout situation, you might even get drafted. But at the very least, you're going to be one of those people who get the call, what I call early in the eighth round, like right after the draft if you don't get drafted. You'll be, there'll, be, there'll be a lot and more than one phone call. Because it's funny. I was thinking about you, like I said, like guys like Trent Cole, Shaquille Barrett kind of guys, 250, 260-something okay. pounds. And now to hear that you're 287 and that you move like you do, I really, I'm going to love to hear your short shuttle, your three cone, and your, and your 40 time. Uh, I think that if you do what I think you might do, you know, the kind of times that people look for from three, four outside linebacker types, but with a 287-pound body, whew, like I said, things will change very quickly at that point. God's will. Sure. Um, do you have any goals that you set, things you, you think you might do or are hoping to do when you actually do get a chance to, to show show your wares for the scouts? Well, I'm trying to run like a, a four six fast. I'm Hello? <laughs> well, if you're anywhere close to that, if you end up anywhere in that ballpark, that'll yeah, that'll make a difference. Wow, 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 wow. Um, what about three cone and short shuttle? What do you think you might do? Um, I don't know numbers. We don't really want those, but it'd be good. Okay, I'll take I'll take that. I'll take good. Uh, uh, and Jim, you said you're you're done in terms of questions. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, well then I will finish with my uh, often emulated, never successfully imitated, world famous final question. I think that you are going to. Maybe it's not the first team that brings you in, but somebody is going to see what I see, and you're going to stick somewhere in somebody's roster. They're going to figure out that you can be moved around. You know, the term people use sometimes is joker. They can line you up over a tight end, and you can cover a little bit even despite your size. And you can, you know, you can leave zone drop and things like that, and they'll figure out that you can line up and be an interior rusher in certain nickel packages and dime packages, and you can beat the heck out of any center or guard in terms of just pure quickness. And you can overpower tight ends. You can overpower running backs when they kind of come out and get you. Somebody's going to figure out that you can do a little bit of everything. And I think you're going to see yourself going from a guy who's a reserve, a guy who sees the field in certain special package situations, to becoming a guy that sees the field more and more until eventually somebody decides they're going to let you, let's see what this kid can do you know, we would give him more to do. Let's put more and more on his plate until eventually, you know, they realize exactly what you are, and I think somebody's going to see you make an impact on their team. And I think you're going to get to that 
you know, that, that second contract, right? That contract that changes your life. The first contract, not that it's, you know, hey, you're in the league. That's, that's, <laughs> there's nothing to complain about about that. But, yeah. but I think that things are going to really change when you get to that second contract. And that's when you get the, the life-changing things happen. You know, you get a whole bunch of new cousins and, you know, <laughs> Shepard reaches out to you, hey, Ram for life, we're retiring your number, you know, all that good stuff. You get I always remember that. <laughs> you know, um, and that's where you get the, you know, the athletic department wants to bring you back for, you know, Chanel Jenkins Day and all that good stuff, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah right? You know, yeah. they 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 bring you there and you know hopefully you you they're hoping you hand them like a big giant check and everyone stands around smiling and taking pictures. I'm ready for all that. Good, Those but as part, my words. Good, okay. well, excellent. And as a part of that, obviously, uh, there's gonna be talk about your legacy, right? I think you're gonna be one of those legacy players. I mean, Shepard is a program that has changed its perception in the last few years. People have gone from seeing it one way to seeing it the way they see it now as a legitimate national championship contender. Going forward, when people talk about you, and they will, they'll talk about your class, they'll talk about you for years to come, what do you want them to say? What do you want people to remember about Chanel Jenkins as he moves on with the next phase of his life? Um, Just the hard work put in, the character, you know, there's been a lot of good players everywhere, but just what I was willing to give up for my team, like I was willing to put my life on hold as far as, you know, socially to try to better my team. It was a 24-7 task, you know, just trying to be a leader and walk right for my team. So just that for real, like, you know, like I said, it's been a lot of times the players that came through here. But, you know, I just think of myself as a little bit different because while I do have a lot of talent, I'm still just one of the guys for real. So just the humility of the program, really. Got it. Well, it's been, like I said, it's been fun watching you. It's been fun watching your program uh, make its transition and uh, the, all the things that have gone on. It's very, very interesting and eye-opening, like I said, to, especially what you told me. It's very eye-opening to sort of get a better idea of what, what and who you are not as, as a physical athlete, but as a, a person, you know, and as a human being. So that's been an exciting prospect, uh, getting a chance to know you a little bit better and a better sense of who you are. So as a favor, uh, I need you to, when you get a chance, please do uh, – oh, hold on. I don't think I have an email address for you. Uh, what I'd like you to do is either through your agent uh, and tell people who may not know who you're, who represents you. Uh, I'm with the Hall of Fame agency. Uh, Edie Jackson Lawson is my agent. Yep. Yep. Uh, so that is, and he that is a partnership or a uh, partnership. Uh, yes, partnership. A and partnership. Xavier would be the other one. Yep. Hardworking guy, solid individuals, good people, and and most most engaging and exciting thing about them is truthful. They aren't filling you with a bunch of Untruths, I guess is the best way I can think of to put it. Uh, they've been very, from what I know, from my dealings, they are very plain dealing, straight shooting kind of people. What? They are. Perfect. And that's, frankly, that's what you need. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who want to sell you a dream, especially when you're this close to a dream. 
It's easy to sell somebody on a dream when they're just close to it. Uh, I'm so glad that you surround yourself with the right kind of people. Yeah, it was definitely a blessing how all that happened. How did you end up choosing your agency, or how did this end up happening for you? Well, I I was about to sign with another agent. He had actually been pursuing me before anybody else. But, you know, I was praying before I signed that God would make my decision, you know, or say something about my decision. And out of nowhere, I was just working out with a friend. And I bumped into Miss uh, Edie, and it just took off from there, really. Okay. Excellent. Well, once again, it's been a, an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure to get the chance to know you a little bit better. Uh, if you will either – I don't know if you follow me on Twitter, but if you can find a way to get your email address to me, I want to send you a series of questions that I'll use in an article I'm writing uh, that will be appearing in my uh, – what are called blue light specials, which I'll start doing soon. It will come out a couple of weeks, one on offense, one on defense every week uh, from now until the draft. And you'll be one of the featured players, uh, probably not this, probably probably about three or four weeks into it, so probably about a month or so from now, maybe. But so you have a little bit of time. But if you can get that your email address to me fairly soon, I can send you the questions. Okay, yeah, I get that to you. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. I appreciate it. Certainly. So for those who don't know this name, it's Chanel S H A N I E L Jenkins. Which I guess most people, oh wait, say it again. S-H-A-N-E-I-L. E-I-L. I said yeah. I-E-L, didn't I? Okay, E-I-L. Thank you. <laughs> okay, see, I'm glad, see I did, I'm glad you corrected me. So it's E-I-L. Yeah. Got it. Perfect. S-H-A-N-E-I-L, Jenkins, uh, and 63287. That's, that's the thing that's going to – I won't forget that. I promise you that much. <laughs> um, he is an exciting and interesting prospect, and if you haven't checked out his tape, uh, the Shepherd Rams are a, a team with some interesting players uh, from their quarterbacks, uh, some of their skill position guys, their offensive line. There's some, there's some guys. There's four or five guys who at least will be in NFL camps. And like I said, if, if, if Chanel does what he, he thinks he might do in a workout situation, he has a, an outside chance to be drafted. And if, like I said, if you do put up the numbers that I think you're capable of putting, I could see your name getting called somewhere day three. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, get called, I'll be ready, so. I know you will. Well, once again, oh, I guess this, I do have one sort of last question. Uh, if you, I know it's you would go. I know you'd play for anybody, any place, anywhere. You'd play on Mars if there was a team on Mars. I get that. <laughs> but if it was up to, if it was up to you, if you could call your shot as to which team you went to. Where, or, or even just a couple of teams, where would you choose? What would be the place you'd love most to play, or, or, or even a couple if there's a couple of teams that are favorites of yours? Um, to be honest, if I probably had the best chance to, you know, first get on the field, be able to play early, but secondly, wherever, you know, I could sit there and really build a legacy. I don't like the chance, really. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I just want to go to a team
Okay. I like it. I like it. So I think, I think like I said, somebody's going to – you're going to find a place. You're going to find a home somewhere, and I hope that you and they, and I think that will happen, uh, will we'll get the most out of each other. Chenille Jenkins has been an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure. And look for an email from me once I have your email address, and I, I would like if you can give me the answers to those questions, I will put that in your profile. Thank you. I appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Oh, thank you again. So that was Chenille Jenkins, defensive end, possibly defensive tackle, uh, possibly outside linebacker even in certain package situations from, uh, from Shepard. I, Jim, I am in shock. I, I literally, when I looked at his height and weight in the program at Shepard, I thought, okay, they're giving him, you know, they're rounding him up to six foot three, and they're giving him ten to twelve, maybe even fifteen pounds. I would never have guessed that he was heavier rather than lighter than his listed weight. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to check him out on tape, but I highly recommend it. Sure. You know, so a guy to put on your list if you get a chance. Um, obviously, we've been talking, and I guess we'll, we'll continue to talk a little bit about as we get closer and closer to the cutoff date, I think about two days away, for guys who are playing to enter early, uh, the NFL draft. Like that. I make it like April or something, right? And then something finish. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is – I hope I assume the number is the same as it was last night. I hope – <laughs> I hope. I, I guess so. <laughs> you know, the last number I heard was 91. Um, so, uh, I think it's still 91. I haven't heard anything. Yeah, 91's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. Uh, clearly, 92? 92? 92? 92? <laughs> you? You? Louisville? Ed Rusher? You? 92? Okay, 92, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, Crazy. Um, and they all think they're going to go in day two. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good chunk of them, you know. Yeah. It's – and like I said, I understand you can't tell people, you know, you've got to stay in school. You know, I understand you can't stop them. I understand that, you know, once the advisory committee has done its work, that's – you know, they told you, hey, you know, here's – Here's what we think, and, and nowadays they just, as my understanding is, they just give first round, second round, stay in school. I think the way they do it now, if they tell you you're a first round, second round player, or they tell you to stay in school. So I am certain a good number of those players received, you know, a stay in school grade, basically, and blew through that stop side, or however you want to put it. You know, so it'll be interesting to see fascinating, in fact, perhaps, to see how this plays out. And hopefully, hopefully, though I don't believe it will happen, at least some of those players will uh, pull their names. You know, what could hope? Uh, what could hope that maybe one or two of them or some of them will, will go ahead and pull their names? 
from the draft. But obviously it is not terribly likely uh, that that will happen, but one could hope. One could hope. So we talked about some of the ones that we felt were maybe most, I don't know, egregious. I don't know what the term maybe to use is. Uh, the ones that made the least amount of sense, probably the best way I can think of put it, in terms of declaring. You know, if you're Jalen Marshall and you're Ohio State and you were, what, the fourth leading receiver, third leading receiver? I'm trying to where he was in terms of in terms of production at his school, but it was pretty was a lot better than some other guys. Like I, I, I always make this joke about so-and-so declares and I watch the game and he catches one pass and, and that's it. I go, this is your game tape? And he goes, yeah. Okay. So it's like he does an out route and he goes out and tells him, ta-da, highlight reel, right? Like that's, that's just sort of with Jalen Marshall, that's kind of, He's sort of that in a way. Um, Player of Ohio State, and uh, I guess he thinks because he's Ohio State that he's automatically to you know get attention and love, and people are just going to draft him because, which has happened in the past, by the way. You know, guys get drafted from places where they haven't really done much or started much, but because they played somewhere, they must, they think, oh, this guy must be good because he's <laughs> And this he was back up, but look at who was in front of him, right? Like, oh. kind of like the, the sort of, well, he was behind Chip Bosa, so he must be good. I mean, he, I mean, he must be, you know, he, I mean, come on, he couldn't beat out Joey Bosa, so he must, he must be close to Bosa. Right. Both the light. Both the light. Exactly. People that make assumptions about guys that don't get to start and think uh, well, you know, he had this guy in front of him and you can't blame him for that, but you don't give a guy a pass just because he couldn't beat out Joe Bosa. You just have to evaluate them based on their talent and the tape that they have available and if there isn't any tape what are we doing here? You know? Well, I guess Matt Castle would tell you, come to see me in practice. I'm awesome in practice, which is what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined a couple franchises already. Yeah. <laughs> so, good for you. Yeah. Well, you know how that is. Um uh, so I guess we'll just go through some of the ones that we find the most, like I said, sort of, I won't say shocking, because I guess nothing is shocking anymore. But the the ones that are the, where the logic seems to be the least clear in, in coming out. And once again, I'm not criticizing the individuals so much, because who knows what's going on in their lives and their family situation and things like that. But just in terms of long-term career path, there are times when it makes sense, and there's times when it frankly just does not. If you're thinking long-term, like when Dar- you know, Darren Thomas came, came out, it didn't make sense in terms of long-term career path. I understood stand and understood then that he had problems going on, things going on in his family and other things like that. But, you know, like I said, it, it just – wasn't a great football decision. 
I just want you to understand the, the life decision. Uh, Roberto Aguayo, it makes sense. Uh, even though we don't often see kickers, I mean, I guess the last place kicker who came early was Sebastian Janikowski, another Florida State guy. I guess it makes a certain yeah. amount of sense. Um, can't really take shots at that. Uh, Miami's second-best corner is declaring for the draft. Artie Birds is, uh, is out there, and he's a good player. Uh, as you and I both discussed, I think Cornelder will hopefully benefit from the fact that now people will. I hope he does. I hope he does. I hope people stop being stupid and going, uh, you know, maybe he could stay another year and and, and improve and become a first-round player. It's like he's already a first-round player. (laughs) Overall, I mean, you know, now, of course, there's good guys here and there. But, like, if Frankie Williams and Kalen Reed are at the NFL PA Bowl, yep. then the NFL could throw some shekels at Cornell to make him a first-rounder. Like, if you're going to do that, that tells me that there's, like, four or five guys that you think are so much better than Frankie Williams and Kalen Reed, which there isn't as many as that. Probably three-ish. <laughs> right, right. You know? Um, and, and, and Cornelder basically to me was the second best, you know, man corner in this class. Um, you know, I understand people might say Jalen Ramsey, but I mean, you know, I've seen Cornelder be able to cover guys, you know, past 40 yards, five, not as much with Jalen Ramsey though, um, being able to hang with guys for 40 plus yards. So, but I mean, Elder was just a guy that was very fast, very, physical player, really good ball skills, could make a big impact on special teams as well. And, uh, you know, it's just a, just that dude makes plays. You yeah. know, can play in fast, athletic. Um, uh, Artie Burns um, doesn't quite have the same ball skills, doesn't quite have the same um, penchant to, you know, break up passes um, at the air. He, he kind of gets, he's more so that guy that doesn't always get his head turned around, you know, to, to look to locate the ball and then make a play on it. But he's overall good. I mean, he's not terrible. He's solid. Um, he has decent speed. Um, his tackling is a little yeah, but I mean, it's not terrible. You know, I've seen worse with King Dogs in it. But you know, there's he's. You know, he does what he does. He came out really because of actual hardship. Like, he's had it probably could have. Right. Uh, the past, you know, in the 80s maybe, would actually been able to come out because of hardship because he actually had some legit family stuff going on um, where he was basically having to raise his, uh, you know, brothers and sisters. Right. Uh, himself in college, which that's a lot for a guy to do. So that's why he's really coming out. Yeah, no, I, that, that right, he is a legitimate hardship case. I mean, that is a guy that, as you pointed out, in the, even in the old days, he would have been allowed to to enter early. Here's what I thought was interesting: the the safety tandem from Clemson, after uh, basically a stink fest, for lack of putting it, uh, both decided to declare. Both Kirst and T.J. Green, each of whom three or four times made straight up boneheaded plays. 
uh, in the game against – I mean, obviously these are talented players, hey, but, hey. like, that's not the last impression I would have leave somebody right before I declare for the draft. I, I get that, but, but it, it doesn't matter about that. They played at Clemson, and they were in the national championship game. All right. And Clemson's defense has this aura about it, right? This, you know, these guys are awesome, right? Clemson's defense, the cornerbacks are shut down. The best corner in the nation played on the team, Jerron Curse, related to the yes. other Curse. You know, like. <laughs> right, yes, he is. Yes, he is uh, related. Yes, a niece, a nephew, I mean. Uh, yeah. But if you actually watch the TV play, they're. I, you know, heads up to, you know, Brett Venables. I mean, he he basically took guys who were almost terrible in coverage and made it so that they weren't exposed as much, yep. to be honest with you, and had the foresight to, hey, you know, I'm going to be very hyper-aggressive, keep everything condensed, you know, really hyper-aggressive zone concepts with a really good front seven, getting past Rochelle, Shaq Austin, Kevin Dodd, and all those guys. Um, and it worked this year. I mean, because teams didn't know what to do because they had to deal with the pass rush. They had to deal with the guys penetrating. They couldn't run football. They couldn't pass it past five, ten yards because they didn't have enough time to pass it past five to ten yards, and as a result, the secondary didn't get exposed. But these guys will get exposed. Mm-hmm. All of them. And Dron Curse is probably the worst of the bunch in a way because he's he's just – like I, I jokingly, again, called him a no safety. He's a safety who sits in the middle of the field, takes up space, and occasionally hits whatever comes his way. That's kind of his style of play, uh, except for the fact that that's horrible. Like, who wants a no safety, right? <laughs> who wants a safety like that? Yeah, like, he's, he's not really good at going backwards. He's really only good at going forward, and usually when he goes forward, he puts himself out of position, and then people think, and, uh, of course, you would hope that the cornerbacks, like, you know, McKinney Alexander would be like, oh, he's putting himself out of position, so I better get some depth and tackle the guy before he makes a touchdown. But he didn't do that either. He just was like, nah, man, I, I don't want to do that. No. I'm not I'm not into that tackling people from behind because of the sake of the safety life. No. Uh, as you know, but I am – I'm particularly disturbed by certain things in safety play, and those things that particularly disturbed me, I saw both of the clips and safeties do. The angles, the routes they took to the ball were, it was like either they thought they were way faster than they were. Like these guys must believe they are like Usain Bolt fast because you're not chasing down. I mean, I know he's a tight end. You're thinking, oh, well, that's a tight end. I guess I could take this terrible angle and I'll run him down from behind anyway. Or, I mean, or whatever. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get some of the things they did. I don't understand. Somebody has to have, okay, as you pointed out, the term safety has the word safe in it. The whole point is that you save the team from disaster by being deeper than the deepest. Both guys got way too nosy way too often. On the on the big run, I mean, basically did a really good job, except for two plays, really, against Henry. But on the big run, where Henry goes 70 yards or 67 yards, Jerron Curse uh, is 
way out of position. It was frustrating for me, at least. Uh, well, you know, uh, I don't know what else to tell you. Go, uh, <laughs> that's, that's their type of thing. What do you want me to say? Like, oh, do you think guys are supposed to be better? Uh, they've always been that way this whole year. So, uh, it's, you know, and they came out because, yeah, because something, you know. Uh, and I, it's kind of an avalanche kind of a thing. You know, a big reason why guys want to come back is they have shot at each other national championship, right? I mean, yes. You know, and when your entire defensive line and secondary and all those guys leave, you pretty much are like, I don't know, I don't think we're going to do anything. So, <laughs> a lot of them left because of that in a big way. Even though they probably should have stayed and developed, but you know, and, and, and the other thing too is, you know, with John Chris is that, yeah, he's a former wide receiver playing safety. I don't think he's really into that defensive life. So, <laughs> It's surprising considering his, you know, you know bloodlines. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say about John Kurtz other than yeah, he's a he's a decent athlete for his size. He's a decent athlete for his size. He, you know, he's he's got a long frame. He can, as you said, you know, pretty good going forward in terms of, you know, speed, forward going. Doesn't show me a lot in terms of flipping his hips. Doesn't show me a lot in terms of sussing plays out quickly. Like, I don't see fantastic. And, like, there's all these things I need in, in safeties that I'm not seeing. I don't, I don't see how people can have him there as their number two or number three safety. Like, what are you watching? Well, again, like we talked about, a lot of people don't want to evaluate the safety. And usually the guys that don't know how to evaluate the safety position put all these safeties in that have highlight reel hits. Oh, <laughs> which you can't even do anymore without getting fined or ejected, but okay. That's true, but <laughs> you know this better than me, Bill. Every time you have a safety that's really not that great, it gets hyped as a, a second or third best safety, Calvin Pryor, et cetera. Oh. guys that had big hits and people go, Give me some of that. Did you see what Drunk Curse did to that tight end? <laughs> that receiver? Did you see what he did to that, that guy? You know, they don't evaluate him based on coverage. They don't evaluate him based on ability to play man. They don't evaluate him based on technique. They don't evaluate him based on that. No, they evaluate him based on, oh, they made a really cool hit. And, you know, safety's, you know, from the, you know, and it bring, harkens back to, like, you know, the past when safeties were doing big hits and stuff like that. Yeah, really right. Big. Steve Atwater, John Lynch, yes, exactly. I'm very familiar with their work. So they they get nostalgia about it, and they get like, oh, John Curse, that if he's that nostalgia, it's kind of like, you know, Jurassic Park uh, 4, you know, like Jurassic World or whatever, right? And then you watch the movie, and you're like, it really isn't as good as Jurassic Park, but that nostalgia it's enough to get you to go see it, and that's the issue of drawing first. He's, you know, he's not really even good enough to really see, but it's it's just that thing where you know it's a nostalgia based like of the guy versus him actually being a good player. 
Um, and I don't know what else to say. If he goes in day one, teams are screwed. If he goes in day two, teams are screwed. <laughs> not, he's not a starting caliber NFL safety. Right. T.J. Green and and Jerron Curse. these are not the safeties you seek. Uh, I, okay, so Curse has the name recognition and the, the frame and things like that. I can kind of sort of see how somebody might get fooled into thinking he's better than he is. What's the excuse for people – with, I mean, what's the excuse with T.J. Green? Like, what what is it we're supposed to be seeing there? Um, he wears a orange jersey and plays for an NFL championship team. Oh, all right, he did. So that's it. That's the whole. That's the whole shoot match. Yep. All right, then. Orange jersey, plays for. Okay. Well, then we can move on. Then I guess I will try to relax. <laughs> move on. Um. That brings us to uh, – now, we already talked about some of the offensive linemen. Help me with Gerald Hawkins. Now, he's not a terrible player, but what is it that would spur him to jump out into the draft? Going from LSU. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, uh, man. Uh, <laughs> Twitter, maybe? I mean, I don't know. Um, <laughs> right. Is, you think he's actually reading things at Draft Twitter and saying, oh, Draft Twitter thinks I'm good, I should declare? Maybe. I mean, if Matt uh-huh. Miller says you're good, then, you know, sometimes people take that as a sign of something. But, uh-huh. um, so, I mean, you know, sometimes right. Other times, he's just kind of casually, you know, as most people, you know, it's just that when you have that kind of status and you say something, people go, oh, he said, well, well, really, he was just, you know, kind of he wasn't really down actually breaking down everything. He was just kind of watching the tape and then before I actually got in it. But with Hawkins, I mean, he's a uh, he's more of a guard than a tackle. Yes. You know? Mhm. Um, pass pro is not really that great. He's decent run blocker, but even as a run blocker, he's a little iffy. You know, like all LSU guys finish plays. You know me wrong. You know, all your offensive linemen, yeah, he's finishing the play, you know, type of thing. But yeah, right. You've got a mean streak. Yeah, I get that. Doesn't mean that you're a great offensive lineman. Doesn't mean that Dude, you're a great I can get a kid from Shepard who's got a mean streak. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I can get him as an undrafted free agent if that's all I'm looking for. Right. Well, I mean, that's some of the qualities that Hawkins has is he's. Uh, and some people, he has, I guess, long arms. I guess I, I don't know. I haven't looked at his arm length, but some people <laughs> said that. But Collins had long arms. He had average arms, but whatever. Um, okay. Yeah. But but Hawkins is just that guy that I think. Uh, you know, he played at LSU. He there's a there's sort of a lineage here. Like Lyle Collins and Gerald Hawkins and like all this kind of stuff. These are your offensive linemen, guys. Come on down, right? <laughs> well, so, right, but one of those guys is a really good athlete, and the other two are not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I can see that much. Like I don't, well, I, I don't understand why it's not a package deal. I don't get Lyle Collins as part of drafting Gerald Hawkins. It doesn't work that way. It could. 
Maybe some of that lessons rubbed off on him, maybe. Or, you know, <laughs> that, is that what you're hoping? That's an exception. I don't have anything else to say. I mean, Hawkins is, I mean, based on when I graded him out, he's about 74, I think. Yeah, 74, which is uh, kind of. A reserve, right? Yeah. Well, no, day three ish. You know, he has some qualities that you could probably put at guard and he could probably become like a top of guard or something like that. But I didn't see anything off the tape that would warrant uh, a day two offensive tackle, um, maybe day two guard at best. And that's if you want to take that risk of drafting a guy who plays tackle and then putting him at guard. Okay, then. Um, now, Kevin Dodd, I have I can't really complain about. I, I think he's the best prospect on that Clemson defense, and I – I think he's going to have some people fall in love with him in the draft process. You know, he's going to go pretty early. I, well, I won't be shocked if he goes ahead of Shaq Lawson, quite frankly. Uh, I, I, would... I don't know about that. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But, I mean, I, I, there, let me put it this way. I've seen him do things more consistently than I've seen Shaq Lawson do certain things in terms of, you know, whipping – double teams and showing he can jump inside and, and be productive. I mean, I've seen him line up on the interior and overpower people in a way I don't see Shaq Lawson as often. Just um, overpower people. I guess. Maybe. I mean, I would love to have seen both of them stay at school. I'm just saying that of the two, I don't know. I can't have stayed in school. You would have been 24.8 women coming up. But instead uh, 23.1. So. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, and plus, he was your junior, you know, so it, is it really that big of a deal? Right, um, right. Okay. My, my only thing with, Ke- with Kevin Dodd is that, one, he didn't really do anything for three years. percent. True. Um, and all of a sudden starts. Right. He got hot in the playoffs. You know, he had four sacks eight half CFLs in the last two games of the playoffs. Um, which is good, but it's like you made up like twenty five percent of all of his stuff in the playoffs versus the season. Um the metric stuff is iffy, you know, in terms of stuff there. He's also twenty three point eight one, which is really old for a guy Which is I'm sure I'm assuming that's one of the reasons he he declared. Might have been, maybe, but I mean, uh, I mean, it depends on what he does. I mean, the guys that have really made impact at that age are guys that were like Jason Babin and um, and stuff like that, uh, who were crazy athletes. I mean, Babin was a really good athlete, and uh, Ezekiel's you know, same difference. So, Canada probably might have like that, so there's something there with that, but um, I don't know. And I don't like Shaq Lawson. I mean, I, I think with Shaq Lawson, sure, he doesn't give you the dodge stuff in terms of, like, taking on double teams and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think Shaq Lawson's shown a lot of uh, a lot of wiggle and a lot of um, uh, just in terms of some of the things I've seen him be able to do in agility for his size that uh, a lot of other guys haven't shown. Um, so, 
I guess it's kind of like that. I guess you could say the different types of rushers. And I just think Shaq might have a better time at the NFL level because he's a little bit better in terms of agility and stuff like that for his size. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, they're both good. I just think that in Shaq Lawson, I'm getting about a 21-year-old guy with really great ass athleticism uh, and was more consistently productive than Kevin Dodd. And Kevin Dodd, I'm getting a 23.81-year-old guy who's probably a decent athlete but wasn't as productive. Got it. Okay. And and plus, I only have one game of Kevin Dodd I've really seen, by the way, too, because there isn't a lot of Kevin Dodd tape on the street. Um, so... <laughs> Well, I mean, I've been watching him. Even while he was a situational guy, even when he was before he was a starter, I always wonder why he didn't get more snaps. I mean, I remember two years ago thinking. That's a good, that's a question you should, that, I mean, you know, you're a very good reporter. You should probably, you can't, because, yeah, why didn't you get more snaps? You know, Kevin Dodd, like, why? Why? So there's questions there that might have answers that might sure. not be as lovely. Possibly, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. The why question. I hate the why question in football anyways. Like, why? <laughs> why? Why did you not play more? Why did you not do this? Why? Yeah. I hate those questions because you never get them answered often. Yeah. No, I, I, it's interesting to me because we all look at, I mean, what, Florida, right? How does Florida have Jeff Driscoll, Jacoby Brissett, and nobody looks good, right? I mean, there's certainly things that can happen True. at certain places at certain times that prevent, for whatever reason, a player's talents from being fully utilized, realized, or highlighted. It happens. Uh, so a couple of fillers declared, uh, no relation, but Kendall, who is a relation to the other fillers, Vincent and Kyle, etc. And there's a Clay Fuller out there, too, who is a wide receiver. But yeah, so he's related to all those fullers. And Will Fuller, as far as I know, is not related to those fullers. But um, he had originally said, Will Fuller, the Notre Dame Fuller, said he was not declaring, and then apparently has changed his mind. Well, again, he was he said I'm not I'm not declaring and then he saw his boy Jalen Smith me get messed up and he's like <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. I can kinda sorta understand how that might freak a young man out. And, you know, play into his decision making process. I can I can I can see that. That's not hard to understand. It's pretty easy um, for an agent or a girlfriend or a mother to be like, you know, well, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. Jalen Smith wasn't fine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I can understand, like I said, how that might play out. Um, he seems to be kind of a one-trick pony. I mean, is that just me? He does other things, but I have issues with people who compare him to Emmanuel Sanders or people nope. who compare him to Sean Jackson. Deshaun Jackson is a little closer, but I don't think he's quite that fast. Or that 
power. I mean, you know, of course, Jeff Jones isn't as powerful, but he's you know feisty, punchy. You know, yes, right, um, feisty and punchy. He's both of those things. Things that Will Fuller never. Will Fuller is more of the victim than the, the you know. <laughs> The victor, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I uh, and you know you made the you made the Ted Ginn sort of uh, thing, which going back to Ted Ginn, I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to do this, you know, I don't know, because I, I really, I, yeah, I've, I've, you know, and of course I'm not partial to backlash and stuff like that, you know, I don't really care, but I just was like, ooh, mm-hmm. and. AJ Jenkins was just a guy because Jenkins was a guy that just had issues dealing with power and, and um, stuff like that. Um, but I mean, Fuller. I mean, he's. I mean, he's fast. Mm-hmm. Really fast. Yes. Yes. He uh, does some routes really well. They're work in progress. Yeah. Um, he is. Fairly deceptive. I mean, he's he he's at least good at you know hiding his speed until he like gets to a position where he knows he's gonna win, um, and then just turns it on, and then that's it basically. You know, he's gone. <laughs> type of thing. Um, but yeah, he, he he not much after the catch, not much, and really kind of weird in that way because like. Unless he has an open area of space, he'll give you stuff after the catch. If there's bodies around him, and he's catching the ball and nothing happens. He can get squeamish, I think is the term I've used. Um, So, like, it's not to say that he's terrible after the catch. It's just that it depends on the situation. If you give him, you know, if he, like, does a slant, and then he's in wide open space in, like, his own kind of area, uh, you know, like, open spot in his own, and yeah, he he'll give you a lot of stuff after the catch. If he's in a condensed area, like he's playing, in, you know, he's going up against the corner, it's covering a man, and not pressed because if it's pressed, then he's pretty much kind of eh, you know. But if it's just kind of an off man sort of situation, then he's a little different in terms of that. But I don't know. I mean, he's kind of wide receiver six, seven ish to me, eight, because um, I think he's. Um, I mean, he isn't as powerful. He's in that kind of stuff. Um, he, he definitely has drop issues and stuff like that. A lot of it's just is not securing the football right away. Um, concentration drops for the most part. I think that's um, why people like to make the take in comparison is more because of the drops than because of anything else. All right. Well, Jenkins has that issue too. You know. Now, when you watch Jenkins at Illinois. They're different. I mean, I'm not. I mean, Wolf Fuller is not AJ Jenkins, you know, because AJ Jenkins in Illinois was. I still don't even know why he was a first rounder when he's watching Illinois again. Um, other than he ran four three, but yeah. with Fuller, I mean, he's a little bit better than Jenkins in terms of his routes, in terms of his fluidity, in terms of his toughness. He's a little tougher, um, but. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's a one-trick pony, but if you're saying what's his one trick that he does at elite level, it's speed, but he doesn't really have, like, there's nothing about his game. He doesn't like to have a 
thing that's like really good. He just has a number two thing that's you know solid to good. Right. You know. So if that kind of makes any sense. So, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, he came out again. I I can't fault the guy for coming out. You know, sure. The NFL likes to draft wide receivers based on 40s anyways, as we've seen, Taylon Austin, Philip Dorsett, et cetera. So um, he'll probably become a first rounder, maybe. Um, very likely to happen. Um, but <laughs> I definitely think he's a guy that's probably going to struggle a lot um, more than other guys. Right. I mean, I have a mid 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 to late second on him, mostly based on the fact that he'll probably go even earlier than that, possibly. But I mean, he he is a guy that conceivably could be used as a guy who controls part of the defense just by scaring them with speed. But I don't think he'll be able to do much more than that at first, because of some of the things you mentioned that he struggles with physical play. Not just press, just any kind of physical play, it seems, uh, gives him trouble. And he's not amazing either before or after the catch, but he is pretty, like I said, the most special thing he does is that acceleration that gets you to the ball where it looks like a ball might be overthrown or things like that. He has a good job of, you know, recovery or catch up or third gear, whatever you want to call it. He has a really good, does a good job of that, of, looking like he's going full speed, but he's got a little more left, and he can kick that in and run past people. And that impresses some people, some people to the extent that, you know, they sort of almost ignore whatever other flaws might be there. I mean, you know, it's... Well, people do, I guess. They kind of you know, look at physical tools and, and, you know, well, how good can he be? And then, oh, it could be this. All right, well, let's draft him. How good he could be with how good he is. Sure. So, um, I don't know. It just depends. But, I mean, I don't don't like Fuller. I just think that uh, there's other guys that have to do a lot better in terms of, you know, strength, you know, which is something that, put him even on anyways. I mean, I'm not trying to be biased, but, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what your size is either. Like, you can be Corey Coleman and you're powerful. You can, right. And so, and you're, you know, pretty powerful for your size. You'd be Philly Shepard and be concrete, you know, for your size. Um, like Sean Jackson, you know. But with Fuller, he, he's weak, you know. Right, yeah. For his size. And it yeah, he gets, he gets bounced around pretty good, even though he's not that small. Oh, I mean, he's probably six foot ish, two hundred and five, maybe ten, maybe you know, somewhere around there. Yeah. If he's, he's not if, if he's close to that, he's way bigger than a guy like Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not Amari Cooper. I mean, Deshaun Jackson was obviously in the no, in the weight department, but like I said, he was punchy. He was feisty. You know? Yeah. He was, Willing to mix it up, you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> Looking forward to it sometimes, even. He... Looking forward to it. <laughs> 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 my, another, you know, type of guy, right? Um, but uh, Fuller, really, that, yeah, yeah. I've never, like, watched a game of Fuller and felt like he gave because of 
but it's just that he just doesn't really do a good job of, of using his uh one it's not having a good enough punch to really get off press and two his footwork isn't always great enough to get off press either, hundred percent. So that's what we thought we were gonna have to deal with. Um and some guys do and some don't. So some other wide receivers. Barrow Cooper, uh Rashad Higgins as well as Kenny Lawler and who else is going to take it out? Uh, let's see. There's somebody else I was trying to remember. I've all decided to declare. Uh, there's another wide receiver. Oh, we are talking about Jalen Marshall. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Jones. That's the one I was trying to think of. Uh, Caleb Jones is an interesting prospect, but... I mean, I I don't know if he's just frustrated. Like I, that was one of those where I sort of wondered what was causing him to declare. I can't imagine he got back a first or second day grade. Right. Well, the problem with Hill Jones is going to be on uh, Donovan James's uh, show possibly this week. You might be able to ask him questions. But, I would yeah. love. I'm I'm here. <laughs> oh. There we go. Perfectly timed, Donovan. Um, Caleb's an interesting prospect, but he doesn't feel like a guy. I mean, once again, I could be wrong, but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess he didn't get a first or second round grade. No. Or even probably even a third round grade. He got a um, third, fourth round grade. Right, which means go back to school. I mean, where I come from. Mm, uh, no, I mean, I mean, I know Caleb a little bit. He was fine with that. <laughs> he, 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 you know, I mean, he he's fine with that. He thinks he can improve it. I'll say that. He thinks he can he can move up to the second. I mean, he knows he's not going to be drafted in the first round, but um, I don't know. He had he so he's had he's a, super he, confident, is what you're telling me. Yes, he is very confident. <laughs> okay. What does he think his strengths are as a player? What does he think? sets him apart? What's going to allow him to bypass these other guys that right now people see ahead of him? Um, I think his, his strength and just ability to catch the ball, you know, the, the radius, um, the spectacular catches he made. I mean, this is a guy that caught three walk-off catches in college. And I don't know if anybody else has done that. I don't know how much stock people put in that. But, I mean, he's caught three walk-off catches, game-winning catches. Uh, right. clutch. Big clutch. Time, mm-hmm. Big time catching um, across the middle. He can go across the middle with anybody because of his size and strength. Yeah, he's a little he's a little Jalen Strong ish ish. Yes. Yeah, he, he's uh thinks he can get his forty down from from uh from Mitch four fives or something. What what is he doing right now? Four five six. Yeah. Okay. So I was I, my my scout size still working. So I was my I, my guess was four five five. So I was off by one one hundredth of a second. Yeah, you're 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 dead on, man. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying I agree with Caleb's decision. I'm just saying uh, I, I didn't have too much time to talk to him. I'm not gonna say I talked to this guy forever, but just talking to him a little bit. Um, last year, honestly, mainly last year when I talked to him, but it feels the same as he did this year, pretty much. Um, he was close to coming out last year. But they they had something special going on, so they thought you know um, this year was supposed to be really special for Arizona. They thought they could at least make the Rose Bowl. They didn't do that. 
Um, he he likes Coach Rod and Andy Sullivan. And so he was seriously considering coming out as a redshirt sophomore. Yeah, he was close. That would have been close. crazy talk. I mean, he would have probably been undrafted. <laughs> he said he could have got drafted last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Early not impossible, but it would have been really late. Yeah. I mean, he he called to some people's dad knows, which always his dad is you know uh, pretty close to some people in the show. So dad uh, and you know um, he actually works out with Steve Clarkson, even though he's not a quarterback. Um, he's like one of the receivers there, right? So, you know, he's around. He's around NFL people. people, but yeah, but I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, who knows? I mean, he, right now, he, I'm not saying it's impossible he would have been drafted, but it would have been really late. It would have been, been late. It would have been. It would have been later than than, than Caleb said. I'll say that. Oh. Yes, it would have been later. And I like him. He's a great kid. He's a great guy. But, but he's super confident, apparently. Yeah, he's confident. I mean, and, and Caleb. Uh, he could not get drafted this year. I mean, it's a strong possibility he goes in seventh or undrafted free agent. Um, I know he'll get picked up by a team, but it was a risk. Um, a risk that he didn't necessarily have to take. He doesn't um, necessarily need the money. <laughs> uh, right now, he's not going through a ton of stuff off the field or anything like that. Really anything. Um, it just feels like he's ready for the NFL. Um, his degree will come. He doesn't have it yet. But he's on pace to still get it. So, um, I mean, I guess we'll talk to him. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> I, I I look forward to that because he's an intriguing he's an intriguing prospect. But he, there's things he doesn't quite know how to do yet. That I mean, you hope he'll learn these things. But I don't. I know he talks to NFL people, but I don't know if they've really made him understand how little time a guy who's drafted in the fourth or fifth round gets early on. In I mean, there's not a lot of breaking down what you're doing wrong and how you're slowing yourself down and how you need to do that. They don't have time for all that stuff, man. They're trying to beat Bill Belichick. They're trying to beat the Rams. They're trying to beat whoever it is. You know, they don't have time to teach you. Well, hopefully he continues to work with somebody, whether it be. Yeah, he, he's going to he's gonna work with, I mean, Jeff Blake is his uncle too. Um, right. So, right. you know, obviously Robert's his dad. Works out NFL people. I know he didn't come from a pro style system. Um, he did got a lot of pass. This year was a struggle. It was. I was kind of disappointed in Caleb, to be honest. Um, yep. I mean, he he tore it up that whole game. I mean, I think that that was. Part Is that of what idea. made him think? Okay, now I should. No. <laughs> I don't know about that. I didn't ask him that, but. Well, good. I, mean, I was disappointed him a little bit. Obviously, Anu had his his, his injuries. Um, and it's early on. They just were kind of Anu spread the ball out, man. That's what he's used to. Um, that's what Rick likes. And that's what a new – I mean, he was at Bishop Gorman. He spread it out. That's what they do, and that's what Rich Rod does. And it was a little frustrating for Caleb not getting being the, the prime receiver that he was before, but uh, they're trying to do something a little different. Um, they have a bunch of receivers on that team. I mean, they got maybe five NFL prospects at receivers, but he's the only one that's 6'3 to, to uh, 16, you know, and that has a mm-hmm. – Possibly might have the highest vertical in this draft. I'm not sure about that. Really? Guys. I haven't, I haven't, he, he thinks he might. <laughs> well, I mean, but clearly he thinks he can do a whole lot of things. Um, he's got a I, – I give him 34, 35, 36, somewhere around there. Like, he's going to – this depends how he works out at Exos um, this coming up uh, off season. you know, when he works out up there. Just depends on what goes on. Um, yeah, I mean, 2014 was magical for him and Scooby. 
those guys that came out early and uh, they both had their fair share of things that happened. I, I think off the field things have been cleaned up with them. Obviously, got kicked out of Texas. Um, yep. I think that I think that he doesn't have uh, really any character issues at all. Um, for what, I mean, I've talked to him, so you know, um, that's all it was on him. And you know, they he's clean. You know, he he got in trouble when he was young. Right. Um, it's over. That was a while ago. So <laughs> um, that's fine. I mean, he got in trouble one time and done with that. Disappointing season, kind of though. I mean, honestly, I mean, the last two games he tore it up. Like I said, he he dominated versus the Sun Devils. He dominated in that bowl game. But uh, other than that, I mean, I was kind of disappointed Caleb, this year. Concentration issues um, dropped way too many passes for me. Yep. Um, so it's a concern. But <laughs> you know, he's physical, strong kid. I mean, he, check, he gets a lot of check marks in the box, I guess, really for arm length and, and height and, you know, jump ball coordination, you know, stuff like that. So sure. 50-50 balls. Probably his best attribute, in my opinion. That is, um, that is yeah. by far his best attribute. I mean, he he's already six three, and he does have at least a thirty four inch vertical at the lowest. So I mean, he can get up there and get the ball in the red zone, which he might just end up being a red zone guy. Um, well, if I'm a team that's looking for that, that guy, I'm looking at him. I'm looking at guys like Sharon Peak, speaking of Clemson, and. I'm looking for the guy that might give me a little something extra. Like, Sharon Peek's a really good blocker. And no offense to your guy, Caleb, but not to say he's not a willing blocker, but he doesn't block as well as a guy like Sharon Peek does. A lot yeah, of those, funny. We, I, I got in um, – it's funny because I love Caleb Jones, and some, one of the guys I, on Twitter was telling me that he was one of the best blocking blockers here. And I was like, I don't know about that, even though I like a, Caleb a lot. He's an okay blocker, but yeah, – He does what it takes, you know. Again, yeah. 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 Arizona does a lot of things. <laughs> 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 what they do. Yeah, he just you know, and like I said, you know, reason for coming out, I mean he just felt like he was ready and then offensively they spread it out too much for him, honestly. Like a little bit. I mean I'm not there's no no knock on Rich Rod or the O C or whatever, it's just that it's his his uh that's what down. He wants to get the ball more. I mean, he's like every wide receiver. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it went from, uh, what, he's 73 catches to 55 this year, um, I think, or something like that. So, And he caught 55 in sophomore year, too, so uh, I'm not sure. Well, he, could have been close to, he could have been close to 70 this year if he hadn't dropped 10 or 12 balls. He did drop a lot of passes. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth it. He did drop a lot of passes. <laughs> I mean, he, 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 the, the game – the one game that concerns me about him, I won't go on and on about him. I mean, the UCLA game was, you know, considered Not to be good. the biggest home game, biggest home game in school history for a lot of people that Arizona fans. Because um, that game was just it was college game day. They're at home. They were yep. in at the time. Yep. Scooby Wright just came back. I feel like Caleb um, kind of just disappeared. I mean, I don't want to say he gave up. Because that's too strong. Uh, but uh, he kind of just disappeared. When a new guy hurt, I mean, they were running, like, the read option and just wasn't in the offense. And he dropped a couple of balls. He dropped three balls. Um, yep. He blocked well in that game because <laughs> he had to. Well, there you go. A lot of reads. <laughs> there you but go. he just uh, – it's almost like he can't do both. You know what I mean? In that <laughs> you know, he can put the whole – he's done everything you really need to he just career. can't do them all at the same time. Exactly. So that that's a little worrisome. I, I kind of wish he came back for that reason. I think that they would have 
made it. I think Arizona's offense is going to be great next year. They get pretty much everybody back. And their line wasn't that good this year. Uh, I mean, I thought Arizona was a tad bit overrated. Like, I, people thought they made the Pac-12 championship. No. Just, <laughs> no. Off, the line, off the line was just so bad. And the secondary is so young. I mean, they started three 18-year-olds <laughs> secondary last year. Yeah, so, that almost never ends well. Yeah, and Rich Rod loves to play kids early. And that's why he loves to go to Arizona, but it yep. just didn't work last year. Uh, and then a new guy hurt. And, I mean, the defense is just not good. I mean, <laughs> it just wasn't good without Scooby. You know, it just was a bad hurricane for them. Um, and, you know, I mean, him and Scooby are pretty close. And, uh, you know, <laughs> okay. Sure, I, I get that. But, yeah. I mean, there, there's two very different situations. I mean, look, I, I think they're both interesting prospects. Now, Scooby is a guy that – it's a slightly different deal with him. He's essentially a undersized but super productive, instinctive linebacker who people have questions about physically. No one questions anything mentally, you know, about Scooby Wright. Caleb is a guy, there's going to be a few questions still maturity-wise because of the problems he had, even though it was when he was younger, and maturity in terms of positional maturity. Like, he's an interesting prospect, but he's not a super well-rounded wide receiver yet. Agreed. He's not. He's not. Um, it, it was a, it was a split with him. I think he was. Uh, I think he kind of felt like he wanted to come back, but in his heart of heart, he just wasn't. He was. He was leaning towards the NFL. Sure. And some guys, you know, hey, some people don't want to be in school anymore. I mean, he, I don't know how he is as a student. But I know there are some guys who are like, you know, once again, to quote the philosopher report, Cardell Jones, we didn't come here to play school. So, <laughs> well, that's something I, I did want to ask him is, is that if he's still uh, getting his degree. I know he's on track to still get it, but, you know, some people, they might take off a few years or whatever, or I wanted to ask him that. So or take off good. a lifetime. I mean, or a lifetime, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's close, man. You got to think he was a, he was a registered. He, he sat out a whole year and just went to school. So, he is right. close to graduating, so I, I would assume that uh, he would go ahead and get his uh, degree. I would hope. But um, you, didn't, you never know. I mean, someone would have to talk to him about it, I guess. <laughs> sure. Well, See, yeah, Matt Dudek. Um, I was going to say, Matt, Matt Dudek and Tony Dews, the yeah. Stephen coaches, especially Matt Dudek, uh, who I had a chance to talk to uh, at the uh, Orlando Underwood game. Uh, they speak highly of him, man. They love him. You know, they know, they want him to come back, of course, but they're blessed they had him for the two years it did. Now, um, now and, help uh, me with this. Is is his is he brothers with Mike Dudek? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know that. Okay. I always, I always wondered about that. I have to check to see where, where, where Mike Dudek's from. Maybe that might help. But, yeah, go ahead. Um, so they, they rave about him probably because of his, his ability and, as you said, his you know, he can make highlight real catches. He can make the, you know, jumping, reaching back, one hand, stab out of the air, you know, woo, catch. Yeah, I mean, he did things on the roster that just nobody – I mean, they Arizona, when when Caleb got to Arizona and Rich got to Arizona at the same time, they Caleb was a, you know, five, four-star receiver. You know, they hadn't gotten a guy like that really um, at receiver before for Arizona in a while, like that, that can get up and get the ball. They, they have a lot of – Small guys, like the 500, mm-hmm. 170, 180 guys, but the quick guys. They have a lot of speedsters on, on that roster, um, but not guys like that. So I think that was uh, something they were definitely happy about. Um, but, yeah. 
I mean, it, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, yeah, I mean, Arizona, they didn't, they did a good job with him, I think. You know, I know his, his production went down this year. Some of that had to do with him. I think half of that was him, half of that was uh, under Solomon injuries. Because when he came back, he still was kind of, he wasn't the same in his Solomon, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Since I have you, looking at the Pac-12 early declarees, who are the ones that maybe raised your eyebrow, and who are some of the guys that you thought, okay, well, this makes sense, amongst the guys that came out from the Pac-12? I honestly don't even have a list in front of me of guys that came out early. Um, if you oh, well, let you some off to me. <laughs> I will. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I know a bunch. So, of looking specifically guys. at the at the guys yeah. in the Pac-12, that would include Austin Hooper. The um, um, yeah, I'm fine with Austin Hooper coming out. Um, he's one of the best tight ends in the country, top five, and so uh, he'll, he'll probably be a top 100, top 150. Plus, they got a tight end. I think that's better than him on the roster. So, huh. yeah, I think that might be. <laughs> what well, uh, part of the motivation? Um, Paul Perkins, <laughs> Paul Perkins, running back, obviously from UCLA. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean Paul's one of my favorite running backs. He's definitely ready. Staying <laughs> with UCLA, obviously Miles Jack, the yeah. uh, linebacker who suffered the serious knee injury. Yeah, I mean Miles. Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, that's a guy that uh, just should be, should be a top 50 pick, no doubt, and probably a first-round pick still, even though the injury happened early, um, which is kind of a blessing, I guess, in disguise. So could happen late like Jalen Smith. So <laughs> better happen early than late, always. Yeah, right. I, if you have to tear up your knee, it's better to do it early. That's, that's definitely true. Um, Alex Redman. Yeah, man. <laughs> What's the story there? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to talk to, like, any UCLA people yet. I know I did last year, so I thought I should be able to. I don't know why Alex Rosen came out at all. I mean, it was weird. Like, I thought if anybody would come out, it would be Connor McDermott, even though he was a redshirt sophomore, because, you know, people were talking about him possibly, like, shooting up, being that guy. That that's really young, but you can shoot up the draft size because of the size and athleticism. But Alex Redmond, I was surprised, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I like Alex Redmond. Like he's good. He's just I don't I don't understand why he would come out. Um, that was a, probably one of the biggest uh, question marks to me. To me, that's a guy who's not. A, that's not to me a guy who's not even guaranteed to be drafted. He's a day three prospect if things go well. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. I mean, he's had a good career, too. Why, why not go off momentum with that? I mean, some guys, you know, just because you have end the season well doesn't mean you got to come to draft, you know. And I think if I could put anything on Alex Redmond, it's, he's been playing great the past few games. But you don't come out, you know, your guard, um, not a super athletic guard either. Um, he plays no. center a little bit, too, so he's versatile. But um, I, I just don't understand it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know his family issues or anything like that. I know a lot okay. of guys. We, we don't know that. So, right. But I, I don't know why. I can't. He okay. probably won't get drafted. Yeah, it'll be, yeah. Um, from Washington, Dwayne Washington. 
Um, the now I understand there's a really super talented running back who's going to be the man there at Washington, obviously Gaskins. But why do you think Dwayne Washington came out? Was it just the fact that he was not going to see that much playing time? Yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, his, his playing time diminished. Miles Gaskins is, is amazing. He's, he's a guy we all missed on in recruiting, by the way. But um, he was like a, a two, three star. But Chris yeah, Peterson, he was a two, three Chris, star, right? Yeah. Chris Peterson, is, Chris Peterson is Chris Peterson, man. We missed him. <laughs> now, is it because of his size? Is it because he's not that big, or what is the what's the reason? Size and like he just didn't run fast. Uh, at any camp he did go to, which he didn't go to all of them, and he just didn't run fast. Um, he ran pretty slow, 40 time um, for running back that size, so we just overlooked him <laughs> pretty much. It was size and speed. Didn't have it. Okay. Um, he went to he went to Odea High School in Seattle. I mean, he was yeah. a big time. Uh, yeah. He put on a lot of weight too. He wasn't as big as he is now. He's like 195 right now. 190. He's probably like 178, 180. Um, so he's grown up a tad bit too, but uh, we just missed him. Um, he's great though. But uh, yeah, um, as far as Washington goes, yeah, I mean they got Levon Coleman who, who was superb back. Um, the change of pace back from Gaskins and then Deontay Cooper, and they got Sean McGrew coming in, who's a four star from uh, Belfar, same with John Bosco. So they're loaded at running back next year and just production. I, I would assume that uh, he probably doesn't think he's gonna get the ball a lot next year. Kind of the same reason that. Uh, uh, Cow receiver came out last year. Um, I can't think of his name right now. Gosh, it just goes past my my brain. But he came out because the same reason. Pretty Harper, much. maybe. Yeah, Harper. yeah, Harper. There we go. Yeah. So with Washington, I didn't see a lot of uh, Washington Huskies play this year. I, I haven't watched his tape, but I'm not sure where he would go. I probably for undrafted. I saw tape. them play, but Dwayne Washington was a guy where like. Uh, to me, the sensible thing would have been to transfer someplace and put up some tape. I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe he came out. I thought he was going to transfer to. Uh, I mean, Eastern Washington, baby. Just go to Eastern Washington. Yeah, Eastern Washington, or I mean, you know, he's a senior. I mean, he was a junior, so he would have had to sit out a year, I guess. So probably didn't want to do that, but uh, right, yeah, could grad transfer, 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 to a, transfer to a F, uh, somewhere CS school, Eastern Washington, uh, a bunch of them. I'm sure you guys know, so I, I don't know. I don't understand that. That should have been a transfer for sure. But... Don't know. <laughs> Another reason, uh, thing I keep in mind is that he was not recruited by Chris Peterson. He was recruited oh, by Coach Sargent. And, you know, coaching is a pretty big deal to these kids, so probably another reason why he came out. Right, good point. Um, we talked about Scooby already. Uh, let's see. So other guys in the Pac-12 who have decided to come out. Yeah. I mean, I know my my boy Stewart came out, obviously. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, but something that well, I'll, ask, for... I'll ask you, why do you think he came out early? I mean, I've known Stewart for – a long time, man. He was—I knew this three years ago. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so this was, this mean, was yeah. always the plan with him. You're saying? He's, I mean, it's certain guy. I, I remember him and uh, Jalen Ramsey and, and Brandon Hargrave talking about coming out three years ago, and they all did. I mean, all those guys—they're <laughs> coming out at the camp. They—they they came out, but all of them. I think there's a couple that didn't, but they all came out. So I mean, they just—they're all good. 
You know, Phil Cravens is uh, one of my favorite players in this draft. Excuse me, um, one of my favorite players in this draft. So versatile, can do everything. I mean, I, I love Stewart. Uh, I try not to be biased to Stewart because I do know his family. <laughs> but, um, you know, I do keep that out. But, you know, Stewart's just a great player. He's a great kid. He can do everything on the football field on defense. Um, probably play offense, too, if he wanted to. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's just great. And he's ready. I think he's ready. I don't – there's not a doubt in my mind uh, him not to be ready. Off the field, uh, mentally, and on the field, and to pick up things and be a, a pro – He's already pretty much been that to me, almost, the way he's handled himself. Um, now, I will say this about Stewart. Um, he is pretty silly. Like he, He's kind of a jokester. He probably needs to, like, not do that as much in the NFL. Um, Until you become a superstar, then you can do whatever you want. But Yeah, but I mean, he's, he's like, he, he's like a, he pranks and jokes up a lot. I mean, that's going to probably, like, you can't do that at first, I'm sure, in the NFL. But, you know, once he becomes a superstar, yeah, first star or whatever. Um, that's like it's not even a knock though. I mean, that's just something that you know. I see his Snapchat. That's the only reason. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I mean, other than that, like I mean, he just—he barely has any flaws to me. Um, huh. Now, what do you think he weighs now? Um, um, um gosh, man, Sue is probably at like two twenty-five right now. Two twenty-six. Two twenty-six. So right. So he's he's still. I mean, I guess the game has changed in such a way that that's not a big deal anymore, I suppose, because, you know, look at what the trends are and, you know, and how they are treating the position and things like that. But I, I wonder right. what will happen just in terms oh, he, of – He's going to get up. He, he's going to get up. He's going to get up to about 235 at least. I mean, probably not at least. He'll be at 235. It's about Shaq Thompson, same size, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if he's that high in weight, but – He'll get up to about 235. He, um, he's young, <laughs> you know. Um, he's going to be – I don't know about who's youngest in this draft or whatever. I always kind of look at that. But, I mean, he's only 20. So, um, 20 and a half. His birthday was uh, 4th of July, I believe, or somewhere around there. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's about 226 right now. Um, and I think he get 235 uh, pretty easy. He had mono in the beginning of the season. So he was a little smaller. You know, a lot of people were kind of worried. Like, why is he so small? Why is the weight? He had to get his weight up and build back up again, which he did and maintained it during the season. But if you look at the kid, I mean, he's going to fill out, you know, tremendously. I hope, anyway. <laughs> I mean, I would hope so. I think he can, though. Uh, yeah, he's a legit. I mean, he's really close to 6'2". I don't think he's quite 6'2", but he's really close. But like, he might end up being 6'2". His dad says he's still growing, you know, huh. pretty, pretty pretty, good amount. So. You know, so he's 6'1 and change and about 226. Yep. And and a cool thing about Sua that a lot of people don't know, um, you might know because I know you know pretty much everything, but um, Sua, Jack Cravens is his, is his grandfather, you know, um, Jordan and, and Colby Cameron are his cousins. Um, two on his on his dad's side, and Mantateo is also a second cousin. <laughs> he got a very strong football family. Yeah, and you know his other cousin, Bren, has a baby with Matt Liner, so sees him a lot too. They're <laughs> so really close. Complete, so it's to complete the double play, right? Yeah. 
complete football. That's all he cares about. That's all he's ever cared about is football. He didn't play any other sports, really. He just played football his whole life. So he's a lifer, man. He loves it. He loves the game. Um, so he's one of the guys that'll look to coach or something when 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 football's over, as opposed to, you know, being a businessman or a actor or something. I can see Sue being an actor, but uh, <laughs> but he loves the game. He probably will be a coach. Uh, I can see him being an actor. He's got Hollywood tattoo with palm trees on his arm, you know, and he, he's always he's on Snapchat a lot. So <laughs> I can see him doing some, some acting, but um, surprised he hasn't. You'll probably see some stuff from him. Like now that the season's over, you'll see some promos with him doing some stuff. But no, he he's really a kid and. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I mean, he's not a perfect prospect by any means. I'm not trying to super hype him up. He's a guy I personally like a lot, um, regardless of, of, of uh, you know, where he played at. I know he went to SD, but um, just like him a lot. He could have went to any school. <laughs> he's just a really good prospect to me for the NFL because uh, I just feel like, I hate to say safe, but I feel like he's a safe prospect. You know, that's funny. I, I, there's things I like about him. I don't know if I'd call him a safe prospect just because, you have to know what you're going to do with him. And I don't think every team will know what to do with him, but we'll see. Um, but there's so many things to like about him. Mm-hmm. Um, Tomas Duarte. Uh, uh, yeah. Now, what's, the, <laughs> what's the story there? Because that's another sort of weird one to me. I don't get these UCLA guys now, I understand it. But, <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad. That they're coming out early, but <laughs> you know, I don't. I just don't understand why Thomas Duarte came out early. I don't understand at all. He's a kid that, you know, his dad's like a doctor. His his County. family does well. Yeah, I know that yeah. much. I know. Yeah, his yeah, family's yeah, doing you know, okay. He so I mean I you know I, I watched him for a while. He went to modern day. You know, he 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 was you know with Max Wittick and all those guys over there uh, right. in modern day, but um. Excuse me, I just don't understand <laughs> why Thomas Duarte would come out when he has uh, the chosen Rosen. <laughs> and and, and thus far, and thus far as tape, though it's not bad, it's not like you think to yourself, "Wow, you know that guy's ready." I mean, I don't remember. I, I'm going to go back and look, you know. But when I heard he declared, I was like, "Duarte," you know, like <laughs> he's not the best receiver on his team. I remember thinking that, like, what the? No, hell? not at all. I mean, it, it, it's. Uh... Interesting, man. And UCLA doesn't have that many wide receivers coming in or anything that are going to challenge him. He could have been um, with Jordan Payton gone. That that would have been his role, you know, the possession right. clutch guy. I mean, Thomas right. Duarte. One thing I do like about Thomas Duarte is that uh, he, moves, he moves. He moves the marker, man. He's always catching the first down of the team. Um, third down. They're down in three. You go to him on a flank. He's going to catch it. You know. Um, right. But I just don't understand. <laughs> Why he would come out? Like I said, they—he they, uh, would have been a starter with Darren Andrews and, and Logan Sweet. Um, don't understand. Don't know why and that, he came out. That's Kyle Sweet's brother, Logan. Yep, Kyle Sweet's brother, and Kyle Sweet dom- dominated this year, by the way. Yes. Oh, I saw <laughs> Kyle Sweet doing his. I mean, you hate to compare people. It's a lazy comparison usually, but it actually works in this case. He really does remind me of watching Wes Welker in college. Yeah, he does. Uh, You know, I think when we had him on the show, we asked him about that, and he was like, yeah, it's generic, but, I mean, I I do watch him a lot. 
You know, <laughs> it is generic, but in this case, accurate and generic. I mean, unlike people whip out these people like, look, but I heard people try to compare Elman to to him. It's like, no, no, Jill Elman's a dynamic athlete who is like more like he's more like Antonio Brown. Well, not quite Antonio Brown, but like he's got more in common with Antonio Brown than he does with a guy like Wes Welker. Uh, It's just. Silly sometimes. Just, you know, everybody who's white and plays in the slot is not Wes Welker. But with right. that being said, Kyle Sweet actually does kind of remind me of Wes Welker. He does. And Logan is going to be a six-year senior. He's not really an NFL prospect. He's just a guy that's probably going to be the fourth receiver. But he's probably, he's gonna, you know, Rosen loves him. He's going to be kind of the elder statesman at receiver. They're going to have a bunch of older guys. Um, but, I mean, you know, they do lose Noah Mazzoni, which, you know, you got gotta got to keep in mind that these kids, will leave when their OC leaves or DC leaves, and UCLA is a prime example. I mean, if Noel Mazzoni wasn't gone, they wouldn't have lost all these players. It's almost as simple as that. I'm just surprised at the guys that did come out. I mean, Perkins and, and you, know, uh, you know, a couple other guys make sense. Uh, Caleb Lenoch. I want to ask you about him. Now, what, is, that, is that what you think is because Mazzoni came out? Because, I mean, left just they came out. Left. I mean, what, is that what motivated him? Because he's a decent player, but I don't see him as a guy. I don't think there's such a market for him that he had to come out early. I don't think there's a market for him to come out early either. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't believe he should have came out. I just believe that um, he's got good size. He could probably play guard or um, tackle. Right tackle in um, a pinch. One, yes, right. Yeah, one of the best tackle on the team, Caleb McDermott's going to be a first-round pick one day. Uh, yep. He's only registered sophomore. But – um. Yeah, man, I mean, it comes back to Caleb, or excuse me, not Caleb, uh, to Noel Mazzoni, and Taylor Mazzoni going to A&M. That was a big deal for those guys. I know he just said he wanted to pursue his dreams. Um, he lived it up at UCLA. He's had all the great memories and bonded with his brothers and everything, but I just don't understand. The only thing I, I do see is that uh, he is 23 already. He'll be 24 oh. next year, so yeah. that that probably is a pretty big deal to him. Um, that's Little thing I looked at <laughs> when I saw it. So I didn't know that he was 23 years old. So, okay. I guess that makes some level of sense. Uh, sticking with UCLA, Kenny Clark. Yeah, Kenny had to go. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, made a, Kenny made a good decision. No, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny's smart man because Kenny. Me and you talked about Phil um, a little bit off air with the um, his best friend is Ellen McCarthy. Um, yep. Should have came out with him last year. He made a smart decision. He came out of school. He made a lot of money because of that. So I feel like, he, you know, yep. he, he's, he's solid. Um, he can do a lot of things um, up front for you in different style of defenses, too. Right. So and I, he's, I, and he's, a, he's a redshirt junior. He, is he on track to graduate? Not sure if he's on track to graduate or not. Not sure. But, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, Kenny, you know, that's different. He's on the defensive side. Um, I still feel like a lot of these guys, just because no was only like still got Jim Moore there, but uh, you know UCLA lose a couple guys early. They got a really good class coming in, so they'll be fine. But yeah, I think Kenny Clark is uh, was due to come out. Just not sure about the other guys, man. I mean, <laughs> Clark, Thomas Thomas Duarte was kind of the. I was really disappointed that he came out. Yeah, to be honest. Right, Clark has a legitimate shot to go in the first round. The rest of these guys are. I mean, I like Paul Perkins. I'm constantly defending Paul Perkins, I feel like. 
But I feel like he's probably about a fourth rounder. The rest of the guys are that or less, you know, <laughs> like right. fifth, sixth, undrafted in some cases. So that's the thing that sort of was a question mark for me about what some of these other guys came out. Yeah, Deion Holland, uh, I think, stayed. So that was kind of good yeah. for them. Um, I thought he might come out, but he stayed. That was good. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, they got the kicker. That's pretty good. He's a senior, though. But, uh, yeah, I, I just uh, surprised. Thomas Dorothy, like I said, he, he – uh, it's surprising. He's not going to get drafted. There's no way. Um, he was definitely an undrafted free agent. I, I, I really don't understand. He already graduated college, too. So, I mean, he could have went. Did he play? Yes, it was. It was just for Mazzoni or playing time. He could have, yeah, just transferred anywhere he wanted to. Could have gone I mean, more Mazzoni. Could have followed him. And he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a 3.8 student or something like that. So, he can go oh. anywhere he wants to probably. At UCLA, I mean, he's pre-med, too. I think so. Uh, yeah, he huh. can go anyway. I don't know why he came up. I guess like if he does, I, I, I guess like he's gonna go into that field anyway. You know, if he doesn't get drafted or stay in the NFL for too long, so maybe he's just you know <laughs> ready to go. But I feel like he, I thought he could have next year if he had a play pretty good. Could have actually gotten drafted in day three, late day three. Yeah, right. That was a new look. Yeah, he, 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 you know, him and Jerry Newhouse were roommates. Uh, maybe they, he wanted to follow his roommate <laughs> out, into uh, undrafted free agency. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, well, Jerry's probably got a job on staff waiting for him. Right. Um, sure. Yeah. Right. He'll be a GA, and then eventually a position coach, and then eventually an offensive coordinator. And yeah, right. I get that. Yeah. Probably a head coach. Yeah, I'm, sure. But, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, whatever. And last but not least, Braylon Addison. Um, here's a guy I've been hearing about since he was a high school guy about what a freak he is and whatever. And he, maybe he is. I mean, he seemed to make some flash plays, but I don't remember thinking to myself, wow, that guy's going to kill it at the next level, at least not yet. Uh, help me to understand what's going on with Braylon Addison. Yeah, it seemed like Braylon had his mind made up. He was one of the first early uh, declarees. Um, yes, he was. Like two weeks ago or whatever. So Right after um, the bowl game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right after the not-so-great bowl game for Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> Offensive coordinator. All these guys you keep saying lost a, a coordinator. So, I mean, um, that's the, re- the the one theme that keeps reoccurring. Um, also, Scott Frost is gone. Uh, the receiver coach is gone, too. So, pretty big deal. Oregon really deep at receiver, like seven, eight deep at receiver. Um, especially if Devin Allen comes back um, and doesn't put the team for track. I know he, he's questionable. But uh, still, you know, I, I would have, you know, that's a that's a weird one to me because I feel like he's gonna kill it at the combine and pro day and move up. He better but not that far yeah. where he should have came out. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think he'll move up pretty high, but I mean, you know, he is a freak athlete. <laughs> that's what I hear. But he's just an athlete more so. I feel like I mean he, now the kid put up yards. Sophomore year, you know, he was all purpose. Uh, about twelve hundred yards and eight touchdowns, I think. But um. He's had some injuries. He had a quad, and I think he had a uh, meniscus in spring practice, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, but yeah, when he touches it, he, he, he's big. You know, he, he averages uh, 12 per touch, 12 yards per touch, which is great. Um, probably one of the highest in the Pac-12. But uh, still, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if that was a good idea. But he, I mean, people are saying he could be Josh Huff. Okay, not by that. He can be Josh Huff. 
He's a bet, way more athletic than Josh Huff. He, sh- he should shoot his. He should set his goals higher. <laughs> but uh, okay, well, I'm gonna let Jim ask uh, any questions he might have. Man, we have Donovan with us, who of course has is our special conduit to Pac-12 information. Uh, what questions might you have for Donovan? Mm, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. So Pac, that be Pac-12 questions? It doesn't have to be Pac-12 questions. It could be anything, since okay. Donovan does know other things as well. But I was just, <laughs> <laughs> I was just you know, throwing out there. Uh, yeah. Um. How do you feel about, we were just talking about drawing curse, um, and we were wondering, like, why did he come out? Do you know why he came out? <laughs> you said, was that drawing curse? Is that what you said? Yeah, we were talking about drawing curse. And I was, oh, okay. I was saying how both Clemson safeties who, I mean, not to be unkind, but it was not, that's not the way I'd want to announce myself to the NFL world with two or three plays that seemed – I mean, once again, I don't know exactly what the call was, but one of those looked like quarters coverage. <laughs> and I know enough about playing safety and playing quarters coverage to know where you're supposed to be. And neither of them was where they were supposed to be. And one of them was the O.J. Howard play. And then on that big run that Derek Rooney busted, I saw, once again, both safeties, oh, whatever. I'm just going to calm down. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, well, this guy doesn't have a coordinator leaving, so I can't say that. But um, nope. I just think I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm not in with the southern programs, I guess, much or closer. But I just think that John Kerr thinks he's ready. Uh, okay. Physically. I mean, he he looks the part. He looks the part. So I'll give him that part. He's uh, <laughs> you know, so you gotta think. Some some of this is just stock play, you know. Um, sure. Where can you get drafted? Not how really. When you play in the NFL, it's all, you know you don't know. Nobody knows, but <laughs> where can you get drafted? I still, I still think Curse can be a top fifty pick. So I mean, sure, if he, he shouldn't be. I mean, if he thinks that, then yes. Yeah. I mean, I can't really blame him for leaving. Yeah, first round, or possibly first, or second round. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think second is probably more likely, but yeah, I think he'll be in the second, mid second, uh, maybe even early third, possibly. But uh, it depends on what. He's a he's gonna be a guy that just what what does he do at his combine pro day? Yeah, because he's so that, such a athlete that same with Braylon Addison, you know, he could possibly go undrafted if he doesn't show, <laughs> but he could go in the fourth round. Just don't know. <laughs> yeah, well that that answers the question about one of Clemson's safeties. Was T.J. Green just tagging along for fun? I mean, I'm oh, sure no one told on? him he was did, going did, in a second. Did he did he come out too? I didn't yes. Know oh. Oh, well, <laughs> Clemson's just, uh, I guess they're just going, they're hot right now. So, <laughs> is that what it was, just like a Me Too kind of thing? Yeah, I'm in the draft too. What are those? Gonna... Yeah, Don't I mean, it, me. I, I like, I like TJ. I mean, I like TJ. Actually, the first person that showed me um, TJ was, um, was Shane Alexander, because he's from Alabama, and he was supposed to go there. End up going to Clemson, maybe should have went out that one. But um, you know, I, I know I like TJ Green. I just thought I, I really did. I like TJ Green a lot, actually. But he should have came out next year for sure. He could have been. He could have been. He would have been a high draft pick too. Probably a top fifty pick too next year. Next year. This year. No. Yeah, next year. Not this year. Because he would have had all the the spotlight on him in the second day with Alexander gone and, and Curse. So I really ah man, I, I hate that. I don't like that at all. I didn't know. 
Yeah, I guess that. theoretically he could still pull his name. He has he has until whatever it is, eight o'clock or whatever time it is on the eighteenth. But as of now, he's this is eighteenth. Is that the last day? Yeah, that's the last day to either say you're in or out. Um, what is that Tuesday? Is that Tuesday? Yeah, no, no, Monday. 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 You're right. Okay. Yes, yeah, he has oh, Monday. Yeah, I mean, there's a well, there's going to be a couple guys. I think there's going to be a two, two or three guys that maybe pull back. There's going to be. Some weird guys that just go out like uh, Heard last year from Kentucky. You remember he was a lot of guys declared. Uh, I was just like, whoa, why? Whoa, why? why? Yeah. Yes, right. <laughs> just all what of could sudden. you have heard? What could you? What could? What happened that made you at the last minute say, oh wait, wait, I got to be in the draft? So I, I always wonder about that. With some of those late, last-second things, like did you hear? What did you hear? What was it someone told you that made you suddenly? Change direction so late in the game. Friends, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it would have to be – seem like it would be something like that or just a bad uh, advisory uh, agency talking to a bad agent. We talked about that too. Yeah, we agents did. Kind of, agents are a very, very big deal part of this. So they say right, things. right. But, you know, and that's the thing. is Some of these guys – maybe once again, I guess it depends who your agent is. There are agents who I know for a fact have told these kids the truth. You're maybe oh, yeah. a third. You're maybe a third day guy, and you're better off going back to school. And some of them still won't listen, apparently. Yeah, or they're private coaches or whoever. I mean, I know a lot of the skill position guys. You know, they they have a lot of private coaching or whatever, and they they're kind of interesting prospects because they can you know run a certain time and move up two rounds or whatever. But um, <laughs> some of these guys definitely don't need to come out, and I think T.J. Green was one of them. I still like T.J. Green. I hope he uh, finds a, a good home to go to. He can kind sure. of fit anywhere. Um, I like his size and his uh, range and everything. It's, well, um, I mean, both the Clemson safeties, quote-unquote, look the part. Like, that's the one thing they could do is they get off the bus, you're thinking, wow, those are safeties. I mean, you got that going for them, but both yeah, those guys. T.J. Was, yeah, was, was actually, I think, highly more highly recruited than uh, – Curse was, but yeah, um, yeah. TJ, uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised. And kick return too, which is probably gonna help him, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, don't know. I hope it helps him. But I, I Everything helps. Special teams, I, I, is, is, you know, some he still play. You know, I did commend him on being one of the starters. I did also on special teams too. That was kind of cool. But he's probably gonna be on special teams next year. Yeah, <laughs> starting. But you know, injuries happen. You get a chance to play. I don't know where you're drafted. I'd probably say maybe. Uh, for, for for his sake, if I'm his agent, his his camp maybe third round, fourth. Yeah, I, I think he's probably mid fourth. Maybe if he has a great, incredible, mind blowingly good combine, he finds his way into the third. But I just can't unsee some of the things I saw that kid. And he's a he's not a bad player, but maybe it's because he was so hyped up or he's trying to prove something or whatever. But he was consistently being too nosy, too aggressive, too close to the line of scrimmage. I mean, just all the things that allow big plays, both safeties did them. And sometimes they did them together. Like, they couldn't even work out the whole, you know, Ryan Clark, Ryan Pol- uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Oh, yeah. The you play. know, Troy Pollard <laughs> yeah. thing, where one of us has to be a real safety while the other guy goes off and does piracy-type things. They need to work that out. You know, you can't both be – you can't both freelance at safety. That's not going to work. No, you can't. You can't. 
Okay. And then he was a guy that should have came back to school. Like I said, he would have the spotlight on in the secondary. Clemson got a – I mean, Clemson's a top three team next year. It's not like they lost everything. I mean, their offense is going to be better to me next year. Yeah, yeah. Defense, no. But, I mean, this defensive line is going to be good still, even though they lost two stuff. Well, I mean, they line. lost Dodd. They lost Lawson. Um, yeah, but they – Kenzie Alexander and the two safeties. Um, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to lose. Yeah. But, however, I mean, they – they know this. You know, it's not like they you, – you, when you're a coach, you got to recruit for guys to leave early. Certain guys right, right, right. And some of those guys, I'm sure that he went into the year knowing that Shaq Lawson was gone. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure you go into the year – I don't know if he knew that the safeties were gone. I guess he probably felt one of them might go. I, don't, I bet he was surprised when both of them went. Yeah, he was. Yeah, coaches know. I mean, the, the staff – I eat pears. You talk to the staff, and, and, and they know – um, early on, you know, so uh, but their, their recruiting class is great, um, especially on defense because they, like I said, they knew so the offense is going to be good. But I don't understand why he came out. But there's a few guys. You know, I mean, I'm still stuck on T.J. Green now, and I guess Thomas Duarte. <laughs> Do you think the coach eats pears? Yes, there's always a question mark in your mind. Yeah, around some yeah. of the guys. Yeah, Mark. I mean, Mark was North. I mean, he came out too, so that was surprising to me. Another SEC or SEC guy, or whatever. But uh, <laughs> things happen. Well, with North, once again, some of those guys you kept hearing about. Each this is the year that he was going to, you know, set the world on fire, and then each year he would, you know, maybe be a little brush fire, but he wouldn't set the world on fire. He better he put the world off a of fire with pears. What he better do is he better have a really great combine, a really great pro day, uh, because he's not a guy that ever managed to separate himself in his time at Tennessee from, you know, from sort of the pack. You know, he was a guy that looked the part. Like you said, he's a big kid. He may or may not run all that well. I guess we'll find out just how well he runs. That's, once again, the, the whole point of the, the pro day and, and combine experience is to get an idea of just what, what kind of athlete we're talking about. Yeah, I, I just don't like the way he handled it, to be honest. I mean, I knew he was coming out already, you know, pretty much. But <laughs> the way he handled it wasn't great. Kind of messing around with Tennessee, you know, so it's not going to look good to the coaches. And uh, I mean, I don't think they'll bash him or anything, but that just doesn't look good to him, you know, kind of jerk him around. Um, if you're going to come out, come out, you know. <laughs> I mean, I know it's the biggest decision in your life, but, I mean, like I said, I mean, all the people, Marquez North was going to come out in the beginning of the season, regardless of what happened. And he did, because he only caught six passes this year, or whatever, or whatever the low number was. It was six, but it was a pretty low number. I mean, he was injured all year. Right. So, I mean, he barely caught. He was just hurt. But he was going to come out anyway. And he said he was going to come back. And he, he just dropped out of school and got an agent. So, <laughs> I mean, I, it just, yeah. you, you kind of take your program to that. So, I messed up, but it happens. We'll see where he goes. He's still uh, a guy I liked coming out of high school, but he just never lived up to the hype. No, no, quite the opposite. Uh, he, yeah. I mean, once again, you look at him. I mean, he's what six three or six two and a half or something, two hundred twenty four pounds, and you know, supposed to be able to run in the what mid to upper four fours, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything close to the time, but I know. I have his high school stuff, and 
About 230, 229 now. He's really, he's really big. Oh, really big guy. Probably 6'3". About 228, I would say. Okay. Probably run like a 4 or 5, I would say. Okay. You know, so, needs yeah. to run faster than that. Right. He right. needs to do a couple of things. You know, he's he's got some... When a guy has maturity issues, or at least, you know... I don't know if I, I maybe I'm going too far in saying maturity issues, but there's question marks about how he handles things. So that's probably a better way to put it. When a guy is in a situation where I have to trust him, right? I mean, that's the whole point is when I'm drafting you, I'm saying I trust you. A draft pick is currency in the way the way that a team is, is organized. I have to have some belief in who and what you are. Yeah, you're exactly right, man. I agree. He uh disappointed college career. For sure. Uh thought he I mean, you know, we had quarterback issues too, offensive issues, but he was a part of that, not developing. I mean this guy was uh he he was a lead receiver coming to high school. Yeah, so that's that's the question I guess I have about him. Uh, were there right. any other were there any other guys that sort of stood out to you in terms of either positive or negatively about uh, either you heard something specific about why somebody might have declared early or once again guys who were sort of question marks? I mean, obviously a guy like Eli Apple, I'm assuming he got you know a high grade. A guy like Von Bell, I'm assuming he got a first or second round grade. Uh, you know, Joey Bosa, we don't need no need to really discuss. Um, Dominique Alexander, that's one that was one of those when I circled. Um, he's not a terrible player, but I can't imagine he got a top 50 or even a top 100 grade. Um, I doubt it. <laughs> I didn't even know he came out, to be honest. I didn't, that's another name I didn't know that came out. Yeah, um, he's out, yeah. It's a big loss for Oklahoma, man. It really is. The losing striker, too. Um... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I mean, I I don't I think he'll get drafted. So it's not like a throwaway, but I mean, still, I think it's gonna be late, really late, sixth, seventh round. Yeah, right. At best. So, uh, not sure. I don't like that one at all, though. <laughs> yeah, you're not losing. Uh, it's just weird because. Some of these guys aren't losing coordinators. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that go into this. You're not losing coordinators. Um, you got a you got a chance to be the, the man, you know, at your position next year. I know they bring in a couple guys, you know, um, that are five star recruits. But still, I think he would have been starter, a very good impact player, probably captain on defense. So, I still understand. I don't understand that one. <clears throat> DeMarcus Ayers was a guy that impressed me at times at Houston. And, you know, he's been a, a return specialist, had a good year at wide receiver. But I definitely had to wonder what, what, is, what it was that motivated him to come out because Houston is a program that's on the rise, in essence. I mean, there are things, big things seem to be happening there, H-Town takeover, all that good stuff. I oh, yeah. Thought, 
I thought I thought that next year he had a chance to turn himself into a guy that might go in the first couple rounds. I I, I don't think he's going to go that early, unless once again he has a total freak show performance, you know, at the combine or it's pro day or things like that. But I I think as of now we're looking at a fourth fifth round guy. Yeah, I do. I, but you, I do. I think some people are fine with that. I think that's one of the guys that is. I think he's fine with that. He, he he's a. Uh, you know, a lot of people didn't even know who he was, to be honest. <laughs> For a couple of years ago, he was a quarterback when he came in. So right, just like just like Greg Ward, Greg who Ward yeah. was recruited as a quarterback. Of course, he's now as a quarterback again, but he was a guy that you know made his way over to wide receiver. Ward Oaks. Yeah, yeah, Ayers. I mean, yeah, he's productive, man. We'll cut a hundred passes this year and uh, had a really good going out party versus uh, FSU. Yeah, I mean, he certainly had good performances. There were times when he looked good, was impressive as a player, but it just seemed like a strange decision to me because it seems like he would have been, you know, part of something even bigger next year. Yeah, uh, receivers, is just, it's always hard, man. There's, there's a receiver at a full position. Everybody likes, loves like, a group of guys, and some of these guys, a lot of people like Ayers, it seems like right now. I need to watch more tape from Ayers, I'll be honest, but uh, – the Florida State game was very impressive to me when I watched that one, and I also watched the uh, Louisville game early on in the season, and that was impressive too. Memphis he was outstanding. I think he caught like 14 balls in that game, but I need to watch more of his tape. He seemed like a really good receiver. Yeah, he's probably the fourth fifth round at range. He's a smaller guy, no, but he's super quick, very athletic. Um, he's quick for his size. He has big hands, long arms. Yep, he can help you in the return game. Uh, there's so many things that are things to like about him, but it's just, I don't know. It's just surprising, I guess is what I'm saying. To me, it's just surprising that it seems like he would have gone earlier next year, I'll put it that way. Uh, yeah, he would have. But, you know, it, it was this early uh, declaration, surprised by a few names, but it's not like last year. Where everybody declared, you mean? Yeah, like this year I feel like it's, it's, well, I mean, it's not over yet. There's still going to be, like I said, a couple of, like, Braylon Hurd last year. (laughs) Why he came out. But there's going to be some names like that, I understand. But for the most part, I mean, most of the names are good, you know, to come out. I mean, they have the reasons. I mean, there's a a couple guys that I thought were coming out for sure, and they didn't, actually. So, a couple A&M guys, Ole Miss guy, a couple – a USC guy, you know, so <laughs> there was they came back. That's good. So it's always good to come back for the most part. And there's some fifty fifty guys too, you know, like Caleb and Caleb Jones we were talking about earlier. And probably Ayers too, you know, for what I heard he was really close to coming back but just made that decision to jump. Yeah, I I can only assume especially for the guys that didn't get you know, the first three-round grade or first, you know, 100-pick grade from the advisory committee, I only assume that they had either some other concerns, family stuff or whatever, or, like I said, some guys are just tired of being in school. Yeah, they just want to make that chase, man. Some guys want to make that chase. They don't mind, you know, making that chase. Making a chase, I just mean – you guys know they're going to be drafted in day three, but they don't mind making that chase because they're going to get a you know, still going to get a paycheck better than what they're going to pay now. 
<laughs> you know, and uh, they're just living the dream. You know, I'm sure all these guys want to be in the NFL, you know, for the whole life of their kids. So, um, see, they uh, they're just making the chase. They're just trying to get it right now. And you got to be patient, though, sometimes. You know, everybody can't be Joe Bosa or whoever. <laughs> you know, first round, first overall pick. Guys. You got to be patient. Well, I mean, you can it's just funny to me because it's not, I don't know. It, it seems, maybe, maybe I just have a different mindset or whatever, but it's just not that long. Uh, I, mean, I mean, once again, you know, three years, four years, five years, I guess, if you're a guy who registered it once, but it, it goes by pretty quickly, really. <laughs> it really actually goes by pretty quickly. Um, okay, let me just hit a couple other guys and we'll see what, and then we'll close it out. Um, Daniel Braverm is an interesting one to me. People always talk about people they compare to uh, Wes Welker. So I think Braverman's, you know, faster. But he's another slot receiver, you know, crafty, deceptive, all that stuff people talk about with slot receivers. But those guys rarely come out early. You know, it's sort of a surprise when you see, you know, Daniel Braverman declaring early. I don't, I don't know. There's something going on. I don't know. It's just a surprise. That was one that was a head scratcher for me. Did they lose? Did they lose uh, their coach? Did oh, lose, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's it. Right, DJ, DJ Fleck. Yeah, maybe that's it. Okay. Yeah. I guess. That's it, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> These guys but but they didn't lose league. Corey Davis. They didn't lose Jarvion Franklin. Right? Those guys are beasts. No offense to Daniel Braverman. Oh, but, did not come out? Is he, is he no. Oh, no. Wow. He hasn't declared, unless he declared, you know, today or something, and I missed it, but he hadn't declared as of yesterday. I'm sure you didn't miss that one. That's your guy. But uh, mm, I thought he came out. Nope. I, I, I thought he should have came out. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I mean, that's fine. Yeah, well, Braverman. Well, he, uh, he believes, but he believes, he believes, I mean, I, I know people who know him, he thinks they're going to do even greater things next year. He loves Coach Fleck, but he thinks they're going to be better next year. Who's their coach, head coach right now? I'm trying to remember. Uh, who is their coach now? Um, I can't remember now, but whoever it is, he believes they're going to be better. He believes they're going to win the MAC, you know, and all that. I mean, he thinks that's what his goal. His goal is, you know, win a MAC championship and, you know, go undefeated or 12 and one or whatever, play, you uh, you know, New Year's six bowl game. I mean, that's what he thinks they could do. They got a good he thinks team. They're talented. They have a very good they, team. I love their quarterback. Be, right. Zach Terrell is going to be there. They've got uh, Jarvion Franklin. They've got – I mean, they've got the triplets, right? I mean, that, that, that's a, that's the that three together back next year. They could do some yeah. special things in the MAC. Would have been better if it was four with Braverman. Um, Would have been better, yes, because they'd have the yeah. slot receiver. No, I, I, mean, I know you watch a lot more Max football than me and like Corey Davis, but when I do watch Corey Davis, I always see Braverman. I like him too. But, yeah, he's definitely that slot guy. He's very productive. He's got, you know, uh, some really good numbers in the past three years, but uh, I, I'm not sure about that one. I'm not sure why. I think he's a 5'9", 5'10", guy. Yeah, he's 5'9", um, and change, and 180-something. You know, I mean, he's a classic. Slot receiver. I mean, he, he, if someone, if if you saw them walking in a group and said, "Pick out the slot receiver," you would probably point to Daniel Braverman. <laughs> yeah, 
he's not going to get drafted. Now, here's the Clemson Tiger that was a head scratch for me that came out early. Travis Blank. What the? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, like I said, they're just they're hot. You know, when you're hot, you lose players early because they're you see them on TV every week. They 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 had a deep run. They're all playing pretty good. Um, but I'm not sure why Travis Blank's getting off. I mean, I like Travis Blank. There's another guy I like that I think could have been uh, really good next year. Yeah, injury 2013, I believe, and uh, he's always been pretty good to me. Though I mean, even 2012, he was good. He was safety. Can do a little bit of both, safety and linebacker. But I'm not sure why he came out. I don't know if he'll get. He'll probably get drafted late, maybe. Yeah, that was the the one that I guess the one other one that sort of threw out there. Um, you know, Kamala Correa is an interesting guy. I. I I kind of wish he'd stayed, but I guess, I don't know. I don't know what he heard. Um, Malik Collins from Nebraska. He's not a terrible player, I understand. I mean, Alex Collins, okay, I can, you know, I get that. Sean Coleman, interesting story. Uh, Future future Raider, right, uh, right, Jim Coburn? Who? Sean Coleman, didn't he beat? Uh, was it was it lymphoma, um, yep. or was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. So something like that. Yeah, Sean is, uh, is a great story for me. Working a little bit with Auburn this year, um, talking to some guys down there, he's a good story. He's a little leukemia actually, but leukemia. That's what that's what leukemia yeah. he beat. Yep. Uh-huh. Him and Avery oh, both. Did I beat leukemia too? So haha. Um, but yeah, I mean, I he's he's a good run blocker, really good size type of player. Um, not the best pass protector, hundred uh, percent. I think the other Auburn Auburn tackle third as well. Um, yeah, Avery Young is a yeah. I like Avery Young a lot. I like both these guys, actually. I mean, Auburn had a bad year, but I like Sean Coleman and Avery Young a lot. I think they both go in the second round, maybe third at worst. Right. So I can't get too upset, but, yeah, those are guys that I do think. I already sort of raised my eyebrow at Eric Anderson, the punter from Delaware. I don't know. I don't know what he heard exactly from the athletic committee. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Is anybody else that needs mentioning? Uh, but he has Brown from Mississippi State. What did you think of him, Jim Coburn? Oh, who? But he has Brown, the uh, linebacker oh, from uh, uh, Mississippi State. Uh, yeah. Um, decent size, I guess. Kind of a, kind of a thumper to you. Um, Kind of backup spot starter guy. Okay. So, um, I mean, it's a really good pursuit linebacker class, or awful linebacker class for the kids that think they're cute. But uh, he's he doesn't really stick out that much. Got it. That 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 sounds like. Let's make sure I missed something on him. But that sounds kind of like the guy I thought I saw too. I can't imagine that he heard that he was going to go in the first two or even three rounds either. I, maybe there's something going on. Is his 
you know, personal or family situation that pushed him out. We talked about Leonard Floyd a little bit previously. Uh, her Hargraves, obviously, everybody comfortable with Hargraves. Okay, here's the last guy I'll talk, touch on. Willie Henry. Um, actually, two guys. Willie Henry, tackle from Michigan, and a guy that I really like, but I still wish he'd stay in school, uh, DeMonte Casey, the corner from San Diego State. So uh, I guess we'll do Henry first and then Casey last uh, before we close out the show. So I saw Willie Henry flash, um, both against uh, Ohio State and against Michigan State, and he Penn State, I mean, he, he played really well. He was a good player. I was pretty well impressed with him. I think he has a lot of things you look for physically in a player that's likely to stick around in the NFL for a while. But I definitely thought, I mean, what's the I guess D.J. Durkin left? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what the thought process is. But I really thought he would go higher if he came back. You know, he's not first rounder this year, but I thought he might have a shot at it next year. Uh, what do you guys think? I'll, I'll ask you. Uh, Donovan, then I'll ask you, Jim, what you thought of him. Yeah, can you hear me, guys? Willie Henry from uh, yeah oh. from from Michigan. Oh yeah, I like Willie Henry a lot. Um, actually, yeah, I think he should have stayed. He probably would have been a first second round pick next year. Um, definitely second, I believe, next year. But uh, I know DJ Durkin left. He's only with him for one year, but <laughs> um, I don't know. And he's a good player. I, I think that he might not get drafted high, but he's still going to be a good player in the NFL. I just think there's some people that are just going to be good, and he's probably one of them. So I'm not really that mad at that one or whatever. And then the Senior of State kid, I mean, he's just hot right now. You know, sometimes when you go to a smaller school like that, you don't know if you're going to be that hot. Senior State had a great year. Uh, I mean, Coach Long was on a hot seat, <laughs> you know, and he, he definitely took his name off that. Uh, he won defensive player of the year in that conference. Uh, he's a really good Gary player. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good great. Player. I like him. I got to watch more San Diego State tape. He only got a chance to watch one of their games versus Cal, and that wasn't a good game for him. But um, other than that, yeah, I, I think that uh, both – I mean, he's hot. You know, I understand. Leaf and then Willie. I think Willie's going to be fine either way. Like some – I just don't get drafted. He doesn't – he's not – he's going to kill it. He's not going to kill it at the call. Probably, but I think he's gonna have a solid pro day, a solid combine. Um, and coaches love about him, talk about him so much, how hard he works and stuff, and he's just a good player. He'll find his way um, in a starting lineup within the next year or two, I believe. Okay, same question for you, Jim Cobra. What did you think of uh, those two players, uh, Demonte Casey from San Diego State, and also Willie Henry, Michigan? Um, Henry, I haven't seen yet, um, so I can't really speak on him that much. Um, with Casey, though, um, I mean, I, I really like him. I think he's a good tackler. He's uh, explosive, um, smart player, uh, played at San Diego State, so maybe not really. I mean, you know, I, I would advise most players that come from lower-level division to not come out unless they have hype on them and stuff like that within the NFL community. Um, but, I mean, he's a good player. I think this is kind of a weaker cornerback class depth-wise. So I think he probably has a good chance to probably go day two if he tests really well. But, um, you know, I, I just don't know um, how he'll do 100%. Uh, 
he but he's definitely a good player. It's just um, I think this he has to a lot of things have to go right for him uh, because of uh, being a lower level division guy. Got it. Got it. Is, 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 there, is there any guys left you think that will enter the draft that you, you might know? Well, there's, there's guys I'm keeping an eye out on, certainly. I mean, Wayne Goldman has, has insisted he's going to come back, and, and I, I hope he sticks to that because I think he, he had a great year, but I think he could be just as good next year and improve on a few things. Um, but that's a guy I'll be monitoring just in case up until the last possible moment. Um, I think somebody made mention of um uh, I think you might have made mention of um uh, who was it that uh you just mentioned that you thought might come out but didn't. Uh oh, uh Corey Davis, right? I mean that's a guy that I, I, I hope does indeed come back because I think they could be something special at Western Michigan next year if he does stay there. Uh, those are guys that I certainly will have an eye on. Or you know that Corey Davis mm-hmm. comes back and they go three and and twelve. <laughs> Two and six, two and fourteen, or something, and then nobody watched the tape as a result. And then Corey Davis becomes, you know, he no longer exists. He's just a whisper in the wind. Well, I mean, there is always, I guess, that chance. But I still think he did the right thing, and I think he's going to be, he's going to be fine. Jordan Howard. Well, I guess I'll save that one. But I guess when you're a running back, you're running back, still pressure to come out anyway. But I. Just some of them are okay, that's just I don't I don't know. Um, you know, so he's kind of about... wanted to go. I mean, Howard kind of had the personality of a guy because you know he transferred from uh, um, what's that school called? Uh, uh, South Hill School, I think. Yeah. Um, right. Something like that. He transferred from uh, that that no longer has a program anymore. Right. What? Uh, what? Uh, what player? UAB. He's about UAB? Jordan Howard. Was yeah. he UAB? Right. UAB. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Indiana, and uh, I think he came out just because he was. I mean, he was really just trying. His goal was basically just to get noticed and then go. And you know, he got noticed, and now he's going. So. Yeah. I can see. All those guys coming out, he said, making late. There's going to be some guy that we just don't even know, that we have no idea. <laughs> uh, it's kind of fun in a way. I mean, not for them, but <laughs> just to see what random name is going to come out. Because I feel like that always happens every time uh, towards the end. So it would be interesting to see what names kind of enter the last days. So, uh, as we close things out, Donovan, tell people where they can find and follow your work, sir. Yeah, you can uh, find my work at uh, Rivals.com and RSN Report. Um, check out Facebook today. We're running social media for Rivals uh, like six hours, I think. So, <laughs> yeah, check Ooh. that out. I don't know what's going on, what I got in store yet, but <laughs> we'll see. But, um, yeah, articles up there. And uh, RSN Report, of course, uh, I'm over there, and uh, listen to my show Tuesday on NGC Sports, the Don James High School Football Report. Should be a pretty big show, man. We got um, a couple Bishop Gorman players that are coming on, and a uh, couple, well, Caleb Jones, too. Um, this time he will not call in at midnight. 
I promise. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, we got the time. Stocked out. Stocked out. Yeah, but no, um, I appreciate me. You, know, you guys letting me come on the tail end of the show. Um, looking no forward problem. to being on Jim's show Monday. It's been a while since I've been on there. Um, I'm also working on. Um, I'm also. I, I put out a first round mock draft. Probably should have waited. Ooh. A little bit, but I did put it out. It's up on my racing report, and I also have my big board 100. That I mean, I was obviously gonna wait until everybody declares. That's why I was kind of trying to get some name, more names in. But uh, that'll be on Tuesday. I'll put it out Tuesday night. Um, also, I'm working on a lot right now. <laughs> 150 uh, for the top 150 high school football players is gonna be out. I mean, it's pretty much over. I mean, I'm not gonna move too many guys around on all-star games, but, I mean, I'll make a couple adjustments from what I've seen and heard um, there. And uh, also we'll be at, hopefully, hopefully we'll be at the, um, just got confirmed of the Senior Bowl I just got approved for. So <laughs> I'll be there. With it. Yeah, I'm sure you guys will probably be there too, but uh, I'll be there, I guess. And, uh, yeah. Also, Perfect. also. Also, we do want to say that you know, people that keep asking me about Connor Cook, um, <laughs> he's in Uh-oh. San Diego working, working out. You know, he's fine. So stop asking me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I guess they heard your show or whatever or they saw something. But I know I talked to him in Atlanta, but I, mean, I only talked to him for like 10 minutes. <laughs> um, he followed me on Instagram. <laughs> oh, so, okay. Um, I guess he remembered me. But <laughs> no, no, no. But for real, I, I did talk to KJ Costello. Give you guys a little scoop. KJ obviously works out with Jordan Palmer and George Listel down in San Diego, and, and uh, his mentor is Connor Cook, who's working out with Jordan Palmer oh. and George Listel right now. So he's still working out. His his, his uh, shoulder is sore, still kind of just going through the film session right now. He's not really throwing the rest of the month, and then he'll start throwing back in February. Okay. And um, KJ, uh, what do you what do you what do you wave now? Is he is he Thickening up or KJ is yeah. uh, two twenty two six four. Oh, oh, okay. And that's that's he's <laughs> not enrolling early because Stanford does not allow that. So he's no, still they do not. <laughs> One of the the only power possible that doesn't. Them and Duke actually both don't. So yes, because they both <laughs> take very seriously what it means to be a student athlete. Thank you, Duke and Stanford, for holding the line <laughs> on that. Somebody has to, somebody you know. Has to. Somebody has to. They want well, yeah, to have a normal student experience as much as possible. I mean, as do. much as you can be normal. Feel like it. And I mean, KJ definitely could have already graduated, but he he, he accepts that you know Stanford education is going to be a one. <laughs> so it's it's okay. Um, yeah, but I'm getting like last thing is the high school thing. Like I said, it, it's recruiting season and really heavy right now. It's crazy season, is what I call it, wacky wild season. I know Bill Carroll loves this time of season. So does Jim. It's pretty pretty crazy. Yeah. So so I'm hoping to have you back uh, either Friday or Saturday, depending on which which, which your schedule uh, will allow, to talk about you know the whole wackiness and who who got what they wanted and who didn't and you know last minute and the h-town takeover right you know how houston oh, is now man. getting these kids that they would have had no shot at just a couple of years ago 
It's crazy uh, what Tom Herman's doing there, man. Yes, it is. Even the social the stuff with Paul Wall and Mike Jones, Slim Thug, you know. You know, like you can't like that's where that's what separates him from a guy like Saban. You can't put him in the same breath with Slim Thug and Paul Wall. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. But you know, I actually talked to Alex Brown, who was on staff of you. I know is a dear friend of yours. You yes, indeed. Uh, and yeah, man, he's just like it's fun. The recruiting business. I mean, obviously, you know, he, he it's fun. Tom Herman is is uh, doing this for real, man. He, he's big time. He, he really wants to build up Houston and get them as far as they can go, which is probably cause the playoffs. They're close, I and mean, they're gonna end up probably in a top ten team preseason, so they can actually do it next year if they run the table. But the schedule is good for them too. So yeah, Houston's recruiting class is great. LSU is getting a bunch of guys still. Less is still being less. <laughs> yeah, Georgia is killing it. Uh, Kirby Smart is killing it right now. Um, so, yeah, there's a bunch of – Alabama's Alabama, of course. Alabama's <laughs> Alabama, right, exactly. Kansas is but, uh, not <laughs> not doing so great, of course. <laughs> but, but Alabama is not number one, it looks like, this year, unless they've – I mean, you would know better than I would, but the last I checked, most people have them ranked somewhere between number four and number six. Is that no, they're not. Still... They're not number one right now, but uh, they still have a really good shot to be. They're like four, five right now, but they they have a they're literally like four players away from being number one because they're all five stars and they all have Alabama on their list. So, um, but the good thing about Alabama is that they really stopped how last year they were able to stop how the last few years. Um, so many red shirts that they don't really need the depth. Um, they just need the top guys this year. So they might not be number one. Well, it's okay, Alabama fans, because they're kind of pissed off. <laughs> but <laughs> it's okay. You don't got to be eventually. I mean, you know, somebody will turn a four star into a five star because they're like. That's the other funny thing with Alabama's recruits is the guys will start out as three or four stars, but will turn into five stars once Alabama offers them. Yeah, I don't. I don't. We. I know we try not to do that. I, I can't speak for everybody around with too many people that work there. I don't. I, I think that's the. It's probably the only thing to do is the work kids going to school. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, people do it. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, but really, Alabama. They're already recruiting for 2017 mainly. I mean, they're pretty much done. I mean, they got about four guys. Like I said, they're on their list. Um. And that's Saban just trying to pull them. But they're recruiting guys, Kiffin and, and all the other guys. Uh, uh, Luipo and all those guys are getting 2017 guys. That's what they're focused on. They're trying to flip guys. And they <laughs> were, I mean, Ohio State's done. I mean, they pretty much signed everybody they can sign. They're just 2017, 2018. Um, even Georgia just signed a 2019 commit already. So, um, <laughs> there's uh, – well, you can put that to the bank. I mean, there's no way that will change in the next four years. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's definitely going to change. <laughs> definitely going to change. But, yeah, it, it, you got to gotta get out there early. Uh, I guess. You got to get, get to it. You got to – I mean, you know, Kirby just got there. You know, he wants to get to it. But, uh, 2019 is what? I think that's freshman year. So <laughs> – that's pretty early. But as we pointed out, you don't know if that kid's going to even like football. By the, well, whatever. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I just – I mean, I kind of understand it. I, I, just, I, like, I know people like to – I mean, look at David Sills. His, I mean, 
like at some point, I want to talk to you more about David Phil. The kid looks good, actually. I'll give it to him. I'm like, hey, I know you. I know he's that kind of athlete. Yeah, he's, he's, that's what they thought, man. They're like, if this kid can grow and then be the same athleticism, but he never really grew, and never really, uh, Norm never, you know, got stronger too much, and uh, kind of got to his head a little bit. It's humbled him. He's humbled now, but sometimes he was. Yeah, I mean, you're on you're on TV at 13 years old, you know. Get yeah, he was, what, 13 <laughs> or whatever? Was he, was, was he 13 when he signed? Yeah, when he was at USC Command, he was uh, 13. So That's just silly. <laughs> That's just, yeah, I mean, just, it, it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I talked to his mother, and she even was kind of regret certain things that went on during the recruiting process in middle school. So, um, I don't know. And the same with Tate. I mean, I, talk, I know Tate really well. He, you know, he got a uh, Washington commit at eighth, eighth grade, and he's obviously not going to Washington anymore. A lot's changed since Coach Carson at Washington. They gave him that scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the other thing about these super early commitments with 13- and 14-year-olds. By the time they're ready to go to high school, yeah, right. I mean, you can have an entirely different coaching. I mean, all kinds of things change. But I don't know if the point in having someone commit that early out because, you don't know who else is going to commit at their position. You know, I mean, just whatever. Forget it. I, I'm sure there's a reason for it. I just don't. Uh, You're basically I mean, for the kids, for the coaches, I mean, I don't know. What a 15-year-old can become, you know. <laughs> and I don't think anybody can do that at this point. Sorry. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, the kid might grow a foot or he might grow an inch, <laughs> you know, between now and he's 17. There's so many things. I, mean, I, don't, I, I guess I kind of sort of – but it, it didn't used to happen in the old days. This is relatively new stuff, this committing four right. years, three yeah. years, down the line. I don't really like early really, commits. I mean, I like early commits as far as, like, junior year. I think that's a good year. Yeah. Pretty much well, know used, gonna that go. used to happen even in the old days. Sometimes a guy would commit early, you know, just to yeah. get it out of the way. He knows, a kid, a Western PA kid, he knows he wants to go to Pitt. He commits. You know, his junior year. Just get out of the way. But that used to happen, you know, forever ago. But this whole 12, 13-year-old stuff, this is new, and it's still Go up to him on the playground, you're like, I got some candy. Uh, where do you want to <laughs> Jim, Jim always killing it. Yeah, I mean, it's true. No, he's right, though. I mean, you got the kid, Dylan Moses, who, who's actually lived up to the height. He was kind of like basically the – I mean, the black version of David Phillips, because <laughs> he was on the cover of ESPN the magazine at 13. He's the number two player in the country in the 2017 class. So he's lived up to it. He's grown. He's gotten faster, bigger, stronger, but uh, he's now no longer LSU um, commit. Well, he committed to them less miles than when he was 12 in seventh grade. So um, now he's going to Alabama. Like going up to sit on the playground with airheads and being like, oh, he yeah. picked the red one. He picked Alabama, guy. He picked Alabama. No, he picked, oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. He's going for the orange one. Oh, he's going to Clemson. <laughs> he picked the orange yeah, yeah. airhead. He's going to Clemson, everybody. <laughs> it's hard. It's. I mean, you're talking to the young guy. Alan, we, we had Alan Walters on, on uh, Bill's show. His freshman year, 
thing I liked about Alan was he was just like, I have no idea where I'm going to school, man. I'm 14 years old. Like, I don't know where I'm going to college yet. Which is, you know, right. like which is, which is the way good. it should be. Yeah. If you're 14, you should have no idea. You should, you should know. You at 14, you're a year and a half away from taking your driver's test. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason you should be thinking about Alabama or Albert or Clemson or Cal or whatever. You're 14. Yeah, some kids like that are great, and I feel like they, uh, you know, parents have a lot to do it too, but kids like that, if they know it, and if their parents let them make that decision, that's okay. You know, Alan Casey just doesn't know yet. He still doesn't know. You know, but there's guys like Grant Gunnell, who I'm sure you guys don't know yet, but he's uh, committed to Georgia. He's only 14. He's going to be committed. He's not going to stay. I mean, Kirby might not be there by the time he graduates high school, 2019. So, um, (laughs) He's the next prodigy, though. He's, you know, 6'4", and he's tall. I mean, he's really tall to be at that age, but you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know. Like I said, I mean, we talked about some guys end up dropping out of, you know, sports altogether. They start a rock band, or they get really interested in computers or whatever. Who knows? Like I said, it's just like, man. I mean, or, I mean, it's, it's yeah. I will say, uh, you know, I mean, we had Darren Brighton on the show this year. You know, he's only thirteen, so same thing. I mean, he's not he's not even in high school yet. So, I mean, obviously, he doesn't have a lot of offers right now, but he already has offers. Well, I would um, hope not. Well, he he has he has he has six offers from uh from colleges, and he's not in high school yet. So, uh. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. I will it's say. not impressive, Donovan. <laughs> it's it. It's not impressive. Because what are they going off of? Who are they playing against? Are they going well, off of this peewee tape? Just we're going, we're going, we're going, we're going back. We're going basketball where, you know, that's not – that's normal um, when you're a top AAU eighth grader to get offered. I mean, that's, that's been happening for a while, probably since the mid-2000s. So I guess it's just coming around in football now. Oh, football is a different breed, it, hard, it way makes harder. A, it, makes, it makes a little bit of sense. It's not a lot, but a little bit of sense in basketball where a kid who's six foot seven at the age of 13 and can handle the ball <laughs> is likely to be good forever, right? If you're six foot seven, even if you don't, your game isn't fully developed and you're skinny as, all, as a rail, the fact that you're six foot seven at that age, that early on, even if you don't grow anymore, a six foot seven with good handles and some sort of shot is likely to be able to at least play in college. But a 13-year-old, even if he's six foot one, you know, talking about a football player, say he's, a, he's played safety, he's 13 and he's six foot one, and he's 155 pounds. Three years from now, he might be six foot one and 185 pounds, or he might put six foot five and 290 pounds. Like, there's no way of knowing how much difference he might be physically because football players develop differently from that. I mean, well, you know this. I mean, uh, no, it's just yeah, of course, yeah. a lot different. I mean, that's just really all I could say. Is, I mean, baseball too. Um, you know, I, I've seen a bunch of guys. Oh man, this kid in ninth grade he's gonna be serious, and sometimes he pans out, sometimes he doesn't. But football is too hard. I mean, like I said with David, um, David was six foot tall, um, one. 59, I think, when he was 13. He's only 6'2", like 185 right now. So he didn't get much bigger. Um, right, right. And that's 
six-year gap or five-year gap or whatever. So, um, yeah, and Darren, I mean, like I said, I know Darren's parents pretty well. She's short. They're really banking off of him. He's got to get a lot bigger. At least Grant Gunnell is 6'4 already. Um, So, I mean, he's got the height and he's got a a cannon. Or we'll see how he does at camp and stuff, but – I mean, the eighth grade stuff is a little too much for me, I will say. But <laughs> Or middle school in general. And there's a bunch of kids. I mean, it's crazy. The uh, middle school football thing is a real thing now. I mean, crazy. Well, I would imagine <laughs> the, the talent disparity between – I mean, I don't know much about middle school. I haven't done a lot of scouting of middle school football, so I can't really speak <laughs> super intelligently. But I'm willing to bet there is – wildly different levels of coaching and talent to be found in middle school football. I haven't done any middle school talent. I watched one game. Uh, it was the all-star game. It's pretty much a uh, – after the under All-American game, there was an eighth grade game after that. No, not a lot of people know that, but some of us stayed. Some of us didn't. I stayed <laughs> um, just to see uh, who was out there. Um, yeah, it's definitely different, man. It, I mean, it, it's it's just weird because like their bodies are just not like their head is so big. I feel like the helmet is just like their bodies are yes. so skinny, so small. Right. Um, and the big right. kids dominate. Exactly. Like if you weigh two hundred pounds, like you're gonna dominate. Right. It's all yeah. about just. It's all about whose hormones have kicked in. That's all eighth grade football, seventh grade. Right. I mean, I played. You know. My junior high school, I went to a school that had junior high. We had junior high school football, and the best teams were just the kids that had the most, biggest, you know, ninth grade kids. I mean, that was, that was who won every year in, in junior high. If your team was dominated by seventh graders, your best players were seventh graders, you were going, oh, even if they were really good players in general, just because those other kids were so much bigger, their team had more ninth graders. I mean, it's just yeah, – I think it, I think it's AYU is the league or something like that, the big league. Oh, way yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's basically uh, AAU. They put teams together, um, like regionals. So, I mean, you know, you top Massachusetts kids play with the top New York kid or whatever, and they all play on a team. They kind of put it together like that. And that, I mean, and I understand that that's a, that's a good thing because it's kind of gauge, but you still just don't know. It's just too far. And some of these kids go to private schools and they do play with high school kids, so you can kind of gauge it a little bit more, but it's still just too hard. Um, I mean, Josh Rosen didn't start playing football in seventh grade, you know, and he wasn't that good in eighth grade, in ninth grade, actually. And now, fast forward, you know, <laughs> so you just don't know. Sure. I mean, and there's lots of guys who are awesome in eighth grade who, like I said, don't even play college football, right? I mean, they were amazing in eighth grade. They were, I, can't, I mean, I'm just thinking of my own experience of how many guys were terrific. They were quarterbacks. He was great eighth-grade quarterback. They end up being tight ends by the time they're 16. <laughs> they're in high school, and then they quit because they don't like it. You know? So, yeah. Right. Oh. Everybody wants to find a prodigy, Bill. Um, they all want to find that guy. Everybody wants to find their guy. So I think that's the main thing, too, with the, with the older guys, obviously scouting and doing that, is they, they want to be the, the guy that finds the next whoever. But do you know how you know? it is to find a prodigy? Like how, how, like it's very definitely the next guy to find the next prodigy. Sure, that's great, but like that's 
I mean, we're talking it's Powerball. You're playing Powerball. Yeah, you are playing Powerball. Exactly. Somebody actually made that analogy. Four guys out of a million players every, (laughs) you know, ten years almost. Like, you know, like come on, really? Yeah, and you know, recruiting you 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 do that. That's what we do. I mean, I I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I try to find guys that nobody knows about earlier. I mean, KJ is kind of that guy for me. He wasn't starting quarterback yet when I found him. Um, he was Johnny Stan's backup quarterback, but I, I just felt like he was going to be a five-star quarterback. I mean, he is right now. We'll see what he does in the future. But you're trying to find that guy at least, <laughs> I feel like, in high school. Eighth grade is too hard. I mean, I, I could see when he was throwing the ball next to an 18-year-old senior that he was the best quarterback. So I mean, that's a little bit better than just trying to, you know, have three eighth graders throwing the ball against each other. You just don't know. Um, right. It's hard. To Clarkson, you know, Clarkson uh, – He's probably the best at doing that. He's missed. Um, he missed on fields. Fields, excuse me. Um, sure. He's hit on a couple others. I mean, well, he's missed on he's, the kid. The kid just didn't. I mean, yeah. He's, he's I mean, playing he college missed. football. That's not a miss to me when a guy's got a scholarship to play college football. A miss is when a kid is, you know, fronting a sludge core band in Portland, you know, <laughs> and working at the Starbucks. That's a kid you missed on. Phil is a, is a he's number two on the depth chart at the Y, I guess is what it is, uh, in their in their system. Uh, since they don't really play a tight end, I guess the slot receiver is their Y. So he's the number two on the depth chart, and he's going to be probably number one on the depth chart next year, right, at the slot. Probably. I mean, he probably will. Davis still wants to play quarterback, kind of. Um, I'm pretty sure that Dana just wants him to play wide receiver at this point. But um, he's still – he's an athlete, obviously, coming in, quarterback, whatever. But I think he's a receiver. I mean, Carson's a quarterback coach. So he'll tell you he missed on Davis. I mean, he won't say that in public. <laughs> if you ask him privately, he say, okay, I'm I mean – He's a receiver now. He's not even playing quarterback. But, no, I mean, David's done a great career. He's fine. I mean, no, no doubt. Um, happy for him. I mean, uh, it's hard. It's just too hard, like I said. I mean, Bills um, wasn't necessarily a miss. But, I mean, Coach Clarkson probably, you know, overhyped him a tad bit in lane. And then his father, too. Oh, uh, yeah, he got overhyped. Yes. Now, that's a different thing. Yeah, that's what oh, I mean. <laughs> yeah. that's, to me, that's different from missing. Overhyped. Good God, yes. <laughs> yes, so yes, with a capital Y overhyped. But he, yeah, yeah, I mean, if anything, he, he was undersold as what kind of athlete he is. I mean, I didn't know he was that quick. Yeah, man, he's got he's got great great uh, speed. Excuse me, um, great great speed, great uh, jumping ability. Really good basketball player, and you can kind of see that a little bit how he plays. How he, I feel like how he makes that first move, you can kind of see that's kind of his juke when he plays point guard. You know, getting off the ball, making that first step. But uh, yeah, I mean, Davis. I think Davis gonna be a good. He'll probably make it to the NFL's receiver. Yeah. See, like I said, to me, that's not a miss. If this guy manages to make it to the NFL in any position, you didn't miss on it. You you just didn't know what he was going to become physically, because who knows that? <laughs> you know, what I mean, how is that something anyone can know? Yeah, that's a, that's the the biggest risk I think you take. Besides the stuff you said off the field, like some guy being in the band or a computer technician or whatever, it's just the size. When you're recruiting a um, seventh or eighth grader or whatever, or even a ninth grader that young, you just don't know exactly what size they're going to be. I mean, there's a bunch of guys. Um, like I said, Dylan Moses worked out so far, and a couple of other guys have definitely worked out. But um, 
the quarterback position is hard, and it's usually the quarterback position that we're talking about when we talk about eighth graders and ninth graders. So, um, gosh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, think about this. I and mean, he's not a football player, but David Robinson graduated high school at six foot three, six feet three inches. When he graduated from, he went to my high school. He went to Green Run. Well, that was the last place he went. He he came in from another school, but he transferred to Green Run. As he, and didn't make, got cut from the basketball team. He and my friend West Hill were the last two cuts. He was six foot three at 17. You know what I mean? The guy yeah. grows almost a foot, basically, or at least I mean, between 17 and 20. He grows 10 and a half inches. And, you know, it's so difficult <laughs> to know. Like I said, I don't, I'm never going to be a person who's looking at 13-year-olds. I'm not – that's not – I draw the line at, like, 17. That's me. I just – you know, you can – I'll let you tell me about anybody who's less than 17, though, but that's your job. I, I – <laughs> for me, that's it. By 17, I have some idea. Even then, I'm not 100% sure, but at least I have some idea of what you are. Yeah, I mean, this you is, know, like I said, it helps. Well, it helps me with the younger guys. Now, camps do help with these guys because they're so young that them playing with older guys kind of, like, oh, okay, this is this guy, he can compete with these guys. He looks like he belongs here, at least. I could say that, you know, so that helps. But other than that, I mean, game tape, of course, is game tape, but um, obviously he's got to be on varsity, you know. Guy can't be on freshman. I mean, you know, freshman team just depends what school he goes to and everything. You know, but it's hard. Yeah, uh, I could tell you about some guys, but I, I try not to dive too deep into uh, younger guys unless they're just, you know, all world type of guys. <laughs> you can kind of tell a little bit. Right, but I mean, that's the whole thing. David Sills was supposed to be all world, right? That's I guess that's what you mean by missed was that he was yeah. supposed to be this. You know, amazing prodigy huh? and all. Yeah, he was supposed to be a five-star guy, and he wasn't. So that's a myth to me. I mean, you know, if you're going right. to recruit right. guys in, in middle school, um, you got to – that's a step, you know, like the NFL draft a step, <laughs> you know. So yeah. And this um, – that's why middle school is too hard. I mean, with, with Darren, um, he's one of the only middle schools I know. Tyson, uh, too, the running back. He's pretty good. He's actually a pretty good size for running back. Running back, I feel like a little bit easier than quarterback. Right, but I mean, it's, of course, it's easier because with quarterbacks, the thing that really determines success isn't stuff you can see by looking at their tape. I mean, that helps you, but the thing that separates, you know, Tom Brady from all those hundreds of guys that everybody thought was better than Tom Brady coming out of high school was stuff you couldn't see on tape. Because on tape, Scott Dreisbach was a better prospect, right? I mean, on tape, John Navarre was a better prospect. I mean, when you look at the depth chart when he first gets to Michigan, you know, there's all these guys who are better prospects based on their high school tape, based on, high, you know, size and strength and all these other things. For quarterbacks particularly, unless you really know the kid, like know who they are, like what drives them, what they, you know, how they'll react to getting their butt kicked, how they'll react to people telling them the greatest thing ever, how they'll react to a guy who outweighs them by 120 pounds hitting them in the base of their spine repeatedly when their offensive line is struggling. Until you know that stuff, you don't know what a guy's going to be. That quarterback. You don't. You don't. 
I think that was uh, it's something I talked to a uh, former college quarterback, Sean Canfield. Uh, well, he was in the NFL for a hot second, but he 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 said the exact same thing. That it's tough. You know, he had a little time with the Saints, and uh, <laughs> yep, so that was fine. I, I like I liked him coming out of Oregon State. I remember him quite well. Yeah, yeah. Sean's a quarterback coach now, so um, you know he he, he works with a lot of younger guys and had a chance to talk to him. But yeah, I mean it's tough. It's hard. Quarterback position is the hardest in sport, I believe. It is the hardest position in all yeah. of sports so, to evaluate. Yeah, and coach. So, so it's hit or miss, man. We don't know. I mean, there, there's a lot of younger guys still that I, I'm uh, hoping that I've been doing it and pan out well that I've kind of hopefully I've hit on so far. <laughs> but we don't know about that yet. I mean, there's a couple guys out there. Oh, it is tough. It's a tough deal to be a, be a quarterback yeah. coach. There's a lot of guys coaching quarterbacks right now, but we'll see kind of who. Right. Well, I remember I think I was the first person to mention Quinn Blanding to you, right, when he was probably, what, 15 or 16 maybe? Yes, you were. I had heard his name before, and they were just talking about him so much, and I never really seen him play. He told me he was going to be good, so yeah, he did on that one. The one you got. I, I mean, <laughs> well, that was, was that was that was that I had an advantage in that I played against his dad, and so you know, right. I remember he's like, "Yeah, come look at my kid," and I was like, "So is he seventeen? I know he's 15. I was like, "Oh, okay, he's gonna be good." <laughs> you know, oh, he didn't know who he was. Yeah, that's the best. I didn't I, 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 I talk to Kevin Blanding since. Since he was 17 and I was 18. So, yeah. you know, almost 30 years have passed. <laughs> so, no, I didn't know what kid was. He hits me up on Facebook. He sees I'm into football stuff, you know, and he's like, yeah, take a look at my kid. And I'm seeing his high school tape. He's a 10th grader, I guess, and I'm thinking he's, you know, a 12th grader. Even then I was going to tell him he had a chance to play college ball because he did. As, I mean, he could have been at a small school level as a 15 or 16-year-old. He was that good. But when he told me he was 15, I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to be just fine. Yeah. Sean Camper works with, with Jordan Palmer, and I know he's – if you have a chance, add him on Facebook because um, he, he'll talk to you. He'll talk your ear off as good, though, because he knows a lot about the game. But uh, quarterbacking, just he just talk about quarterbacks all the time. But yeah, he. Well, you know, here's here's what would be great. Do you have an email address for him? Because I'd love to have him on the coaching show that's coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, I'm sure I could get it. I don't have his email, but I'm sure I could uh, probably. He actually knows Bill Albright too, so I mean, either one of them. <laughs> yeah, I know him and Ben are both really good at evaluating quarterbacks. So, um, <laughs> you know, Sean obviously is, is is in the business, so it's a little different. You know, he's got guys he's got to talk about a little bit more. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's got right. a couple guys coming up in this draft that are working out with him. Um, right. But I'd, I'd love to ask him about yeah. some of the things that he does. And, you know, everybody's a little bit different, obviously, in how they go about. Some guys, you know, they want to get to touch the football for the first two days. It's just all footwork and film work. And some guys want you to throw a lot, you know, <laughs> and some guys want you to hey, you know, you've been throwing a football since you were, you know, how, whatever age, I don't have a problem with you throwing the ball, but we want to concentrate on, I mean, everyone has to have a slightly different approach. Some people are, you know, mind, body, spirit, holistic, whatever. And some guys are like, okay, that's cool and everything, but we don't have time for all that, you know, hippy-dippy yoga stuff. Um, I want you, <laughs> you to grip love, it and rip uh, it. <laughs> you would love Chris Rick, then, if you like the mind, body, spirit, because he's a quarterback coach, too, and he's all about, 
mind, body, Holy Spirit. He's very devout Christian, and uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> he, he's 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 hardcore, but he um he's a pretty good quarterback coach. No, I mean I don't. I have nothing against. As you, the only thing the problem I had was you know watching him play football. I mean I knew him. <laughs> not that I did like him as a person, but just. It's like, this guy shouldn't be starting at Florida State. That was the only thing I, my only thing was like, what, if he had been at a different level of football, I would have been like, hey, go Chris Ricks. I was like, Florida State is starting this guy? That was the only thing that was, well, you know. He was a five-star quarterback out of Rancho. Uh, Which is the other one bothers me. Like, how does that guy become a five-star recruit, Dom? He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't a I five-star mean, recruit. Well, it's funny, Bill, that you said that because I really wasn't around too much back then. Obviously, I was pretty young. On Tuesday, Jim, I know he's still on the show too. He always does a recruiting class with me. 2000 recruiting class, the year 2000. See, I didn't need a little help with that from you guys. Brock Berlin. Okay, well, I'll be happy to help you. I remember that year quite well. (laughs) So, yeah, because, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't get to see these guys play. I mean, I saw them in college, but. I don't really know why certain guys are too high. I think Willis McGay was in that class too. But I'm assuming yeah, well, it was he, he was a high character kid, which is true. He was a super high character. Very kid. high character. Yeah, very and high. he had a good football IQ, but he struggled with two things that a lot of quarterbacks struggle with. One is he did not like people getting close to him. I'm not just like hitting him. I'm not getting close to him. I mean, like oh, there a couple of feet. called them soft his teammates. So yeah. Well, I wasn't going to go quite that far, but okay. <laughs> I was. Yes. He wasn't the toughest cat in the world. Yes, I will definitely sign on to that. And the other thing was he would double, you know, he would he would he would uh, doubt himself. He would he wouldn't he wouldn't always believe what he was seeing. He would, you know, hold on to the ball, double clutch it, and then start looking at the pass rush, and then you know it would just downward spiral from there. But you know he yeah, was the right height and stuff. I mean, I understand he looked the part. And he was a bright kid who understood offense. Orange County kid, tall. Which always, I guess, gets you an extra star, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back then, like you always talk about, he went to all the quarterback camps, which was there wasn't that many back then, so that was a really big deal if you went to a quarterback. All the quarterback camps oh, yeah. in his region. You know, that was right around the time up. that stuff really started to really pick up. Yeah, that makes sense. It yeah. was. so, And they were only there really were only quarterback camps in California. So he had a good advantage of being in both states. So, <laughs> yeah, because I know I, I, well, we did talk to him. Uh, he obviously, you know, Orange County kid, and he got a chance to, uh, you know, travel out. Everybody can't afford to travel from California to Florida on an airplane in high school. So he, he was able to do that. Um, but, yeah, he, he wasn't – he's a good quarterback coach. He's into that stuff. I mean, I don't know, Sean Cancel kind of into just uh, throwing mechanics stuff. That's what he was good at. Mike Riley taught him. So, um, and Jordan too. And Jordan's a little funky with his stuff. So, um, yes, he's a little funky with. <laughs> what I like about him, I mean, is that he does some you know weird stuff. Well, he learned from George, you know, with so right. Who's very much know. into the weird stuff, right? Yeah. There, I mean, yeah. Jordan likes to be at the beach mainly. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think KJ was talking about that on the show last time. Is just that he, uh, you know, go out to the beach, beach house, and uh, go in the sand, throw. They throw in the water last year. Yep, he told me that um, they were up to their knees in the surf. Yeah, we had Johnny Stan, both Johnny Stan, we had both. We had a good little Rancho Santa Margarita connection, Bill. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
Embiid and, and KJ and Johnny Stang, Chris Rick. Yeah, but, but no, he uh, he uh, yeah, they're throwing up to their neck sometimes. The collarbone, Johnny Stang told me. <laughs> to build Collarbone. You got to build up straight. Yeah, I mean, and Trent, and kind of used all Trent Dilfer kind of used that in the late eleven when he brought Jordan in, and now it's a thing. So <laughs> these things are catchy, to catch on. Yeah. Um, right. And Bill, another thing I would love to, you know, you're in Chicago. I might be up at Elite Eleven in Chicago in March, so we'll love to uh, have you out, man. <laughs> oh, oh, you ain't said another little word. All the top uh, Midwestern quarterbacks will be out there, which there's a good number this year. So uh, got a got a got a local kid, I think, from. Uh, Hoffman Estate, that's supposed to be pretty good. So There's a kid from that I've heard from the Academy I've heard some things about. There's a kid from Bolingbrook that I've heard. Yeah, I mean, there's but, – but lately, our guys don't tend to get that much respect for the most part. Um, you know, I'll see a guy who, you know, is a three-star, supposedly, and I'll see some California kid, Orange County kid, whatever, who's, you know, five-star, and I'll say, well, what's the difference? I mean, like I said, I've always had a bone to pick this whole star thing because – I'll look at – maybe there's some differentiations that I just can't see. I'll look at a three-star who I'm thinking, that kid's a stud. And I'll see a five-star who's like, eh, he's okay. Maybe I, maybe, I don't, maybe I don't know. I don't get it. I guess what it comes down to. I don't always get all these fine you guys are known for your, uh You guys are known for your O-linemen more so than anything. Not really the position. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's the thing about – maybe that's why our quarterbacks don't get any respect because it's like, well, can the kid bulk up and play guard? Joe position guys seem to come from uh, West Coast or South. Nowhere in between. Really. I mean, not nowhere in between. That's a little ridiculous. But I, mean, Texas, Texas I was going to say, Western great, Pennsylvania yeah. would like to have a moment with you. Well, yeah, but, yeah Western I, Pennsylvania, but, I mean, it's been a while since Pennsylvania's had a top quarterback, five-star quarterback. Don't remember, to be honest. Um, I would have to go back and see. I mean, they got a kid named Bruno McIlwain right now that's really good. He's going to South Carolina. But, I mean, you know, I mean, Hack is from uh, Northern VA. But yep. <laughs> that's probably the last one. And he's not, but, you know what I mean? You know, it's just uh, Texas, California, Florida, Georgia. They will kind of see who else has. And New Jersey's great. You know, they always have good school position guys, too. So. Yeah, but the Midwest right. is yeah. mainly what I'll say. <laughs> Right, but some of this stuff, you know, Don, is self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, let's be honest. If once it gets into the minds of these recruiting guru people, where they go to look for whatever, that's what they start to think. Well, I'm going to go to such and such, and I'm going to see. I'm going to be really impressed with the hey, Arizona lately, this skyline high or whatever high school has really been producing. Like that's what I can't help but notice is that once it gets in someone's mind that this particular part of the country is churning out blah blah blah. Well, I mean, it's like programming yourself to see quarters. If you want to start finding quarters, start saying, I want to start finding quarters. And when you start looking on the ground, you start seeing quarters. If you start telling yourself you're going to see, well, I'm going to Orange County, oh, the quarterbacks, woo! And it's, I mean, obviously, there's good high school football. They have a tradition of developing quarterbacks. I'm not just, you know, putting that down. But once you have it in your mind that you're going to be impressed with the quarterbacks, you're going to be impressed with the quarterbacks. 
Yeah, I said that with Max Wittick, man. I never thought he deserved the highest praise he got. I did because he was 6'4 and went to modern day. Um, and that's you know, pretty much all it takes. If you're the starting quarterback of some of these big-time Orange County high schools and you're at least six foot three, people are going to turn you into a four- or five-star, no matter what you do or don't yeah. do. Sometimes so that's what I mean. Like that's why I'm suspicious of some of this. <laughs> these, you know, these things I see about high school recruiting is because once a school has a certain reputation and a coach is suspected for such and such and, you know, we just were here two years ago when this kid was awesome and this kid replaced that kid and so he's got to be awesome too. And, you know, <laughs> like I said, I just get a little bit uh, skeptical, I guess is what I'm trying to say of some of that. I, I can't understand why. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's a thing. It's a real thing. I mean, certain things that certain recruiting guys do, I mean, talking about the top-name guys, you'd have to just look at the track record and see. But, I mean, yeah, there are certain sites um, to do. So, uh, I mean, I can't speak for everybody. I try not to do that. I mean, I can't get her. I'm not a national guy yet. <laughs> but, um, yes. Yes, I, right. I you, you said it correctly. You're part of the national guy. I mean, you know, I mean. Uh, kind of, kind of. I mean, you're not, I, I mean, you know, you're in the game, right? You're in the game. I'm in the game now, yeah. I'm in the game now. I'm in the game. I'm still a low guy. So, but <laughs> I'm still the guy that just basically writes those kind of reports and gives them to the big guy. And he, like, takes my word. I'm that guy right now. So. <laughs> you know? Hey, man. But that's okay. I'll live with that. Right, <laughs> right now, yeah. you know. That's that's. That's how you start. But someday Kevin Weidel or whoever will be doing something else and we'll be watching you. Yeah, once we get Lemming and all those guys out. Yeah, I mean, national, I mean, I'm more obviously, you know, uh, in Georgia and California, so it does help a lot. And then we'll see in between. I just, you know, it just helps talking to a lot of people, reading a lot of different people. I try not to be biased. That's the main thing, Bill. I mean, a lot of recruiting, like we talked about, it's some bias. Um, things going on. So I try to uh, talk to everybody from different regions, um, see what they think about kids they're seeing, and then kind of, you know, obviously I'm going to know more about the Florida, Georgia, and California kids, especially the California, because that's where the pipeline I have uh, is in Southern California. So, uh, yeah, but <laughs> camp, camp helps for, for that, too. Um, for all the negative things, camp helps for that. Because you get to meet everybody from everywhere at once. Right. right. Guys you otherwise might not have had a chance to see. Right. I don't have a problem with that. You know, so my, my issue isn't so much that – I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an impossible job, first of all. My hat's off to people who's right So there's, you know, there's 128 SBS schools and then 120-something FCS schools, and then there's – 200 and something division two school. I mean, but even then, all of the levels of college football together don't come anywhere close to the number of high, like between three states, you can come up with more high schools to cover than all of the levels of college football put together. You know, so if you have the three largest states together have more high schools than all levels of college football together. So it's an impossible job. You're going to miss. You have to be, we miss doing the draft stuff all the time, and we're only keeping track of a couple of hundred dudes, you guys have to keep track of 
thousands of players. <laughs> so I don't, I don't envy you at all. Yeah, well, it's it, uh, been tiresome. I'm glad the high school stuff is over pretty much for me. I can hustle and draft because uh, <laughs> impossible to do both, literally. So, <laughs> um, so I know Montel wants to dip in high school football too. I was like, man, it's gonna be hard. <laughs> it's not easy because he does the draft really well. Uh, better than me. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to do high school and, and jazz. you got to, like, at some point stop. You know, I, I love both, so I, I would love to just keep doing both, but not full, full-time recruiting. This recruiting never stops. Um, there's camps tomorrow or today, I mean, excuse me. So, I just, uh, <laughs> I'm done with it right now. <laughs> Everything is done. You know, the, the rankings will come. Uh, signing day will come soon enough. Um, you know, a lot of people say they can't wait to sign a day. I can. Um, <laughs> it's, gonna, uh, it's hard. It, it's, you wake up early. You wake up. I mean, you're pretty much up for 24 hours straight almost. Last year, I think I was up for like 19 hours. A lot of monster energy drinks. Thanks to those guys. This not good for you at all. But you got to have your head in the game, man. You're about to hear a lot of stupid stuff being said. You know, got to talk to some kids. You're chasing Teenagers around, it's kind of weird, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, it's, it's, it, it, Bill. I mean, you know, Malik Henry at the uh, at the game um, literally got chased around. <laughs> um, I mean, he's going to Florida State. He's enrolling early, so I don't really know why this guy was just chasing around. Are you sure you're going to Florida State? Sure. Uh. Going sure. Who was like I already signed? Florida State. Already signed. You know what happened? The last signed. guy that went to Florida State. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Dude, pretty good. Number five. <laughs> <sighs> it's it's, a, it's crazy. crazy. We we talked about how recruiting's changed from uh, your time doing recruiting. I get or not doing recruiting, but you know, just following recruiting. Well, following it. I mean, I paid attention to yeah. it when. I mean, I remember, I remember Tom Lee first did his first thing. I mean, 32 years ago, I guess. Now, 30, no, more than that now. 35? 35. 30, I think this is, this is his 35th year, actually. I think he just put out some. Uh, yeah, I love Tom Lee, man. Because Tom, Tom keeps it the same. He, he, he doesn't change his formula. He's never really changed. Nope. I mean, he's tweets. He's tweets. But, you know, obviously he had to on social media, but. He's pretty much got the same formula. He still yeah. goes around everywhere. Um, yep. The states that people don't go, want to go to, New Hampshire and like Vermont, stuff like that, he'll find talent today. Um, yep. And that's why he's so great. <laughs> why he's, uh, you know, one of the godfathers. Of- he is. He is. I mean, I remember the first time he started doing the thing that he does. And, you know, I thought to myself, Wow. I mean, that's where I'd be honest. I thought to myself, wow, like, this guy is doing something really hard, you know, because like, nobody had never tried to do it before, as far as I knew, at least. I had never heard of anyone doing what he did, you know. Uh, it was new, at least to me. I'd never seen anyone try to to do what he was trying to do, you know, um, to go all over the country and see, you know, you can't see every player, but see darn close to every player there was to see and then tell people who is good. You know? Yeah, like, still does it. 
still does it. And uh, yeah, he's great. I mean, he's one of the reasons I probably got into this job recruiting. So yeah, Tom is great. He's uh, a guru. <laughs> and I just like yeah. I said I like what he does. He 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 kind of just stuck to his old tradition, doing things the way he does. He didn't really change for anybody. A lot of recruiting changed. Um, isn't that kind of like I call it the closet era, just because like so like that era was. 2006, 2007 here was where it changed the most to me. And from the older guys I talked to, that's what it seems like it changed the most. So that's when you start getting social media involved a little bit, and you start getting the camps heavy around the country. Um, super hype guys on CNN and, like, going outside of the ESPN, you know, or CBS Sports or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I feel like that's kind of the thing. It's been the same. It was interesting seeing how much it changed and how quickly it changed, you know, from this, uh, you know, virtually, like I said, it was a one guy, literally one guy <laughs> doing it uh, to, you know, where it is now. It's just an amazing, to me, it's an amazing how it went from being a like I said a one guy man one man operation in one place doing it all you know by himself <laughs> for no real reason really I mean except that he was fascinated by it and he wanted to tell other people about his particular obsession I guess would be the best way to think of to put it yeah they, 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 you know I, I, another reason Tom is gets great is uh, people try to knock him. On certain, you know, he used to wash stuff now, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, he still hits on a lot of guys. His success rate is pretty high. And the thing I like about Tom is he won't try to find the big five-star name every time. He finds find the three-star guy, you know, and telling, telling you guys about him, that three-star guy. doesn't have to be the – everybody tries to hit on the five, man. The one thing I learned from Tom, I mean, you don't have to every time. You can scout the guys that are going to Illinois or whatever, uh, New Hampshire even, lower-level guys. So that's probably the best thing. I mean, he has the ability to drive around. I don't. So he's got that over me. But, you know, still, there's a bunch of guys that are really good players up there. They don't have to be top flight guys every time. So. Sure. Yeah, um, he's that's true. Fun. Have fun, Bill. Yeah. Jim, tell, I mean, tell it, us. The, yeah, I will. Jim, tell people what you're up to and where they can find and follow your work as well. Oh, uh, lots of stuff. Um, I mean, I did a lot of stuff for NFL Spin Zone this week, uh, looking at Joey Bosa, Mackenzie Alexander, the 2016 NFL free agent class, the 2016 NFL.